Hello, everybody, and welcome to Turn to Page, Season 2, Book 5. We'll get there by the end of the season. We'll get there for a clean intro somehow. Just got mm -hmm. only, only a couple books left to nail it. As soon as we're on book eight, there will be an exceptionally yes. clean intro for this, and then we'll have to change season again. Yeah. We'll say, ah, Eureka, I've got it. And goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, uh, yeah, Grow Quest. So we're up season two, turn to page. Book five, Kingdom of Horror. We took our week off to do the special Halloween Dracula episode, which was a very good time, by the way, if you did not... Uh, Listening on that one. That was a lovely book. Uh, Incredible fun. The systems in the old Ace Game books, the the oh. Jonathan Green books are so fun. They're so fun. Not to take away from Grail Quest. No, sir. Very true. It's more like if you yes. if that didn't look familiar in your feed and yes. you're like, hmm, maybe I wait until the next week. No, 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 no. You go back right there now. Yeah, you go you go back right now. You go take a listen. Stop right now. I'm giving you a minute. Don't you dare talk. <laughs> you can listen to it in this minute if you speed it up fast enough. <laughs> if, you, if it's fast enough, if you get as many, just two, two times speed and then two times speed and two times, like all you have to do, download the podcast uh, at two times speed and then play that at two times speed and download that and then play that at two times speed and download that. You can do that probably all it's you can get it down to a minute. Eventually you'll get it down to a minute. Will it take longer than that to get it there? Eh, probably, but not my problem. Will it be <laughs> an unintelligible wall of sound? Sure. Sure. But you'll be able to come back here feeling good that you have successfully completed the mini quest we sent you on. Exactly. Welcome back, 99% of people listening, because I know you all did that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're on book five. It's If you're jumping in now, I mean, we're going to maybe we're going to have equipment and stuff that carries over from the first books. Last week, well, last week of Grail Quest, at least, we didn't. But that was kind of a unique, yeah, unique spin one. And I do believe there's at least like a glossary at the end of the book implying we'll be able to utilize some of our old stuff. So, mm -hmm. okay. However, we're also hit with this warning page. Uh, yeah. Do you want to... How about... Hit me with a warning voice. I, you know what? I, I feel like this is the most appropriate uh, to be warned by. Uh, warning! This is the most difficult grail quest yet. To complete it, you will need require exceptional patience, skill, courage, and not just a little luck. Examine every possibility with care and caution. Ignore nothing. And above all, be certain to map your progress as you go along. This latter point is especially important should you manage to enter the Kingdom of Horrors, where the nature of reality is such that retacing your steps may not necessarily return you to where you've come from. So more or less, yikes, potentially? We'll see. I don't know. A potential of yikes. I will, of course, be uh, diligently mapping this adventure for us. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Here there be yikes. Uh, and also, here there be Merlin. Let us, let's get this started since uh, who knows how many hours ahead of us we have in this journey. Let us begin. Let's do it. Here be Merlin. Here be Merlin. Oh, there you are. Uh, don't panic. There's no crisis. No wicked wizards on the loose, no rampaging dragons, no invading Saxons, no crisis at all. Uh, just a small problem. Or smallish. 
Well, quite a big problem, really. A rebellion in Avalon. You remember Avalon, don't you? Uh, King Arthur's realm, knights, heroes, damsels in distress, all that sort of thing. Oh, and me, uh, the wizard Merlin. Uh, the king has instructed me to send you this message at once. <laughs> Come here at once. Got that? Come here at once. Signed, Arteris Rex. All right. If you have adventured in the Grail Quest uh, books in the past and remember all about rolling up your life points, fighting, and so on, Turn directly to page two. I I think I do. I think I do. Mm -hmm. So on to page two. We do two. indeed. So as part of that, we are going. Ah! I dropped a die. Oh, I thought you you. It did not ask. Do you remember how to roll dice? <laughs> it said, "Do you remember how to roll up that?" Yes. I but... tried, and I threw one to the ground. <laughs> I threw it into my mouth and chewed. Uh. Nine is our best result. Nine is our best result. So nine by four, and then we also carry over nine max HP from previous adventures. So yeah. that's nine by five, four forty-five. By by grinding experience on an ant hill, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> it was... It's like half of at least. I half. think like at, at least half of that. At least one full point is just dwarves. <laughs> that's true. One full point is dwarves, and almost the rest of it is an ant hill. <laughs> That's so good. One singular twentieth of a life point was the wicked witch uh, wizard Anslem. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> as strong as an ant. What a what a world. One fire ant, the strongest. One fire ant. Page two. Knock knock. Just ignore that. Somebody's knocking at. Wait. Hmm. Is this? Is this? Oh gosh. This this is in Merlin's voice still. It's not in quotes, but I do think that this is Merlin. Knock, knock. Uh, just ignore that. Uh, somebody's knocking at my door. They'll go away eventually. They always do. Uh, now, pay attention. In a moment, I'm going to call you back to my time. I'm going to cast a net spell, which captures your mind and pops it into the body of a young person here in Avalon. A young person named Pip, who's, well, uh, quite the hero. Pip has slaughtered wizards and dragons and monsters galore. Yes, indeed, a sturdy young person. I have Pip's body right here, all ready for you. It's in a wicker hamper underneath the table. In quite good order, too. A few scars from old wounds, but sound of wind and limb. If you've used Pip's body before, you'll hardly notice any different from last time. Except for the ball through the deck. I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do about it now. It was a little experiment I was trying after I read an old diary by a, a Dr. Von Frankenstein. Uh, he used lightning to animate bodies. Most ingenious approach. I tried putting it out on a uh, young Pip's body, actually. Iron bolts through the neck, propped Pip up against an old oak tree and waited for a thunderstorm. There were seven lightning strikes directly into the bolt, but it didn't animate the body. But it did fuse the iron into place, and now I can't get out the bolt without removing the head. Oh, never mind. You'll actually look quite distinguished with the bolt through your neck. Uh, there are also certain benefits from the lightning, which... Knock, knock, knock. Go away! Oh, no, not you. Oh, where, where, where was I? Oh, yes, the net spell. When you get here, I'll have some spellbooks ready, and your magic sword, and some very special... Nah, crash, crash. Will you go away? Oh, honestly, some people just don't understand the meaning of privacy. 
Oh, of course, the whole of Avalon has gone to pieces since the rebellion started. Uh, but we'll soon sort out that little problem. It's a smallish problem. It's only a question of getting back Excalibur for the king. Oh, what was I saying? Oh, yes, very special armor which will help you win in all of your fights without any chance of injury. And some excellent magical gear. Oh, but first, the net's... Crash, crash, splinter thud. Oh, those peasants don't know their own strength, do they? The door's half off its hinges. I shall have to see something to them, all right. Just once I finish the spell. Now you just have to relax and turn to page three. Did I hear that right? We're getting armor that makes it so we never lose fights? Interesting. If successful, I believe that uh, yes. this is Merlin dangling yeah. that in front of us before uh, he screws up somehow. Yeah, we'll just make that not happen, and we're all good. The net spell... Uh, the adventure begins. The net spell snakes through time for Merlin's outstretched fingers, reaching with invisible tendrils to capture your mind and bring it to the green fields and rolling countryside of Arthur's Avalon. You feel faintly dis disoriented. Your surroundings fade. No longer are you in the 20th century. Instead, this isn't right. No green fields, no rolling countryside. You may be in Avalon, but if you are, you're in a funny part of Avalon. Your trusty talking sword, EJ, is with you. Merlin must have left the body you'll be using for your adventure in a box somewhere. And now that you've arrived, you're trapped. To call out for help, turn to 23, or you could try poking EJ through the gaps in the wicker work to knock up the hasp and go to 55. You've already got a choice. This is the fastest choice we've had in a Grail Quest book. No kidding, no kidding. We do have EJ at the absolute least as well, so we've got yeah. a, a particularly powerful weapon with us. I do worry that maybe uh, the door has been knocked down and the crate has been carried off by the peasants that had ransacked Merlin's. It's so true. maybe calling for their help is not a great idea. That's kind of what I was thinking, so let's go to 55. Let's do it. 55. Carefully, you slide EJ, blade first, through a gap in the wicker hamper. Although you can't see what you're doing, after an age, something clicks. At once, the lid springs open, allowing you to stand up impatiently and bang your head against the underside of the table. You extricate EJ from the wicker basket and crawl out. The room is in a total, sh is in a total shambles. Furniture has been smashed, cupboards overturned, and an alchemical furnace pounded into a scrap metal. Books and parchment, manuscripts torn into shreds, a door leading outside hangs drunkenly from the broken hinges. There are marks on the dusty floor as if someone had been dragged out, and several damp boot prints throughout the room. Merlin's nowhere in sight, nor is anyone else for that matter. Where is this place? You ask EJ. Uh, it's Merlin's new house, I think. You groan inwardly. Merlin's notorious for the odd places he picks as a home. At various times, he has lived in a log castle, a crystal cave, an oak tree, and a bubble at the bottom of a well. If this is his new house, it could be anywhere. You hesitate a moment, taking stock of your position. Obviously, something very nasty happened to Merlin, probably related to the rebellion he mentioned. The marks on the floor suggest he's been dragged away bodily, so the longer you wait, the greater chance there is that his assailants will get away. As against that, without Merlin to meet you and the net spell worked, you have no magic nor equipment for an adventure. Nothing, in fact, but your life points, your skill, and your trusty talking sword. Hmm. You can risk Merlin's attackers getting away and search this room for hope of finding magic equipment on 33, or risk running into Merlin's attackers without magic or equipment on 66. Here's my thought. Lay it on me. We die... Who cares? We don't lose anything. 
We don't have equipment. It's true. <laughs> I think we should definitely go after the attackers. Like, what if the way that we actually get the equipment is by rescuing Merlin, who has them on him? That does make sense. All right, 66. It's just mean Jake out there. Hey, get... You crash through the door like a bat out of heaven to be confronted by your own reflection in the polished bronze of a shield. In different circumstances, you might have concluded that somebody carrying a shield might well have a sword behind it. But just at the moment, you are too stunned to think. Merlin was not joking. Your reflection stares at you with a bolt through its neck. Mouth open, you begin to reach up and feel the bolt, but before you do so, the carrier of the shield, a stocky layabout in peasant's leggings and a smelly sheepskin jacket, falls upon you with a large wooden club. No question of a friendly reaction here, nor of a first strike for that matter, which definitely goes to your opponent. He has 26 life points. The club does plus four. But he's also not a trained fighter, so he needs a six or better to hit. You do full damage on him every time you hit successfully. If you survive the encounter, you may step over the body and head for 83. All right. All right. Well, well would you like to roll the first strike for our uh, oh, that's right. stocky no, layabout in peasant's leggings here? <laughs> What's that club do? That club... <laughs> that club do uh, roll on 11. So that club, <laughs> that club do a lot. Is That's the answer. A nine Cl damage. That club to us. do a nine. If only we had the armor that made us not lose fights. Yeah, no kidding. Hopefully, this is the way we get it. Uh, failing entirely uh, to parry the club, EJ has uh, set his mind on attempting to strike back. True in order to demonstrate value, having been away from us for a full adventure, and does so with aplomb. It's only a seven, but that's still enough to do uh, five and two, seven damage to the enemy, taking them down to 19 life points. All right. There is at least a whiff on the way back. Rolling a five does not land. Close, but no. Ooh. We Zip. love to see it. We love to see it. <laughs> Uh, and the enemy also probably loves to see the point at which uh, we basically just whistle for a round as we roll snake eyes. Oh my god. And then they hit with a six. They do not like the whistling, but they are a little bit distracted by it. So hitting with a six is a plus four damage. So that's just four damage. Mm-hmm. Are we going to die in the first fight? I'm, I mean, the, the worst case scenario, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, barely managing to uh, strike the enemy. Uh, the we, we drag EJ all the way up their club and graze their knuckles. Oof, ouch. Oof. Uh, it only does six damage. Oh, my lord. Oh, boy. And he gets an eight, so that is a, another six damage. What are we at after that? Uh, we're down to 26. Huh. And the enemy should be down to 11. Just do 11, forehead. Oh, okay. I mean, you could, I guess, right? <sighs> that was a little promising when I saw the five uh, and was immediately crushed when I saw the one following it. Thankfully, we still do strike the enemy for another six damage, which actually, never mind. That's, uh, that's enough to put him on the ground. Oh, yeah. That's right. The 5 uh, HP situation. This guy's right. unconscious. We step over the body to page 83. Now that you have a moment to look around, you quickly take stock of your surroundings. The building you've just left is a perfect cube. 
with slightly rounded corners. Standing on what appears to be a rocky plateau on the top of a small mountain, neat round windows have been set into the sides of the cube in such a way as to give the appearance of a six-sided die. Of course, the effect is absolutely fascinating, but for a moment you have no time to worry about it. At the edge of the plateau, a narrow path winds downwards, and from your vantage point, you can see a group of men hurrying along it. Their progress is being slowed substantially by the furious struggles of a tall, thin, white-robed, and similarly bearded, figure, whom they are, apparently, attempting to kidnap. You down there! Uh, stop! You call bravely, waving EJ for added emphasis. The group halts and heads turn at the sound. For a moment, they confer together. While you begin to wonder if stealth might not have been a better strategy, since there are seven of them all together, not counting the white-robed figure, who certainly is certainly your crabby old mentor Merlin. The distance is a little too far to hear what they're saying, but in a moment, three of the men break away from the group and rush back up the path towards you. All three are waving plus three clubs, so it seems unlikely they're coming back to invite you to tea. Nonetheless, you stoutly stand your ground, legs akimbo, EJ trembling with suppressed excitement in your strong right hand. The men reach the plateau, and the fight is on. And a tough fight it'll be for an adventurer that has hardly started yet. Uh, each one of these has 20 life points, and though they each require a 6 or better to hit, as mentioned, they do plus 3. If they kill you in the encounter, go to 14. If you manage to put paid to them, the remainder... On the path, we'll release Merlin and run, allowing you to proceed. So how many right. are how many are coming to hit us? Three. Three of them are coming three. to okay, us with God. 20 life points each. All right. So I do think... Uh, can, can we roll initiative? Yes, we will be rolling initiative against these. Two. Five. Let's go! Uh, as is tradition, we will be, uh, tradition also rules as far as they've been explained to us, we'll be fighting <laughs> them each one by one, unless the game has said otherwise. So, time to take the first swing at the first rough peasant. Oh boy. I would love to roll well one of these days. Alas, we roll yeah. a seven instead. That's a seven both in damage and also numbers on the dot. I love the thought of using as is tradition... When you're following like little, like laws, <laughs> I am going to be paying for my groceries as is tradition. <laughs> as you get up mm -hmm. to the register, <laughs> as is traditional, I will not be murdering you in this instance. Yeah. Um. I I also like the idea of a judge uh, forgetting the word precedent and instead <laughs> saying tradition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as is settled tradition in these lands. <laughs> as we um. I don't know, as we usually do. Uh, as I, <laughs> you know how it was? That again. That worked well. I also just wanted to be informal and go, the rules. You know the, the rules. rules. You know the rules. It's <laughs> and they pull out the book from Fairly Old Parents. <laughs> it's Jorgen von Strangle. Okay, anyways, where were we? Uh, it is your turn. It is a strike oh. of the rough peasant. Six or uh, better to hit, plus three damage to the <gasps> That is exactly what I wanted to hear. Oh, beautiful, sweet manner from heaven. Allow me to also roll damage. <laughs> seven, doing seven damage to the enemy. Uh, Literally be... just enough not to knock them down to the ground. They have six HP left. Uh, they Big got a eight, which uh, is a five, five damage. damage. We could 21 die. 21 HP remain. We could die. 
Excellent! We absolutely eviscerate the first of these uh, rough peasants. In doing so, we set into the core of the others. Uh, fear and terror. I roll initiative against the second, and I roll a six. That guy's got the... Do we keep rolling got initiative? I, I don't... I don't know. I got a three, <laughs> I, so I win anyways. Creature. Regardless. It's irrelevant, but it might not be... It might be relevant next time. You go I think in initiative probably is rolled once, to be fair. That's my thought. So Which just... does mean it is EJ's time to shine. Yeah. And EJ... Oh, boy. I mean, what can you say? He's consistent. That's a seven. Hey. Could be worse. Hey, uh, be worse. you really like this last time, right, boss? Oh, my God. They got a six, which is so much more annoying for the enemy because we are getting chipped away. That's three damage. It's mm -hmm. not a lot, but we are dying. <gasps> glory of all glories. We roll an eight, which, as it turns out, is exactly uh, enough to make this man unconscious. Better believe it. Get down. I think we're actually going to save Merlin here. Yay. I mean, otherwise, we're going to the dreaded 14, so. <laughs> EJ uh, forces a glancing blow against the... Wait, hang on. Yeah, that was the other guy. Uh, forces a glancing blow and only does five damage to the remaining peasant. The remaining peasant is mourning the loss of his friends and rolls a very sad four. Ooh, that is a very sad four. That's his oh, that's okay. Um, uh, his emotions are contagious and his wails set within our core and bones. I roll a three. EJ is also stunned into silence. And then the wailing gets louder. Oh, he rolls a five. <sighs> Wait, that's not enough to hit. Yeah. Eh, that's a four. That's a one. <sighs> Wait, no, that's damage. Uh, but it's still not that much damage. Uh, but the frogger is cursed. Uh, <laughs> that's five damage to the enemy from EJ, leaving them on ten. They're bloodied. This is one of those situations where I'm like. I want to lie because I feel like people are not going to believe me when I say this is a five, and I want to just say that this is a six, but this is a five again. So we That's okay. This enemy probably doesn't have the ability to kill us at this point anyway. I. It's almost more efficient if we die. <laughs> you know? like <laughs> Almost. We have really poorly performed on these rolls. Like, it's probably more efficient to die. <laughs> I have great news. The peasant heard you say that and was like, oh, right, oh, boss, and immediately died. <laughs> Guess I'll die. Mm-hmm. That's a right. 10. EJ is capable of taking them out entirely, so that was one, two, three. Boom. EXP. Fight experience towards our next uh, level up. All right. On to page seven to save Merlin. Oh, what kept you? Merlin asks crabbily as you run down the mountain path to help him the last few remaining yards on the plateau. Haven't you realized Excalibur is missing? Excalibur? You echo? The King's Sword? Oh, yes, the King's Sword! Oh, nicked by some scabby tort feaser while you were subbing yourself in ancient Greece. I hope you had a good time. I meant to mention it after you'd put pain to the Saxon invasion, but you skived off so quickly afterwards, I never really had the chance. Oh, since it takes quite a time for me to prepare the dead smell, oh, the country is already in rebellion. Who holds Excalibur rules the realm, and that's always been the way. And since Arthur doesn't hold it now, a lot of people are saying he's not fit to govern. But 
what about the Knights of the Table Round? You cry. Merlin sniffs. Oh, they've uh, stayed loyal for the most part, but they can't be everywhere. Although they're trying, of course. Uh, Lancelot is at Land's End, Galahad, John O'Groats, and King Pelador's up sailing in the Mersey. Uh, none of it's really doing much good. As fast as one pocket of rebellion is put down, another one just springs up elsewhere. The only thing for it is to find the sword, and quickly, uh, which is where you come in. He brushes himself down and asks, Oh, do, do you like my new house? You follow the direction of his gaze to the cubed structure. Oh, that. Uh, yeah, very nice. As an afterthought, you ask, Where are we exactly? La Dogogwentor, Merlin replies. In the Welsh mountains. I came here for a, a bit of peace, but the rebellion is everywhere now. Oh, never mind. Now that net spell's done, I can set traps. Oh, but in the meantime, we'd better get you ready for your little search. As you walk towards together the cubicle house, Merlin remarks, You know, I really built this for you. And a good job too. Those peasants ruined all the spells and most of the equipment I had stockpiled for you, so when you need a bit of magic, you'll have to pop back for it. Have you noticed anything peculiar about the house, Pip? It looks like a dice cube? Most observant! And for good reason. Sympathetic magic. Uh, like attracts like. As above, so below, and so on. Anytime you need to come back here, all you need to do is roll one die. It will transport you back to the house. So long as you don't roll a one or a six. What happens if I roll a one or a six? You ask. Merlin regards you sternly. <laughs> we don't discuss depressing things like that. Now, don't hang about. Uh, you can help me repair the door, and then I'll set about on the road finding that sword. Since Merlin is using magic, a throw of ten or better on two dice will repair the door. After you've managed it, go to twenty-eight. There's no... What? <laughs> There's no failure state. <laughs> what? I'm, I don't understand... Roll two dice until you get a ten or better. I'm still going. I got a snake eyes. I got a twelve. Uh, I got a twelve. Oh, now baby, we can go to base twenty-eight. It. There's no down. There's no failure state. It's just do it <laughs> until you're done. <laughs> okay, here we are. Oddly enough, the interior of Merlin's residence looks completely different to the way you left it. Much of the same size and shape, but no sign of broken furniture or wicker baskets or any of the mess left by the peasants breaking in. Oh, uh, can you read maps? Merlin asks you abruptly. You nod. Then take a look at this one. He draws from a pocket a parchment scroll, which he proceeds to unroll on a nearby table. It was discovered at the scene of the crime. It is my belief that it contains a vital clue on the whereabouts of Excalibur. See page 217. Uh, do you recognize any of the place names? 217. Sorry, I'm just writing that down. You stare at the map, frowning, frowning mountains of madness, wilderness of Karn, Scrog Hollow City. None of these, none of the names, none of the names is familiar. You shake your head. That's because these uh, places. Yes. Oh, this is curse of the no quotes. They did it to you again. No, oh, fine. yes. That is because those places don't exist. Most especially Scroghollow City never existed. It's Mer pure fiction. Merlin tells you. 
At least not in our reality. This is a map of a small part of the fairy kingdom. But who, you ask, in the fairy kingdom would want Excalibur? Merlin shrugs. Who can say? Now, he adds briskly, on the matter of equipment and magic, you can't have any, at least not at the moment. All smashed up by the revolting peasants. Oh, yes, indeed. I shall do my best to sort something out, and you can pick it up later. How? You ask, alarmed at the prospect of setting off with no more than your faithful sock t- talking socking sword. Talking sword. It, it talks and it socks. Pow! Pommel strike. By popping back to my new house when you feel you need. Snaps Merlin. I've already told you! When you want to return here, you can do it any time except you're in combat or when someone's laid a spell upon you. All you have to do is roll one die and turn to the section marked Merlin's House. You'll only be able to take one thing from here at a time, of course, but it's the best I can do under difficult circumstances. Now, are you ready to be off? I don't even know where I'm supposed to be going! No, but I do. Says Merlin, beginning to wave his arms in the intricate pattern which marks the start of a transportation spell. Wait! You shout desperately, having discovered in the past how unreliable Merlin's magical transportation can be. But, as always, it's just that a little bit too late. Uh, The room begins to spin around you, growing faster and faster until you're unaware of nothing other than a swirling fog. Fortunately, you do not have to stay fogged. It will clear a little on page 50. So, we go to the house to get equipment one at a time? Yeah, so my my assumption, right uh, because one or six could be a bad option, I guess, it's to prevent you from just going back constantly. Well, I mean, in this situation, why wouldn't we, we're, we're nowhere right now, why don't we risk it right now before we even do anything? You're right, I have no idea why we wouldn't do that. Do we want to? Yeah, I'll do it. That's a two. <laughs> Whoa, actually, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. Uh, we should read page 50 before we do that, because the very final part of the, uh, italic text is relevant. Uh, okay. The fog clears, although you may well wish it hadn't. You're standing alone on a broad Roman road running due north in one direction, branching southwest and south in the other. All around you is a sweeping plain. At the fork is a wooden gibbet, which hangs a smelly remains of a rotting corpse. Beneath the corpse is a clump of yarrow plant growing. If this is the fairy kingdom, the fairies must be pretty funny folk. Something tells you this is nothing of the sort. All your instincts point to the fact that you're still in Avalon, but where in Avalon? I don't suppose you know where we are, you ask? Nope, EJ replies shortly. I don't suppose Merlin uh, remembered to give you the map of the place we're supposed to be going to, did he? No, he didn't, you mutter sourly. Well, better pop back for it then, remarks EJ with a self-satisfied sniff. Well, possibly, but you do have several alternatives. Follow the Roman road north by going to 4, take the southern fork at 37, or the southwestern fork at 70, or you might pick up some of the yarrow at 18, or examine the smelly corpse at 10. Holy crap. Okay, so 50. And then after? Uh, oh, yes. oh yes, fifty connects to all of those. But yeah, I'm just I'm starting to write down this gig. While you write that, path. Yeah. I will continue. Yeah. Um. Or as EJ says, you can throw a dice to try and get back to Merlin's new house, and then turn to the Merlin's house section. 
So while Rito is uh, tagging that down, Got I it. will flip ahead to the Merlin's House section, looking for the second entry on it. Is that at the bottom? Yes, well, 196, page 196. All right. The two-spot entrance gives you access to the Merlin's Equipment Store, and very useful, too. Turn to the equipment list on page 206, choose any two items every time you visit this room. If you need more than two, you'll have to come back via the die, since the spell is only strong enough to permit you to take two items maximum each time. When you've chosen your items, mark them off the list and return to the section where you were when you rolled the die. Uh, okay. 206. Equi oh! It's, it's equipment, not magic items, right? Yes, this is just the equipment. I believe uh, one of the other ones will give us the ability to get the magic items. Oh. There's a All right. lot here. Mm -hmm. uh, would you like uh would you like to burn through it quickly for us yes axe bandages boots breastplate with minus two damage taken mm -hmm. false beard and moustache hammer harp <laughs> healing potion healing salve knife lantern loot liar mallet map of the fairy kingdom nails mm. parchment pipes of pan powdered ink pumpkin quartz crystal quill pen rations rope Sack of grain, sandals, saw, sheepskin jacket, spikes, string, tinderbox, water bag, wooden plank. Huh. Mm-hmm. 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 Is mm -hmm. cool. Well, let's let's uh, get the obvious thing out of the way. I think we should probably take the map of the fairy kingdom. Yeah. And I feel like the breastplate of taking two less damage every time forever is also yeah. kind of required. I wish that Absolutely we could take more. Absolutely the first two I would have wanted to choose. Yeah. The false beard and mustache is a pretty close one, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. I so really hope that we not only get to take that, but we also find the specific encounter in which it is godly useful. Yeah. But the fact that we have to roll a two when we are going back to that, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I suspect we are meant to go back to Merlin's quite often over the course of the adventure. Yeah. So... Can we only do that at the end of every section? If it says it? Uh, when we're not in combat and we haven't had a spell cast on us. Great. Okay, so we're mm -hmm. back at page 50. Do we uh, go back to the house? I'm oh, I'm over the moon to get... Well, ooh. you know what? Yeah, let's do it. I want to learn more about what's the... Ha ooh. <laughs> that sounds like a good number because it's not a one or a six. Yep. Five... This entrance gives you access to the room with the wicker basket. Despite Merlin's promise to clean it up, the room is still a complete disaster area, and there's nothing of any use to you here. So go back to where you rolled the die. Wow. Wow. Do you want to roll one for us? Because... You know what? Yeah, it's been... That's a six. I'm so sorry. More trouble! Since the six spot is painted on the roof of Merlin's house, you crash through the ceiling for a loss of half of your current light points. We lose nine, and we are down to nine, because we were on 18 previously. To add insult to injury, you've landed in Merlin's bathroom, which contains nothing more useful than a toothbrush. Return to the section you were when you rolled the die. I have found the mechanic that balances this. I've rolled the two. I didn't, I'm sorry I didn't ask, <gasps> but we're back to the, That's the okay. equipment, which... Um, I guess I would have said, if you don't want to go to the house, then I guess I wouldn't have told you the number. But it back that to the equipment. Okay? Which, to be honest, we're going to really need at this point anyways. 206. Mm -hmm. How about we... Uh, how about healing we, how cell? We, uh, you, 
Yeah, how about we get a healing salve or a healing potion? I, I assume, because the healing potion doesn't say anything about its information here, so I can only assume that the healing potion is as it was previous. Three charges of 2d6. Probably. But then the salve makes no sense, because it's one jar, but like each charge of the salve was, was 3 HP. But also we don't know how many charges are in a jar? It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to look at other sections that would possibly say, yeah, no. All right, well, let's get the healing potion at the very least. Absolutely. And then, oh, God. Well, I will say we do cross it off, I remember it says. So I yes. can't get it again. so we won't be able so, to claim this again. So I guess that's the point of the healing salve is like, well, you already crossed off the healing potion. Oh, uh, yep. Okay, cool. That makes a bunch of sense. Um, in which case, do we take that since we're dying big time, or do we do something else? What do you think? Um, I think, I don't know why, but I really want to take something else. Great. How about something like, uh, like bandages? Great. Do I roll again? I like the idea that at some point we would meet someone who's like, oh, I know how to use those. If you have bandages, you heal extra or whatever. Yeah. I'm down. The question also, is... Also, I'll read this healing potion. I'm not yeah. even going to ask. I'm rolling the first charge. I should... What? Never mind, actually. I misread the number. As it turns out, I should have rolled the first charge. We get nine health points back immediately. Feeling great. I feel like I didn't fall through a roof ten seconds ago. All right. Do I roll, like, do I roll? Oh, please. Yeah, I roll? Yeah, probably the other two, to be honest. Oh, no, I was going to say, should I roll to go into the house again? Um, I got oh. a, an eight. Oh. <laughs> we don't go into the house. We miss it by miles. You know what we should do? What we should have done, I guess, if we were going to go back in the house, we wouldn't heal in case we hit a six again. A good point well made. I don't think we should go back into the house right now. I also think okay. we should probably save this final charge of the healing potion. Just because it's possible we reach an encounter that's like, oh, heal, because you did a bunch of stuff at the start. And it would feel really awkward if we just finished the healing potion when we got there. Yeah. All right, back to page 50. 50. So there's the pathway going north. We do like that. Uh, but there's also, mm -hmm. it says to leave nothing unsearched, and there is some yarrow and some smelly corpse. Yes, I I do like the idea of leaving nothing unsearched. Pick some of the yarrow on 18 or smelly corpse on 10. I already crossed off 18 because I thought you were saying that's what we do. So let's Excellent. do that. Let's do 18 then. You pick some of the yarrow and stuff <laughs> it into your pocket. Now you better get back to page 50 and make some sort of sensible decision. Mm -hmm. How about we go to 10 and smell that corpse? I mean, go near the smelly corpse. <laughs> If you survive this operation without developing some noxious disease, it'll be a miracle. The corpse has obviously been hanging here for a very long time, and what bits of it haven't already fallen off soon will by the look of it. The clothing is largely gone to rags, but by a dint of holding your nose, you manage to do a reasonably thorough search. It reveals two items of interest. One is a small gold coin, the other is a scrap of parchment. The coin is not a standard gold piece, it's too small for one thing. Nor does it carry Arthur's sovereign insignia, nor the head of any Roman emperor as some of the old coins in circulation still do. In fact, it's perfectly blank and featureless, so that it's perhaps not a coin at all, but a small golden disc. The scrap of parchment has something written on it in spidery writing. 
A foreign language or possibly a code of some sort. To make matters worse, the parchment is obviously old, badly torn, and certainly only a small bit of a much larger sheet that only fragments of the original writing are left. But for what it's worth, this is what you can read. You know? Yes, well. Mm -hmm. And with those useful finds, you may now go to north on 4, southwest on 70, or south on 37. Okay. Trying to this decode. is extremely clearly a cipher. Yeah. Is it is it just a push cipher? Maybe. Where just you bump it all to the it's like Z M X R V M G space O L I V H V V P so you know. Mm-hmm. Lots of V's. The V is probably an E based off of H V V P. So is it an inverse cipher then? Because so V is the fifth last letter of the alphabet, and E is the fir- uh, fifth from the front. Maybe. Uh, okay, well, let's let's see what an inverse cipher would do for the rest of these kinds of things. Unfortunately, this means I will have to write out the alphabet. Um, how do I spell Enelmenel B? Hey, what now? It's uh, one of the letters. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, Enelmenel B. How do I spell Enelmenel B? <laughs> Uh gosh. Are we gonna really brute for it? Maybe we no. You know what? Let's let's pause this for literally just a moment so we can see if this is just this cipher, because it would be interesting to actually be able to read these. Yeah. Alright. Okay, okay, okay. It is, as it turns out, a full reverse alphabet cipher. The uh clue that Rito had uncovered there of the two V's in the middle of a four-letter word. Both being probably E's was the key to understanding it. So this text says, Ancient lore. Seek the giant's dance. Gold disc activates. Wow. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. That feels well, like well. a... <laughs> that really does feel like part of like Dark Souls quest text. Yeah. I mean, that's... All right. So... Seek the Giants, Gold Disc Activates. Seek the Giants, Gold Disc Activates. I mean, I see that the options here are North, Southwest, or South, so we do have to go probably North first. Mm -hmm. Please, lead us there. Page four. You follow the road without incidents, without incidents, for perhaps 20 minutes. The serenity of the day broken only by EJ's mumbled conviction that you are going in the wrong direction. And indeed, he might be right, for the countryside around the road is featureless, with nothing to indicate any entrance to anything, let alone the fairy kingdom you're supposed to be looking for. You're just beginning to wonder if you should turn back when you spot another corpse lying on the side of the road a little way ahead. This one's even smellier than the last. Are you going to risk the Black Plague by investigating the corpse? If so, hold your nose, turn to 63, or continue north to 41, or backtrack in these other various things. Yeah, yeah, back to where we've already been, or risk the black plague mm. by examining the hanging corpse on ten, which we did do already. I mean, yeah. How much do we want to risk it again? I mean, in a way, it's kind of like if you're saying this is risky, in the same way that page ten was risky. I feel like I'm fine to do it. Let's do it then. Let's hold our nose. Follow your nose. The corpse opens its eyes. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Be the Hawkey Man! 
It exclaims in a broad Hibernian accent. If it's money you're after, your lordship, surely I haven't a penny piece to my name and that's the truth. You step back in alarm and then realize this smelly old heap of rags is in fact an old beggar. Pray be reassured. You tell him politely. Politely. Uh, Pray be reassured. (laughs) You just mocking him? So, yeah, EJ, brother, Pip asks the same thing I do, where if you hear someone with an accent for enough of a period of time, you just start to blend into it, and you're like, no, uh, whoops, uh, I did what, unintentional. You tell him politely. Uh, I'm no brigand, thief, or robber. I'm merely an adventurer in search of the entrance to the fairy kingdom. Aye, says he, scratching himself wildly. The kingdom of Hor, is it? I beg your pardon? You'll be looking for the giant's dance. That's the only entrance to the fairy kingdom I know of. The giant's dance? You frown. The big stone circle down the road away? You know, the way you came? Sure, it's a miracle you didn't notice it. He stands up. Well, since you won't be robbing me, I'd better be on my way. With which he sets off briskly northwards. You may do the same, if you wish, by turning to 41, or you may like to look into this giant stand stone circle business by returning to the fork, uh, for which you can travel south on 37 or west at 70. Well, we do know we're looking for the giants. Mm. Do we have uh, an ability to rob this man? I mean, you know, we got his guard down. Now it's time to steal his not money. I'm stealing your debt. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a debt. I'm a debt Give me collector. that indentured servitude. <laughs> I'm a debt collector, man. Am I in debt? <laughs> I got so much of the stuff. I got so much of it from everybody, man. And I'm here I mean, to collect your to. debt. Sure, I don't need it. Even if we have to go south, it's got to be Giants Dance. It's Giant. It's Giants Dance. Uh, south or southwest? I guess I don't have a strong feel. Uh, south. Great. Southwest is, like, diametrically opposed to northeast, which is the yes. direction we want to go. So south is just closer. Yeah, true, true, true. Looks like the Romans ran out of paving stones. The road ends less than half a mile along here, or at least dwindles into what looks like a cattle track. You can follow the track on 21, or you can return to the fork. Sure, 21, yeah. Let's do it. Let's we'll run into its conclusion. Oh no, you've ended up in a herd of cows. They're all over the place, and they've churned up the ground so much that it's impossible to see where the track leads. A harassed cow herd is racing around with some around with a stick, trying to get the animals into some sort of marching order, but without any real degree of success. If you're feeling benevolent, you can give the cow herd a hand with his cattle on 100, or search for the continuation of the track on 140. Hmm. I mean... Are we going to be especially good at handling gals in any fashion? Nope. Keep going. 140. Well, I was thinking, uh, you know, that means we haven't expended our beginner's luck at managing cow cattle. Uh, I'm fine with 140. I'm also fine with 70, going back to the uh, the fork to go southwest and see if that is the giant stance. Uh, I'm also recognizing at this point that this is all very mappable terrain that I should have been drawing. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy to go back southwest and see if it's like a more obvious, you know, yeah. like like maybe we'll find a more obvious direction to go towards the giants, and then we can come back here if we need to. Let's do it. So that's what page seventy. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Ah, the joys of life on the open road. Trudging along without the slightest notion of where you're supposed to be going or what to do when you get there. But it's a lovely day, the birds are singing, the air is fresh, and the only thing you have to worry about is that huge group of ugly-looking peasants with pitchforks bearing down on you. In a moment, they have completely blocked your path. There must be 25 of them looking grim and suspicious, but not to say threatening. Stand aside! You say bravely, grabbing the hilt of your sword. Although, in truth, you know you wouldn't stand a chance against so many in a fight. Nah, what? Oh. Not until he shows us our rite of passage token, properly inscribed. Growls their leader, hefting his pitchfork menacingly. Hmm. If you have a rite of passage token, simply hand it to the leader and you'll be allowed to pass without hindrance to 111. Alternatively, you might just be in a position to fight all these idiots using magic. Oh dear. Or if you're really nuts, you could tackle all 25 without magic and hope EJ's in good form. Each of them has 30 life points, strikes on a 6, and gets plus 2 damage with those pitchforks. Huh. If you succeed, go to 111. Well, for what it's worth. What's that? I think we're okay. I think we don't fight them. I think we walk away and go, I'll go get your rite of passage. The question is, like, is our token, is this token the rite of passage token? But the gold, you know? It says, mm. it's the thing that tells me, maybe not, is it says properly inscribed. Yes, and it did describe the gold disc as surprisingly smooth, but yeah. also it says the gold disc activates the giant's dance rather than, uh, like, allows you entrance, which might be within the realm of cryptography, but I still feel like it's more of a, like, key that I would push into a pedestal. Yeah. Okay. So I suppose we go south to 37, which is back where we were. So yeah, th south back to 37. Uh, which then leads us to the cow herd on 21. 21. <clears throat> and then we can either go to, to 100 to help him out or go to 140. Let's help him out. Let's uh, continue to be benevolent in this realm. I want to be a benelephant. <laughs> All right. It's fortunate you have a bit of experience. Oh, we do. Oh, yeah, that's right. Experience in farming as the adopted child of Freeman John and good wife Mary. Otherwise, you'd be trampled by these stupid cows. Nonetheless, you persevere, and between yourself and the cow herd, the herd is eventually back together again. I be thankful to young traveler, exclaims the cow herd gratefully, wiping his brow with a bit of straw. Them beasts be right tricky to handle. I bain't got no mot, no rife, no kin to give me help in hand. Happen he might look around and stare a while and work for me. A groat a year be going right eh, with a bed and a buyer and all the mangle walls all Z can eat on Thursdays. Even a portable translator wouldn't make much of that lot, but you concentrate hard and conclude the rural entrepreneur is offering you a job. Uh, no thank you, no. You refuse politely. I fear I already have a job as a professional adventurer. Oh, I hear. Nods the yokel sagely. Fumbling in the pockets of his smock. Then take ye this here rite of passage token <laughs> to the official peasant rebellion organization committee of which I be shop steward. It might be of a summit use sometime. He says official, the official rite of passage token from the official peasant rebellion organization committee with such clarity. And then he gets back mm -hmm. to it. 
With which he hands you a small confidence Take ye there this right of passage token for the official Peasants' Rebellion Organization Committee, of which I be shop steward. Yeah. Oh, my. It's... <laughs> I'm trying to... I think there was something where... Oh, I'm going to butcher it. But maybe you know what I'm talking about, where there's like a translation. It was something to do with Undertale from Toby Fox, where it's just like just this long bit of, uh, you know, of Japanese. And all of a sudden it's just the most the most English like Toby Fox that you've ever mm -hmm. heard. Just like slapped right in the middle. And it's so funny. Uh, but anyways. With which he had was, it, small was it one of the Nintendo Directs when they were talking about him doing maybe. music for the Smash? Maybe I can't remember. It's it's it, don't bring a story if you don't know what you're talking about. I but I just it's more like hey, this it's is okay. I wanted I wanted to salvage the memory as I believe I also have that. Yeah, some uh, the comments will know. Uh, it's just it's I don't know. Anyways, with which he hands you a small copper disc with a crude X scratch on one side. Uh, thank you. You reply, pocketing the token and wondering if it, if he might have escaped from from a funny farm. Then, as an afterthought, you ask, "I don't suppose you might know where the entrance to the fairy kingdom is hereabouts?" Oh, I hear the kingdom of horror. He replies, smiling broadly. You'll be needing the giant's pass, you be. Take ye the road back ways till ye find a hangman. Then ye turn southwest and mind yourself. Which makes about as much sense as anything else he's said. Uh, although the instructions seem to be clear enough, you, if you want to follow them, go to the fork and search the corpse in ten. Yep, okay. Alright, so we have the passage, which... Mm. Was that 70? What was it? Uh, yes, that was going back to 70. However, only in this area do we have the ability to continue south after the cattle track, or rather look for the cattle track south uh, to 140. And if we would like to be uh, exhaustive in our opening search here, where we've been finding consistently additional tools, uh, that may be of use to us. Alright, what page was that? 140. Bum move, Pip. <laughs> Bum move, Pip. The ground is so churned up here that you don't have a pup's chance of finding the track. Unless you want to get lost in the wilderness, better go back to the fork where you can search the corpse. It's just a dead end. It's literally just a dead end. Okay. All right. Yep. Let's go to 70. Infinitely glad to have that confirmed. I'll meet you on 70. <laughs> uh, so now we can move on to page 111 because we do have the token. Mm -hmm. You follow the road as before until your eagle eye catches the sight of a signpost off the road across the broad surrounding plain. The signpost... Burned into wood with a red hot poker by the looks of it and rather neatly done as well. Says... Blip, blip. If you feel like following and the series signpost, go to this if you want to stick to the road 150. What does it say? That, that sign says Giant's Dance. Oh, well, yeah. I'd like to go to Giant's <laughs> Dance. Let's do it. 128. This looks really interesting. You've reached a massive ring of standing stones, monoliths, megaliths, trithalons. Oh my god, again. Trilithons, the whole bag. The must be, this must be what they call the giant stance locally. Although, you have some faint memory that the Romans, when they were in Avalon, called it Apollo's temple, and in a later age, the one you've come from, thanks to Merlin's net spell, this is the ancient construction known as Stonehenge. Now you know where you are, Salisbury Plain. But how can this be the entrance to the fairy kingdom, or the kingdom of horror, as some people seem to be calling it? You better do a little exploration to see if 
what you can find out, there's a neat map on page 221 with various places numbered. Use it to decide where you're going next. Okay, 221, I'm just marking that down. Down we go. 221. Giant's mm -hmm. Dance is a cycle. Oops, that's my... I've copied that and I'm putting it in Anna's Paints. So the fact that we traveled southwest to get here leads me to believe that we're entering effectively from the top, which would be uh, five. Yeah. Do you, do you want to inspect the nearest rock? On five? Mm-hmm. I'm down to do it. There's something behind this stone. Swiftly, you draw EJ and zip around to confront the horror that awaits you. Equally swiftly, you slide EJ back into his scabbard and remove your hat. Oh, I, I do beg your pardon. You say politely. I'm afraid I thought you were a monster. Do I look like a monster? Asks the slim girl in the white linen robe leaning on the stone. Uh, not exactly. You say? Uh, that, that is uh, not at all. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just a bit nervous. I'm Camilla, says the girl, smiling. I sometimes come here to feel the stones. To feel... You stop yourself just in time. Looking closer at Camilla's eyes, you realize she's blind. Oh, yeah. I, I see. Really rubbing it in? Wow. May I feel your face? She asks. You sound... Nice. Oh, yeah, of course. You stand there, a little embarrassed by this unexpected development, as Camilla runs her fingers lightly over your face. Excuse me. She says after a moment. But do you have a bolt through your neck? If you still have that stupid bolt, turn to 52. Otherwise, if you've managed to remove it, go to 31. I love the idea that she asks, but we don't <laughs> have, have it. But you have a bolt through your neck? No. No, what gave you that idea? Uh-uh. <laughs> well, we haven't removed the bolt yet. I can yeah. only, like, the only way that I can even imagine the bolt being removed at this point would be going to a different part of Giant Stance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or, or something at the house. Oh, the house as well. Or persisting to go south after we got checked by the uh, official Peasants' Rebellion uh, organizational committee. True. Uh, well, let's go to 52, 52 anyways. You nod and then remember to say... You then remember and say... Uh, yeah. I thought so. Said Camilla. Would you like me to take it out? I'm quite good at that sort of thing. I was told it couldn't be taken out with my head not falling off. Ah, stuff and nonsense. Says Camilla. I can remove it quite safely. It's up to you, Pip. If you want the bolt removed, go to 68. If not, you can always decline politely on go to 31. Huh. Hmm, how do we feel about this bolt? I'm trying to figure out why it would be useful ever. If we got, if it attracts lightning. <laughs> like, when is that going to be helpful that we get struck by lightning? Mm. I can only imagine some sort of moon logic scenario in which we do get brought back to life by being zapped. Uh, yeah. Also, for what it's worth, I think there is a non-zero possibility that we allow her to remove it. Now her head just goes, like, Final Destination 2's its way off our neck. Yeah, I mean, I'm down to, I'm down to find out because I'm curious. Let's do it. 68, I trust you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Delicately, she touches the left side of the bolt, turns it gently in a screaming motion, and then withdraws it and your head falls clean off. No, withdraws it in with no trouble at all. There. She says, tossing it away. 
I'm sure you'll feel much better without that old thing. And perhaps you will, but for now it's off to 31. Okay. Well, the least said about how I... The least said about that and how they're better. Remarks, Camilla, mysteriously. I suppose you're looking for the entrance to Fairy Kingdom? How on earth did you know that? You ask in amazement. Merlin told me. He sent me here to help you. Whoa. Oh, wait. It, this is not me. You got got finally. Well, it, I got got. it it's just, yeah, it's the inconsistency with me. Can you beat that? The old fool wasn't as disorganized as he seemed. Do you know where the entrance is? You say. Oh, yeah. Says Camilla brightly. It's one of the mounds just due south of here. But you'll need to start the giant stance first. I suppose, do you have the little gold disc? Do you? If the answer's yes, go to page 90. We do. Uh, we do. To page 90. <laughs> Are we not going to get to explore any of the rest of the, the, the I, uh, giant stance? I'm going to hit you with a, I don't mind it. If it happens, it happens. We'll very, see. Very, very fair. Because if it happens. I'm so relieved. They shouldn't, they, you know, it's not our fault that they made it so we are forced into it. Because it doesn't, it doesn't say you have the disc. Do you want to go here? So you have the disc. Go here. So we got to do what mm -hmm. we got to do. Uh, so relieved, says Camilla. But you will also need this. She takes from a fold of a robe a sprig of cherry blossom. Isn't this a pretty part of your adventure? Don't worry, it won't last long. You must offer the blossom to the guardian of the gateway. Where do I find the gateway? <laughs> you ask ever sharp. At page 56. <laughs> Camilla replies in canon, smiling. The Guardian will instruct you what to do next. Alright. I mean, do we just... Yeah. I mean, I'm... Nothing I'm for it. I'm down to just give it a little look. You're approaching a vast Trilithon gateway, and a bit of action by the look of it. A shimmering mist fills the space between the granite uprights, and within it stands a towering figure. Arms crossed over his massive chest, a club as big as a tree trunk under his right hand frowning like thunder, and generally making you feel as though you just climbed up a beanstalk. Where is my cherry blossom? Asks the figure in a voice that reverberates across the plain. Not just a giant, but a giant nutter. Still, you may be carrying a bit of cherry blossom, which we give it to him and zip over to 132. If you want to pass the giant in uh, by other means, he has 499 life points, strikes on a three or better, does plus 15 damage. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, I mean, yeah, we're, the thing is, we can go to 132. We absolutely can. Uh, if we did want to, we don't want to, but if we did, we also did have the option now to go to any other area in the plane. Let's go to 132, though, and give this uh, brute this flower. If we, The way I see it is if we, like, magically cleanly stumble upon a pathway and we can, like, successfully traverse through, that's, that is a luxury that has not been afforded to us by the other books recently, and I would really mm -hmm. like it. So I want to give the book the opportunity. Like, cause we skip, like, the same way that we skipped the entire city that one time. And, mm -hmm. and guess what? That book was still, like, four and a half hours long. So... So I'd say we do it. All right, so 132? 132. Thank you, says the giant. I adore Cherry Blossom. Take this and pass through the gateway. This turns out to be a scroll, which is written, 
I will read this for you. My goal in the future will be to translate these such that we can read them uh, in situ. This one says, When and if you beat the monster, place golden disc on altar and stand back and go to 43rd. T-H-R-D, 43rd. <laughs> I can only imagine that's 43. <laughs> okay. 43. Oh, and I know even how it happened. The transcription error was G-S-I-W. The W was two Vs. So it translated from W to D instead of V and V to E and E. So it is 43. Oh my goodness. Well, I am so glad. Like, I'm well aware of ciphers and I can, like, brute force a lot of them. Mm. But thank God I would not have done it, thought of a reverse alphabet cipher. I'm very familiar oh. with, the, like, the bumping them down to or whatever. Yep. Like, I'm very familiar with that. Honestly, the main reason I thought of it was because uh, this era of, of, you know, books that are in the scholastic realm had a real, real fascination with different ciphers. Yeah. And as a result, I just learned a couple of the obvious ones. Mm -hmm. This is cool. Hell yeah. It's fun uh, to feel like we we're cheating a bit, yeah. But we're not cheating. We just, we brained it. it like, mm -hmm. We just solved the puzzle. Um, so here's the thing. When we defeat the monster, put the token on the altar, step back and turn to page 43. So that's something we just yes. get to know. We just keep that in mind when that situ arises. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write down 43 after kill mon coin altar turn 43. <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> That sentence looks like the writings of a madman in my book. After Killmon, coin altar turn 43. It's not too far from the text itself. <laughs> yeah. All right. Keep the scroll carefully and step through the gateway, which will transport you directly to page 72. The great stones of the henge loom all around you. Before you is a flat granite slab laid out to form a massive altar. And on the altar... You don't really want to know what's on the altar, do you, Pip? You can always go back to your plan and try another destination or slip back to Merlin's house for more supplies or something, but if you insist on facing the appalling white-faced long-fanged creature or even now rising up from the altar, turn to page 120. Hmm, I see. I, I believe it's possible we may need to gear up for... If you insist on facing the appallingly white-faced and long-fanged creature even now rising up from that altar, turn to 120. I'm not opposed to just trying and then we know in the sense of like a and then we know what we need to prepare for kind of an angle mm -hmm, I'm not mm -hmm. opposed to I'm that gonna pitch do we want to drink the other charge of the health potion sure before trying sure let's do it you want to roll it uh, why don't you I'm trying to find where I wrote the information that about. is a 10 we're back up to 36 if we had no extra max hp we'd be on full hp hey oh no all right 70 72 to 120 120 is the long let's do it let's just, let's just run why don't we just run straight to the castle and punch ganon in the face all right 120 wait what 120 B special? Huh? 
There's no 120. Oh no. What? I No, this yep. is I This is right. I I think what's being described is that it's it has a special bribe action. Oh, a bribe especially bribe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. B with some amount of stars. Yes. Yes. All right. 120 B. Greetings, visitor to this place. How glad I am to see your face. Oh, no, it can't be. For I am lonely on this stone, which tends to freeze one's backside to the bone. Oh, yes, it is. A while that has made me short-tempered, as you can see. I will accept your visit is well-meant, provided you have the proper equipment. Only one creature on Earth could mouth verse quite as bad as that. The incredible poetic fiend whose name is a living legend among the adventures the length and breadth of Avalon. And know exactly what to do, the fiend continues. Otherwise, you'll be in a stew. Summoning all your wits, you quickly extemporize your reply. Oh, mighty poet, I do know it. As to equipment... It will serve to take me just as far as I deserve. Well said! <laughs> exclaims the fiend. He approaches you with his hand outstretched. But I'll still need to assure myself that you have everything that's needed. A small, special gold coin and the coded instructions on how to use it. If you have the coin and instructions, turn to six. If not, you're in deep trouble and there's like a whole bunch of things. Oh my goodness. That say oh, you can I am... bribe and... Well, yeah... We could go back and look for them. We could bribe him for 500 gold pieces, or uh, he rhymes us to death if we try and fight him. Yeah. So, great news. Uh, we do have the yeah. coded instructions, uh, and we have the special gold coin. We did it. This is, this is like the most progress we've ever made in 30 minutes of... There's been some Grail quests where 30 minutes in, we're about to start the adventure. I mean, we're more than 30 mm -hmm. minutes in. I forgot we paused the recording but still uh still we made a lot of progress this is vis-a-vis uh, -vis. exactly so page six yes murmurs the fiend yeah this all seems to be in order now simply follow the instructions on your scroll and best of luck all right turn to page 43 wait do we kill the monster i thought it uh doesn't it say once you killed the monster i mean it, it, this can't count. Is this the monster? I mean, we turn to 43. We're doing exactly what it says. I mean, we go to 43. Yeah, unless the opening text of 43 says, like, uh, yeah. something else, we should be fine. Let's do it. Yeah. That's Tornet. As soon as you follow the instructions, the great stones around you begin to glow. At once, a rumbling noise begins beneath your feet. For all the world, like an earthquake or a team of giants dancing. What's going on here? You ask the poetic fiend in sudden alarm. Oh, sorry. He says. Just remembered I've got a previous appointment. And disappears without so much as a farewell ode. The ground begins to rise and fall beneath your feet like an angry sea. The glow begins to become brighter and brighter until you're half blinded. A great voice echoes throughout the air. Reverse the number of the mounds to find that which you seek. But beware, the wrong mound means death. 
The great voice dies away. The ground slowly reverts back to solidity. The bright glow dims then disappears, leaving you to solve the mystery of the message of the voice if you're going to get very much further. I mean, like, it means that we can, you know, 16 becomes 61, 26 becomes 62. Um, yep, 15, absolutely. 51. That makes a bunch of sense. I, w I was like, okay, so if I flip three backwards, no, that's an E. That's not a number. <laughs> I was legitimately so far from the actual uh, answer there. Uh, let's but, do it. So but uh, it does say yes, the wrong sorry. one means death, which means what? How do we? Mm, mm, mm. Uh, none of these reverse to be 14, unfortunately. So not easy to figure out. Yeah. I mean, I think that the mounds, I think, are the on the map i think it's 1526 maybe so should, should, let's should we just go to let's go to 60 62 let's go to 62 i like that as well that's definitely one of the mounds we can see kind of like a spiral structure around it yeah, uh, yeah. clearly indicating uh it, it, what's topography higher the higher uh, yeah. elevation in the topography yeah looks as though you've solved the mystery pip that seems like a good sign this is definitely one of the mounds. At first glance, it looks like an ordinary mound, but as you circle around it, you set in what you find set into one side, a heavy brass-bound wooden door. Cautiously, you try the handle and discover that it opens easily, revealing a flight of worn stone steps descending into the darkness. But will you take them? The voice warned that the wrong mound leads to death. The choice is yours. Go down. All right, let's the steps at 95 so, or look for the other round and see what happens there apologies let's go to the uh, 51 because it seems like we're not locking ourselves into the decision yeah. so we can at least like if the other one is like a giant skull door i think i'll have a pretty good idea about what not to do yeah um all right so 51 looks as though you've solved the mystery pip this is definitely one of the mounds at first glance it looks like just an ordinary mound but as you circle around it you find into one side a heavy brass bound door Oh, they're the same. Mm, it's exactly the same. Oh, should we should we look for additional information on either 56, 72, or 16? Uh, I'm just not entirely enthused by the option of 50-50 die. Yeah, maybe what we should do is go back through the portal and go to like 15 and 26 and see if there's something about them that seems right in the other realm you know what i'm saying oh can we oh i don't know wait you're, you're saying we go to 72 or 16 i mean yeah sure let's let's go to 16 it's it's nearer to uh camilla's uh original location uh. okay oops wait what oh shoot which page was i going to 16 16 all right if you've been wondering why this was called the Slaughter Stone on your plan, is it? <laughs> I, I had not seen yet. Uh, <laughs> maybe I wouldn't have shown up. You can stop wondering now. Leaning on the megalith, grinning evilly, is a black-robed figure carrying a razor-sharp sickle. Beside him are two further figures, also in black. But with rather attractive maroon edging. And also carrying sickles. Something tells you they're not about to harvest some corn. Something is right. These are three of the dreaded black druids who sometimes use the henge as a sacrificial site. The problem seems to be that there's no one to sacrifice until you came along. The druids are bribable, if you have the wherewithal. 
And if you don't have the cash to bribe all three, you can always try bribing the ones you can afford to bribe. If you want to try this and you succeed, you may return to your plan and pick a different destination. The same goes for three friendly reactions. Should you elect to fight, however, you should know that they have 20 life points, hit on a 5, and do plus 3. If you slaughter all the now we... eight, so Should we try friendly reactions? Uh, yeah, no no reason not to try a friendly reaction against each of them. Um, I will roll for our uh, charisma against them, uh, if you will roll the three dice for each of them. Okay. The first one, it's impossible for us to friendly succeed, what? as we get a 3. Oh. Well, I got a one and one a six, so <laughs> that would have been really the, disappointing, anyways. A four. That is a two. Wait, is it has to? Does it have to be lower? That's a one. Does it have to be lower, or does it have to Ooh. be the same? I will quickly check. It's a three. It's that. Yeah, it has to be less than your enemy. Uh, and yeah, uh, the final is a two, so that's also not going to be possible. Alas, one. Two. <gasps> two. That would have... If you rolled a six. If you rolled a six. A one, a two, and a two would have done it. If so, only I did. If only. That's not reality, though. Let's do some murder. We don't have any money, so... Let's do it. Initiative, they got a three. Hey, a six. We'll be striking first. Uh, we've also got the breastplate for negative two damage, which is going to be very handy indeed. Ah. Ooh, EJ, love the consistency. We're going to be doing, uh... So, wait, EJ hits on a 4+. plus. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've been doing one less damage this entire time than we've needed to? Oops, oops, oops. That's... I don't know um, if it made any differences. Mm-hmm. Eight damage will be dealt to the first of these druids. How dare you! Yeah! And he hits with a nine? Hits up... <gasps> So that's a seven. So that's five damage. Mm-hmm. Takes us down to 31. We're certainly not looking well for it, but we strike back uh, and manage exactly to connect with a four, doing five damage, taking the enemy down to a total of seven remaining. Any following swing will de deactivate them. That is a five, which is a hit. It does one damage. Mm-hmm. Takes us down to 30. Honestly, I appreciate that. Thank you for taking us down to a round number. A multiple of 10. Yeah. Much appreciated. It's also a multiple of 5 for what it's worth. The enemy dies. Uh, one experience for us. Time to fight the next then. <laughs> oh, that's a good opening throw. Uh, EJ uh, is like, uh, you're not wielding me right. And just floats out of our hand and goes and strikes the enemy for a total of 11, which is more than four and plus five for uh, 13? No, 12 damage. The next guy uh, hucks his, his scythe like a boomerang. He goes mm -hmm. woof, 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 for seven. So that is a, uh, oh God, that's a five, three, three damage. Sweet total damage. Nice. I see, I see. We're doing flying weapons here. All right, take this. And EJ uh, barely clips the shoulder of this cretin. Uh, but as it turns out, they have a really important artery there and they just spurt yeah. blood out and onto the, the sacrificial stone until they fall. And the boomerang scythe comes back and pops him right in the dome. <laughs> <laughs> Just neatly, like, yeah. rings around the neck for a moment. Oh, no. 
Alright, next guy. Final. Ooh, that's also a good opening throw for a total of 5, 10. 10 damage, taking him down to bloodied on the first hit. That is a 8, so that is 3, oh boy, 6, 4 damage. Ah, mm -hmm. I miss having better armor. 23 remaining HP. I miss when we get to where we used to wear two pieces of armor at the same time. Not yeah. just two pieces of armor, but the dragon skin and also the leather jerkin. I miss when we had spells and abilities. Mm. That was fun. Uh, enemy has 10 health remaining. We roll a six, which is seven damage. Enemy is unconscious and we win the fight against these ah. druids. All right. If you've done three murders, if you've done a triple homicide, turn to page eight. That was well done, Pip. The world is definitely a better place without them. Don't forget to search the bodies, since you will find on each of them a full Hell yeah. healing potion. Oh, baby. That's mm -hmm. big news. Now go back to your plan and pick a safer destination. Um, I'm going to suggest at this point that uh, a good next move for us would be to heal. However, a better next move before healing would be seeing what's up in Merlin's shack. Going home? Uh-huh. I got a three. <gasps> That's good. That's what, good. I know that's three? good. <laughs> a three is magical item. Oh, we take those? Okay. Merlin's house yep. on three. Oh, boy. You can read it. The three-spot entrance gives you access to Merlin's stock of magical items. Some useful, some stupid, some dangerous, and all extremely mysterious, see page 207. In most instances, only one of the listed items exists, but for a few of them, Merlin carries backup supplies. You may only take one magical item each time you visit the store. For the magical item to work effectively, the item must be chosen sight unseen. That is to say, you must pick your item before turning to the instructions about its power and use on page 208. In most cases, the clue to the power and use of the item is in its name, so study the list carefully. When you made your choice, take a note of the number of the item and then look up the number on the instructions page. When you've taken a magical item, cross it off the list. If it runs out of uses, you may not pick up that item again unless it's one of the ones that has more than one in stock. Once you've sorted that all out, go back to the section where you rolled the die. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, no. You want to run through The through neck instructions. John. You want to run through these? <sighs> Number one! Uh, the Aborigine Pointing Bone. Number two, uh, Bolt Through Neck Instructions. There's also a Boot of Speed. There's two pairs of those. There's a Crystal Ball that's broken. A Death Bell of Demonic Summoning. <laughs> the mm. Egyptian Death Mask. The Eye of Horus. Indian Rope Trick Instructions. Two Laughing Globes. A Levitation Tablet. A lightning rod, a lightning wand, a lucky coin, two magic fireballs, a mask of friendship, ma sorry, an orb of incredible destruction, a portable decoder, psionic helm, a rainbow bubble pipe, the resurrection wand, a sanctuary scroll, a seeker needle, three sleep globes, two vials of smarm oil, a vorpal sword. No, EJ would probably get jealous. A vorpal sword and a Xerox copy. Huh. What? the heck mm -hmm. are you pulled in any direction here if we still had the bolt in our neck i would absolutely go for the bolt through neck instructions just to see if it was you know useful to us in some fashion mm -hmm. lacking that though 
I mean, Resurrection One seems like pretty difficult not to be good. Yeah. Mask of Friendship, Lucky Coin. Any of these calling your name? Not really. It's it's more just like that. Everything's calling my name all at once. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's a big list of like, yeah, I could see how that could be good or kill me. <laughs> sleep globe is that like you can risk free go to sleep three times maybe Ooh, possibly i was thinking in the dimension of uh you throw it at someone and they go to sleep could be that that actually probably <laughs> exactly makes we won't know i'm you know what mm-hmm. do you wanna do you have a d20 around you uh not on me unfortunately i, I can immediately get one though no, I'm just going to go to the random oop, number generator. I'm going to go to Google, and I'm going to have it pick Download. a random number. Random number generator between 1 and 26. That is going to be a 6, <laughs> which is, scares me a little. That's the Egyptian death mask. Let's do it. The Egyptian death mask. I can't imagine that would be bad. What does this do? <clears throat> number if you place six. this item over your face... Your body functions immediately cease, and you will appear stone dead to any monster, enemy, or friend. This allows you to avoid a great deal of potential hassle, since it means you can move on as if you'd won the fight. Wait, what? Roll one die to find out how often you can use this item before its life power runs out. Each usage costs you one One life point. One life point. This seems broken. Yeah, you roll. I'm going to roll for this. I have to find my die that I dropped on the ground. <laughs> we have two charges of the Egyptian death mask. That's fine. Well, that's it's going. literally just instantly win a fight for one HP. Like, ridiculously good. Yeah, I think that we maybe don't get the experience, but also, oh well. And this, this die's gone forever. <laughs> Alright. Now, it's probably a fair point to say that maybe we shouldn't get the experience. That's but right, we do yeah, get yeah. the experience when we do friendly reactions or when we bribe them. Mm, and it does say, right. carry on as if you had won the fight. That is true. I think a fair case could be made that we should still. Also, to make you feel better, I rolled a 3, a 2, and a 3 when I was rolling my pretend charges here. So Okay. You'd, not you'd, that different. Not that different. All right. So, wait. Oh, where were we? Oh, yeah. We, we're kind of like in limbo. Uh, yeah. So we could go to 72. We could. Uh, did did we want to pop a couple of charges of this healing potion before we proceed? Probably. Cool. I'll roll for the first one. Man, that's 4 HP. Wait, we've been to 72. As in the center of... Oh, is that where the, the, star, the, the giant is? Yeah. Uh, I see, I see, I see, I see. Um... We're up to 27. Could you roll for our HP? You, you, you've you historically gotten a better result here. I got an 8. That could be worse. <gasps> That's good. Up to 35 HP. We take that. Okay. Um, Do we really have to guess? I find that hard to believe. Hmm. Unless these other things are mounds, but I don't think they are. I don't believe so. Also, one of the mounds says the other mound, so I have to imagine yeah. it's just those two. Yeah, I think it's just the two. I mean, um, if we can go back through the portal, going to like 16 and uh, was it 25? The base versions of these seems like it would be a good idea. Uh, sorry, 15 and 26, rather. Yeah, the question is, is 
definitely just whether or not that is allowed. Um, do, what do you think? You think that's allowed? So what took us out of here in the first a, place, right? Like, where's portal. the big giant? What do you do? Oh, he made an he did an earthquake, which rearranged the the mounds. But the, I, huh, I don't know. One thirty-two. Take this and pass through the gateway. But then he like slams and the ground. The gateway and the takes you to shatters. And that's what flips, Does he? It, like flips the mounds. I thought. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, let's go. Let's do. It. Screw it. Let's just time warp. Let's go. We'll see. We'll see if it even matters. How about that? Go to I 15. think so because I I I can't see the 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 fundamental transformation occurring here. All right. Fifteen. There's probably a very good reason why this mound is marked on the plan, but it's certainly not very obvious. You search about for ages without finding anything more interesting than a straightforward mound of earth. Then return to your plan and try another destination. Muttering grimly to yourself. Sorry, I stole that. It's all good. Let's try that on 26 as well and see if we have the same. There's probably a very good reason why this mound is marked on the plan, but it's certainly not very obvious. You search Mm. around for ages without finding anything more interesting than a straightforward mound of earth. Then return to the plan and try another destination. Boy, howdy. Muttering grimly to yourself. Ha! Got it. (laughs) Got it again. (laughs) Okay, so those are nothing. So I guess we just have to try one. What do you think? 51 or 62? Uh, You know what? Uh, 51 is the most northerly of these two. Let's go. 51 it is. Which means we will also be proceeding down those steps to 105. 105. The steps lead downward into a 20 by 20 lined chamber with no discernible exit. On the wall opposite the stairs, someone has scrawled a message. Will you approach the wall and read the message? If so, go to 135. Otherwise, you may still return to your plan and pick another destination. Um, oh, I would love to read a message. I mean, if it's just a message, we can 135. As you step on the floor of the chamber, a sudden grinding noise erupts from behind you. You swing around just in time to see the stairs withdrawing upwards, sealing the room completely and leaving you trapped. With an oath too obscene and terrible to record here... Except in code as follows. Oh, drat! (laughs) You turn back to the wall and the scrawled message reads... Mortal, beware. You stand at the brink. Those who enter the kingdom of the fairy do so at their own peril. Only the bravest and most daring may venture beyond this point. Prove yourself now by defeating the ghastly guardian ghoul, or die in the attempt. The ghastly guardian ghoul? There's no ghastly guardian ghoul here. Just an empty chamber. With no exit, now the stairs have disappeared. Frowning, you read the message again, wondering vaguely if you somehow misunderstood it, but it's plain enough. Hello? You call uncertainly. Any ghouls here? Just one. A soft voice whispers in your ear. You spin round in sudden alarm, and the creature before you is nearly eight feet tall, with pink eyes, chalk-white skin, claws, fangs, pointy ears, long arms, and a nasty little moustache. It's wearing a a Macintosh and gumboots, doubtless torn savagely from some earlier adventurer, and carrying a mace from which drips a poisonous green slime. It smiles. Welcome to the Kingdom of Horror, it says. This is big trouble, Pip. Don't waste your time trying for a friendly reaction. You should know by now you'd never get one from a ghoul. This particular ghoul has the exactly the same life points as you have. Strikes on a four or better. Does plus five damage with that brutal mace. Worse still, the first successful strike it gets will poison you so that you automatically lose three life points during every combat round until the fight is over. Oh, boy. So, there yeah. are two options here. I like it. There's 
Uh, <laughs> you know what? We're agreed. Tell us what we're doing. We're going to use the mask immediately. Mm-hmm. We pop the facade ah. of uh, this, this death mask, this Egyptian death mask upon our own face, such that it would hide the horrors of our desiccation of our corpse. As soon as we do so, we collapse to the ground, leaving this ghoul to walk up to us and go, Ah, I really thought it'd be harder than that. Huh. Oh, well. And walk away. Walks away. And then we turn to page 22. Oh, no. It's getting up again. You definitely killed the thing. But it's getting up again and changing. An incredible metamorphosis is occurring. The ghoul's, ghoul's ghastly chalk-white skin is turning into silver. Its fangs are retracting. Its arms growing shorter. It's in stark contrast with the ghastly ghoul. The creature is now standing before you. is one of the most beautiful you've ever seen. A tall, slim, blue-robed, silver-skinned humanoid with an aura of power around him that absolutely precludes any question of your renewing of your renewing your attack. Even if you had the energy. His eyes, twin orbs of silver, flecked with gold, regards you gravely. You did well to kill my alter ego, Pip. He says. And by doing so, you've proven yourself worthy to enter the fairy kingdom, <laughs> which for some time becomes the kingdom of horror. Your quest is known to me, and it is a noble aim. I shall say this to you. To achieve your goal, you must travel widely, search everywhere, equip yourself well, and use your head as often as your sword to arm. To aid you, I make for you this gift. And he takes from a fold of his robe a small silver sphere. This artifact, he says, must never leave you. It is priceless. Hold it to you, even in death. Its value is 100,000 gold pieces. But you must never sell it or even attempt it as a bribe. This is a sphere of warning. It may only be used in the fairy kingdom. Take it in your hand. Hesitantly, you stretch your hand, and the silver creature drops the sphere into your palm. <laughs> this is worth one million dollars on the dot, but don't sell it. Don't or sell else, it. This is exactly <laughs> what it's worth. Don't eat that marshmallow, don't otherwise you won't get a second one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take it in your hand. Uh, let's see. And then, okay, hesitantly stretched, and the silver creature drops the sphere into your palm. At once, the sphere glows green. When the sphere glows green, you are in no immediate danger. When it glows amber, some danger threatens. When it glows red, great danger threatens. But most of all, should the sphere begin to glow golden, then the great sword you seek is close by. Your tall companion folds his arms. And now the time has come. He closes his eyes in silent meditation. A spiral of clear blue light erupts from somewhere near his feet and begins to curl upwards. Spinning faster and faster, the light expands, swirling around you until, until it is all you can see. For a moment, your senses are disrupted, then the light fades and the silver-skinned creature's gone. So, too, is the stone-lined chamber. You look around in amazement, as you well might, since you're now standing on page 58. <gasps> Amazing! You're standing within a megalithic ring, but one very different from the henge at Salisbury Plain. There's fewer stones, and those are smaller and more ancient. All around you, stretching as far as the eye can see, is a vast wilderness. High above you, the sun shines brightly in a clear green sky. Green? You look up again. The sky's definitely green. And the sun, now you come to notice it, has a distinct 
violet tinge. Wherever you are, you're certainly not in Avalon, quite possibly not even in the known world, but wherever you are, it's pointless staying put. You can move off in any of the eight directions, including north and east. Ooh. Also, perhaps the map of the Fairy Kingdom might be useful if you happen to have it. We we do. We do indeed. It's true 17. I feel like we are so cleanly prepared for this freaking... Mm -hmm. So, I can only imagine, all around you, you see vast wilderness. Oops. Very different than the Henge at Salisbury Plain. There are fewer stones, and those smaller and more ancient. I wonder if this means that we are at the Great Stones, central to the Fairy Map Kingdom. I could see that being the case. Which would make northeast the Witchwood Forest, north Wilderness of Khan, south Tangled Taste Lake, northwest would be the Mountains of Madness, and then uh, southern areas exist as well, but... <laughs> Those aren't relevant to us. <laughs> We've never, I would never. <laughs> what uh, would I even do there? Dream of going <clears throat> north, I guess. Exactly. So why don't we, uh, why don't we fulfill our dreams immediately by yeah. heading northeast? One assumes to the Witchwood Forest. Indeed. I'm just. Wait. Oh shoot. What page <laughs> is that? So I just went down to get the map. Uh, that's thirty-five. Thirty-five. You're sinking. <laughs> the silver sphere is glowing bright red. But it's a bit late for that since you're you're now up to your waist and still sinking in what seems to be a pretty smelly patch of bog or marsh, possibly quicksand. There's a simple way out of this mess. All you need to do is lasso that piece of rock a little to your right, which you can do on a throw of four better on double dice. Provided you have a rope, of course. And it's not... No, it's too late to try going back. Oh, come on. This is garbage. I, I don't play by these rules. You, If you don't have a rope, you just die. And you can't go home. I, no. No. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do instead? Because I, I reject that. I reject that garbage. I, yeah. Uh, so it is frustrating. Uh, however, I believe uh, the best thing that we can do in this scenario is uh, chalk up the death counter one. Yep. I'm not Mark going to change literally anything else uh however we should probably not proceed in this direction until such a time we can justify that we have gone back to merlin's house and possibly picked up the rope yeah which you have to get you have to roll a d6 and get a two to do mm -hmm. that's annoying all right uh so this is on page 35 35 i'm writing 35 rope Wait, no, it wouldn't even matter. If you're successful, you have a choice of these. Oh, are those different? Those are different directions. They're different pages. That is what I suspect them to be different directions, yes. I'm, I'm assuming. Okay, well. Mm. What was our uh, one before this? That's what I'm trying. <laughs> I'm going to search 35. Uh, 58. I'm going to write that in big bold on my page. 58 and circle it. So, 11, 17, 24, 92, 35, 48, cross out that. And these are, I will say, some mm. of these are the same directions, but not all oh, of them. Oh, okay. Worth noting. Okay. All right, so back here we go. Do we go, what? We have north, which takes us to the wilderness of Karn. Mountain of Manus, Undyne Flow, Raven Dark Lake, Giant's Wall, 
and then flow Scrog Hollow City. Hmm. Yeah, for what it's worth, I think if we were intending to gear up, Scrog Hollow City might be a good idea. It's possible we could get a rope there. Yeah. Let's go... Oh, gosh, I didn't even mark. 67. 80. Let's go to Scrog Hollow. Let's, let's mm -hmm. try. 67. Shrub and rock, rock and shrub. The wilderness goes on forever. Desolate, lonely. Well, not so quite quite so lonely here on account of the little figure sitting on that rock. Quickly, you glance at the little figure sitting on that rock. And you glance at your silver sphere and discover it's flashing blue. Blue? What on earth does blue mean? Green is safe, amber's a little dangerous, red's very dangerous, and blue? Blue could be anything. Cautiously, you approach the little figure, on which, on closer inspection, turns out to be a well-armored dwarf. Greetings, sir dwarf. You call politely, since you're uncertain whether this is friend or foe. Greetings, gigantic person, replies the dwarf, everything being relative. My name's Pip. You introduce yourself. I'm here on a quest for the great sword Excalibur by order of His Majesty King Arthur of Avalon. My name is Ben, replies the dwarf. And I'm here to catch a Borfax. First your sphere flashes blue, then this little warrior talks about something called the Borfax, and the world is full of mysteries, and decisions come with that. Will you offer to help Ben catch the Borfax, whatever a Borfax may be? If so, go to 36. Otherwise, you may take your leap politely and trudge off in any of the following directions. I mean, seems, seems a good idea to be friendly. Okay. How hard could a Borfax be to catch? So that's 36... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are gonna get we're gonna get lost. Are you marking these down or I am trying my absolute best, but uh Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah it's it yeah. Please permit oh, uh, not Please permit close. me to assist you in any way that I can. You say in your best pompous voice? Uh but first, what may seem to you a rather obvious question. What's a Borfax? That's a Borfax. Ben says calmly, gesturing behind you. You turn to discover rushing across the wilderness towards you at a fearsome rate of knots, one of the most terrifying creatures you've ever seen. Although only four feet high, it's some six feet long, not including a grotesque forked tail. It runs on two powerful hind legs, the front legs bearing savage claws, and displays enormous fangs. All three of its huge, bulging eyes are yellow, and its long tongue is lashing hungrily from side to side. Its massive head and muscular body is scaly and slimy and generally unappealing. Be careful not to kill it, Ben remarks as he slides down from his rock to stand by your side, short sword drawn. Maybe he should be telling the Borfax not to kill you. No matter, the die is, so as, so to speak, cast. And as an Avalon adventure, you're committed to promise to help. Uh, committed as your promise to help. The Borfax, you will not be too surprised to learn as 70 life points, strike successfully on a 5 or better with first with claws, and then on its next successful strike with fangs, claws 2 plus 4, fangs 2 plus 5. If you're carrying a quartz crystal, nope. Uh, if you don't, you'll have to fight, and this is where things get even more complicated. Roll, roll for the Borfax and yourself to see who gets first strike. Ben, who is a lazy little maggot, will be quite content to leave the whole job to you since you were fool enough to offer. Oh my goodness. If you manage to remove 65 of the life points, it will roll on its back and submit, this being the nature of the beast. You may then stop fighting and proceed on 42. If, however, you accidentally kill it, then... By oh bringing its life points to zero. Ben the warrior dwarf will go berserk with annoyance and fight you to the death. Oh, boy. And we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. If we come to it. And hopefully we don't. All righty. Let's hope not to. Have at the... Three. 
which is apparently my initiative Four. Role. Three is just apparently my initiative role. I don't know. <laughs> we'll just set that for the future. Yeah. I'd happily. Oops, why am I? All right, EJ. Give him hell. Yeah. yeah it's kind of hell. That's a total of 10 damage to the Bullfax, taking him down to 60. All right. He lunges with a six, which I'm pretty sure is a hit, right? What does he hit mm -hmm. on five or better? Is he hits on a five or better? His first attack is with his claws, uh, so he'll do five total damage. Remove two of that, three damage to us. Takes us down to thirty-one. All right. Ah, oh, God, those claws! <gasps> I just watched in slow motion as a. Uh, Two overturned to a six, making this a much better hit at a total of ten. Uh, six above the hit value, and then plus five is eleven. Enemy is now left on forty-nine HP. Gets a five, which is a hit. Annoyingly, right? and it does the exact same damage because he has alternated to use his fangs this round. Okay, well, EJ does strike. Uh, it is only six damage, but it still counts. Oh. He goes for a claw attack, and he annoyingly gets a five. Oh. Which is Boy. one two less damage, damage, so two damage. That's, that's fine. Who cares? Who Could cares? Oh, I'll tell you what couldn't have been a lot worse. Well, for the enemy, that is. Uh, this strike, this is an 11, uh, which is a total of 7 above our hit value, plus 5 is 12 damage dealt directly to them, taking them down to 31. They are officially bloodied. Oh boy, I'm not scared that we're going to do a murder. Yep. That is a 7, which is... Uh... On the... Oh, God. Where's the plus? Oh, it's up here. Okay. So it's two... Oh, boy. It is a mm. five damage. Mm. Down to 21. Eh. Not good. Not the best we've ever looked. We're certainly bloodied now ourselves as well. For what it's worth, uh, we should probably discuss at this point the possibility of uh, not using EJ and just punching him, which Ooh. would be rolling against six for normal damage. Yeah, and when we get to the, yeah, when we get closer to the realm of, whoops, mm -hmm. I dropped my other die. Wow, this is such a bad day for dropping dice. Is it my turn? These die could not have dropped much better though, as uh, we roll a nine and do ten points of damage to our Borfax enemy here, leaving one twenty-one. Wow! Oh, that's a ten. So that is a five plus five. Ugh. So eight damage. Is it five this round? Oh. One, two, three. No, we're on. Yeah, it is five this round. You're right. It's no, four. It's it's four this round. Sorry. All right. Seven damage. Seven damage. Hell yeah! I mean, <laughs> fourteen HP left on us. Fine. <laughs> EJ, get him! <gasps> Three? That's not getting him! That's not getting him at all! And he's not getting you at all! That's a four. Oh, I'm so, so glad to hear that. EJ, please. I see, you were biding your time for this attack. It's a total of ten, six above a hit value, plus five, eleven damage to the enemy, taking him down to ten HP. At this point, we may want to consider 
our alternatives, because if we roll a nine or above, we will slay the beast. Oh, just don't do that. No, nah, okay. All right. That's a good point well made. Gets a six. So that is a one, six, four damage. 10 HP remain on us. Oh, oh boy. Boy. Oh, the thing is, if we hit without EJ, we have to roll an 11 in order to actually put him on the ground. So I mean, do we bet? If you want we... a chance it. Well, it's because I'm trying to figure out, like, if we roll with a normal fist 11 or 12, we finish the fight. But with EJ, if we roll anything between four and nine, four and eight inclusive, we finish the fight. And those are much more those common results. Those are more results. common results. I don't know. And the additional information of the next time we get struck by this Borfax, we're probably getting unconscious. Yeah, and if we... But yeah, I, I think we just do it. I think you just go for the big boy. It is more likely. Just roll well. All right, just just believe in me. Don't crit. I have the best news. You killed him and we are going to die? I rolled die. a one on one die and a three on the other. That is exactly what it takes for EJ to hit, doing exactly five damage, leaving the enemy on exactly five HP, <laughs> which makes it unconscious. And it rolled a nine, which would have been <sighs> yeah, a be kill or a knockout. Uh, would you like to glug, glug, glug a potion or so? Uh, yes, please. I got a nine. <gasps> Love it. That's up to a two. Nineteen. I will also roll oh. a charge here. I got a twelve. That's great. Beats my five. Two more charges and we get 17 more HP, taking us up to 36. And we are reasonably comfortable. We have four charges remaining of healing potions at this point in time. All right, so we do not do the murder upon it. We do the almost murder upon it, and we go to page 42. By Jove! exclaims Ben, leaping up and down in excitement. That was neatly done. He produces a rope from his backpack and quickly hobbles... Steal the rope. <laughs> hobbles the legs of the supine <laughs> Borfax, which rights itself after a moment and stands staring dolefully at the two of you without, however, making any move to attack. What are you going to do with him? You ask curiously. Well, the first thing's to get him house trained. Ben tells you. You mean you're going to keep this thing as a pet? You ask incredulously. He nods. Yeah, they're quite affectionate, really. Given time and patience. He fumbles underneath his breastplate and extracts a necklace made from strung fangs, one of which unfastens. he unfastens and hands to you. Your reward. You stare at the fang glistening in your palm. What is it? A Vrontooth, Ben tells you. It's the only thing in the known universe that will protect you from a Vron attack. Very useful it can be. Now, since I can't stand here chatting all day, I'm going to be off. He turns to the Borfax. Heal, Spot! He commands and walks off northwards. To your intense surprise, the creature hobbles off quite peacefully after him. Stow away your Vrontooth and pick a direction. So wait, where are we right now? East, but not uh -huh. all the way east. Yes, one assumes, uh, were we going, uh, southeast or east? We were going, oh god, southeast, I think. Oh, okay, so one would assume, based on our map, that, uh, south or east, depending on how far we traveled, uh, would be the direction towards Scrog Hollow. Yeah. 
I am happy to go east and find out. Let's do it. Because I like east. 59. I'm just going to write down a list of pages we have been to. Yeah, I think that is probably the easiest way for us to navigate this map-wise of... Uh, oh, we've been to that. It's grown extremely rocky here, so much that you have to quickly find your only real choice of direction is north to 29 or northwest to 116. Mm, I mean, 29 sounds good. North? Yeah. 29? You're on the edge of a huge forest. Nearby on a tree, someone has nailed a crude notice scrawled on a piece of board. The notice simply reads, Beware. Which would? If you like, if you feel like ignoring the notice and entering the forest, go to 45. Otherwise, you can always travel blank, 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 northwest or south. Um. Is it time for the forest? I mean, it was where we were trying to go to the north and the east. Mm-hmm. So I say, let's follow our little hearts. This is not a holiday resort, Pip. In fact, it's one of the nastiest places you've ever entered. But the biggest problem with a dank, dark forest is that one tree looks like any other with the result that in very short order you find yourself completely lost. There's only one thing to do in a situation like this. Roll a dice. Uh, Six, go blank. Score one, go blank. Score anything else, go blank. I don't know. I mean, you want... I mean, no choice here to be made? Do you want to roll or shall I? I mean, you go ahead and roll. <laughs> one. Uh, we're stumbling out of the forest into 76. All right. Might not be bad. Now there's something different. You're approaching a walled city, and you realize quite how peculiar when you take a little time to examine the place more carefully. There's no entrances anywhere in the walls. None at all. How do people of the city even get in and out? More to the point, how do sturdy adventurers like yourself get in and get out? The annoying thing is that from what you can see of it over the walls, it's a most interesting-looking city with high, slim spires and towers like an illustration from books of fairy tales. Convinced there must be an entrance somewhere... You circle round a little. The city, it seems, is divided in two by a river, unfortunately too wide, deep, and swift for swimming across. Although, you do discover an unguarded bridge which allows you to cross from one side to another. But each sector is completely walled, still with no indication of a way in or out. With no way in, your only options are south to 81, east to 29, west to 47, north to 87. Uh, Good thing we have a tiebreak option here in 87 North. That's true. 87 marked off. This is one of the most remarkable sights you've ever seen, Pip. Only a few hundred yards in front of you, the ground simply ceases. As you've reached a vast descending cliff, you move forward cautiously, testing the way beneath your feet. Eventually, you reach the edge over the cliff face, and it drops further than the eye can see, dropping into the depths of space. This is no ordinary precipice. This is an advanced precipice. Far below, you can see faintly twin twinkling stars. You've reached the edge of the world. The problem being what you intend to do about it. South takes you to 11. To southwest, southeast. Or you can go off the cliff on 147. Which huh. I can't deny is like weirdly interesting to me. Yep. To me also. Really? Step off the edge of the world? I mean, it doesn't say go to 14. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Screw it. 147. Hell Jump yeah. off the cliff. With one mad suicidal step, you plunge over the edge of the world. And fall. And float. Gently, you drift downwards into the midst of distant stars, tumbling slowly over and over in mind-numbing kaleidoscope of sensation. 
Doesn't even look as if you're headed for 14 this time. Although you can never tell. Where do you end up depends on the interplay of the energies at the end of the world. These energies swirl and drift, distorting time and space so that your destination will always change every time you make a fateful plunge. Roll one die. And one through five, I'll take you to the various pages. Score six, and you hit turbulence and be ripped apart onto page 14. Well, uh, I trust you not to roll six here. I mean, I rolled a three. Three to 13. Yeah, that's then. great. Have we been to 13? I don't think so. I do not believe so. There's no saying that 13's safe either, though. We'll see. You're approaching mountains. I'm assuming we're probably in the northwest then. Mm-hmm. Not very the big, mountains but... Mountains of madness. Definitely mountains. Already you're in the foothills and climbing swiftly. Around you, the air is growing chill, and strangely, the light is growing dim. The ground beneath your feet has a curiously shifting feel, as if we are, if, as if it were not quite solid. The rocks around you are twisted and distorted while they remain still when you look at them. When you look at them directly, they seem to writhe when you see them from the corner of your eye. Something gibbers softly to your right. When, but when you swing around, there's nothing there. Distantly ahead, there's a piercing scream, tailing off into utter silence. Maybe you shouldn't stick around here too long, Pip. Westwards, the mountains are impassable, so there's pointless going that way. Do East may or may not take you back the way you came? It won't. You will end up at 73. North will lead you to 87. South takes you to 32. The bad news is that before you go anywhere, you're stuck with the effects of these mountains, which is a degree of mental confusion so intense that you'll automatically miss every second blow in your next three encounters. That sucks. Mm-hmm. North probably takes us to the edge of the world again where we can just jump off again, maybe. Until we roll that six, baby. Hell yeah. I wonder if, like, I'm like, because how do we get into the city in the Witchwood? My thought, the only thing I have in my mind is that we teleport in there. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. There might be other forms of teleportation as well that aren't the same as just having to step off the world. Yes. Hmm. I mean, you know, we can go east, which uh, could take us to a interesting location in that apparently we came here from the east in a normal uh, scenario. Uh, maybe it's unique that going back the same direction doesn't take you to where you came from. So let's see. Go to east 73 works for me excellent there is also a northern option i will note we'll go to 73 first the big problem with this wilderness is that it all looks the same nothing but rough ground shrub and rock as far as the eye can see patiently you trudge onwards thinking of your quest wondering about the great sword without which arthur can no longer hold his realm and so introverted have you become at this time you fail to notice this this amber glow beginning in the silver sphere and what has occasioned that glow is a small scorpion close by your foot. Since you did not notice it, you have no opportunity to run or roll for surprise. And naturally, there is no question of surrendering to a scorpion. The creature requires a six or better to strike successfully. It has only three life points, whatever the dice indicate, but will poison you on the first successful strike, so you automatically take two life points for every new section you enter unless you munch a little yarrow. Which is the Hell only yeah. antidote for this poison. That's all good. Alright. Fight the scorpion. And it's also, it marks off one of our three combat encounters with something that we can kill in one hit. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. Although he will have the first strike. Will he? He gets a five. Does it not? Um, 
I, no, no I know. opportunity to no. run or roll for surprise, right? I say will he because he rolled a five. Ah, perfect. He does not strike successfully. Our first strike returns. And EJ simply cleaves the tail off of this scorpion, uh, who then runs away into the distance. Assuming you survive the scorpion for the moment. And if you don't, you should go to 14. You may go west or northwest to 13, northeast to 103, east to 92, southeast, south, southwest, north. Holy. So we're probably somewhere between the Mountains of Madness and the Great Stones where we entered. So heading mm -hmm. north takes us probably to the edge again. West takes us to the mountains because that's where we got teleported to, right? Mm -hmm. It's possible that northeast from here might be uh, the the wilderness as well. The I guess I was in the wilderness? By the wilderness of Karn. My thought was that we were there mm -hmm. since it says the big problem with this capital W wilderness is that it all looks yep, the same. You, you're 100% right. So I was assuming we were there. Uh I'm assuming east takes us to the Witchwood Forest, maybe in a different way than the way we've been. Mm, different interceding scenes. Perhaps if we should go to the Mountains of Madness. East takes us to 92, which is the same thing that we could get to from the initial page, which means that that's probably the choice of going north. This is messy. So do mm -hmm. we, we want to go to the Mountains of Madness to the west or northwest on 13? I think so. I think setting our general location and then just trying in, in earnest until we get there is probably the most uh, digestible version of this. All right. You're... So that is... Which page, sorry? 13? 13. Wait, haven't we done 13? I, that's what I was saying. I thought we did. But I don't th I don't think we did. No, we've already done oh, 13. Yeah. Yep, this is, this is exactly how we got here in the first place. That's Do what we want to then try north? Sure. 87. 87. We've already been to 87. Oh, it takes us to the edge of the world. Is there another path on 13? Let's see. Uh, 72. Due south takes you to 32. That's a place we've never been. Let's do it. The wilderness goes on forever with nothing better to do. You check your silver sphere at frequent intervals and become accustomed to nothing happening. But it comes as quite a surprise when it suddenly turns red. Glancing around you hurriedly, you catch sight of movement movement in some shrubs. Looks like a fight if you decide to investigate, and the sphere suggests whatever's in there is highly dangerous. But the decision's up to you. If you want to investigate, turn to the enemy statistics section page on 192, and come back here and work out the result of the encounter. Okay. Uh, if you're killed, go to 14. If you survive, go to 20. Alternatively, you can simply steal away without running. Available directions are... Okay. North or west, northeast, east, any southerly direction to 853. Huh. Well, so they're obscuring the statistics of this enemy, which does it, it, it terrify me. Yeah. But also resolving random encounters does often give us equipment that's worthwhile. We do also have Very worst a case scenario. mask that lets us win for free. Mm, exactly. Yeah, all right, let's do it. You know what? One ninety-two. Uh, just just before there. we uh, try and enter, could we use one more charge of a health potion, perhaps? Sure. <laughs> Why am I so bad at rolling those? Three HP. 
What page is that? Uh, the 192 will give us the enemy statistics. No, no, no. What page are you on? It's because it says, depending on what page you came from, depending on what page you came from is the statistics. If you came to this page from 32, the creature in the shrub is a wolf. It has 25 life points, strikes on a five or better, and does plus two. The bad news is its speed, which means it can make two strikes for every one of yours. Bribery is not possible, and a friendly reaction, but a friendly reaction could be. You do get to roll for first strike. It gets a two. Okay. Okay. Um, we also get a two, so it's a push for the initiative. Three. Five. Dang. Uh, let's try for the friendly reaction just before we try and do anything else here. Uh, so I will roll for uh, us, and if you will roll three One. die. <gasps> six. six. <laughs> <sighs> One, six, Dang. three. That was the closest we could have been. If that middle one, let me just re-roll that middle one. Five. Let me re-roll that one. Six. Let me re-roll that one. Uh, five. Let me re-roll it. Five. Let me re-roll it. Two. If I just, if I would have got the see, if see, if I would have gotten the sixth roll on that die, we would have gotten our first friendly reaction. Absolutely, could have gotten that. It was so close. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're screwed on this. A little bit, yeah. He's So for every possible successful attack of ours, the enemy is attacking us four times. Yeah. But maybe we should. All right. Shoot, what was the uh, 32? 25 life points, strikes on a five, does plus two. Okay. Yes. So make two attacks. Seven. So that is two damage. Mm-hmm. Six, one damage. Three damage total for those keeping track at home. Excellent. Uh, our first successful possible strike. Please, 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 please. I mean, it hits. <laughs> uh, less said about it, the better, though. We uh, put the enemy on 19. All right. Six, so that was one damage. Five, that's zero damage. Four, that's zero damage. Five, that's zero damage. Okay. Hell yeah. Four whole so, attacks uh, and only one damage. Therein, we skipped over the round where we automatically fail, so it yeah. is now our turn to attempt another strike. Oh my god, EJ, buddy. <laughs> He's hitting. I'll say that. He's hitting. Barely. Enemies on 11 HP remaining. Next successful strike likely puts them down. All right, so four rolls. Okay, so that's an eight, which is a... Uh, oh, gosh. Three damage. That's a nine. Four damage. So seven total. That's a six. So eight damage. And that is a five, which is zero damage. Mm-hmm. That could have been worse. For four attacks, that could be worse. Could have been a lot worse. Come on, EJ. Please. The, pl- the plus two and, and minus two helps a lot there. Mm-hmm. That is, in fact, enough. Uh... EJ uh, has been swinging modestly this entire time and finishes the fight with absolutely unremarkable ability. The enemy is knocked unconscious. And uh, we allow the wolf to later slink back into the forest. Yep. And we go to page 20. (laughs) That was well done, Pip. A nasty encounter by any account. By the looks of things, the wolf was emerging from its lair, which was hidden by a shrub. Quick glance inside assures you the rest of the pack is absent. You're about to move on when you notice something odd inside, a scrap of parchment. You fish it out with the tip of EJ. Something's written on the parchment. 
Code five. Cipher. Here a part of the uh, parchment. It is not the same cipher. Oh no. Here a part of the parchment's missing, having been chewed on by the wolf. The remainder reads another cipher. Hmm. That cipher is also different. Uh is it just is this one just a normal? I'm one? recording them. Um Is it possible it's a push cipher? Let's think about that for a moment. Um are any of these so one easy way to figure out a push cipher is uh the fact that there's a b in this but no a's anywhere means if it is a push cipher it only pushes them by one mm. so that would be b and then the letter before o in the alphabet which is n l b b n that's not a letter <sighs> i don't believe this to be the case CS, yeah, it's not a push cipher of one. It could be a push cipher that allows it to loop over the end of the alphabet and come back and therefore not have any A's, but then it makes it hard to determine what the uh, the size of the push is. I, I wonder if perhaps uh, this is something that... Uh, I, I wonder if perhaps this is something that we want the uh, portable decoder from the uh, magical items that Merlin has for. Could be. Is there a chance that we flip it backwards and then do something? Mm-hmm. Uh, flipping it backwards and then doing something, if it were an inverse cipher as the previous one, uh, would still give us junk text. Okay. Alrighty. Then... Oh, boy. Shoot. Do we... Uh, I hate that having to roll a two to get a chance to get the... That, that, that's a good point well made. Anyway, I'm rolling to go back to Merlin's. That's a four. It's new. We don't know what to do. Alrighty. Uh, a four for Merlin's house is... You've entered a dimly lit warm room with a four-poster bed and a goose-down mattress. Beside on the bed, any small table, is a cup of Horlicks and a chalky bookie. Uh, on the other side, on the small table, is a shot of 180-proof bourbon, and a chew of tobacco, and a spittoon. You may select your nightcap from either table and use the bed to sleep safely without risk of dream time. When you've slept and calculated your restored life points, you should return to the section you were in when you rolled the dice. So that is just literally a free charge of a health poke. Why do I roll these? That's four. Ah! Thank. 31 HP remains. Oh boy. There's not a chance you want to roll to go back to the uh, old house, <laughs> just in case, right? <clears throat> uh, I guess. Okay. I rolled a four. <laughs> back to bed we go. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we well, I guess finished that's off the chocolate cookie, and now it's time for the bourbon. <laughs> I guess that's not bad to do. Yeah, exactly. No kidding. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you? Why don't you roll this time for the uh, old house recovery there? Oh, okay. Another recovery is a seven. It's not bad. Incredible. So much better than every one I've rolled. Literally, it is both of the previous ones I've rolled combined. Uh, cool. Not bad. We're on 38 HP. Feeling pretty spry, frankly. Yeah, I'm going back to Merlin's house. That's a four. God damn it. <laughs> I just keep on rolling two dice at the same time, and yeah, it's... Oh, great news. Uh, I rolled for our health gain. Uh, uh, I rolled snake eyes, so that is... 
This is uh, just proof perfect that this is how it's working. Uh, we are, however, back up on 40 HP. Here's the thing. Yep. At what point do we determine that this house, the house rule is silly for a podcast? And how can we, um, how could we format it in a way that we can get some things that we need without breaking everything? Because <laughs> this is, it's an unfortunate thing where we know what we need. We know how to get it. We know where it is. And it's literally behind rolling a two and not rolling a six or six or one for what it's worth i think like we can uh very quickly resolve things here as uh, past the flavor text it is effectively four roll two dice and heal six half your health uh two get x four uh, three get x five get nothing and one we don't even know yet um I mean, so I'm, I'm not terrified by the possible uh, the possibility of having to roll. It does just seem uh, fundamentally. I'm I'm worried about uh, messing with the balance of of uh, the the yeah. useless rooms to the dangerous rooms to the healing rooms. I know that's that's the issue, but it's just this, which is why like I don't I just don't like the design of this idea. Because it puts us in this weird spot where we know where the key is and it's behind blind luck. We know the key. For what it's worth, yeah. we don't need to go right now, though. Right? Like, getting the additional information about what this code provides to us... I rolled a two. ...almost certainly doesn't change what we... Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I rolled a two. <laughs> Never mind, this mechanic's great. Uh, like, awful news, though. What? Uh, is, the portable translator, I believe, is, is a, a magic item. Portable Dakota is a magic item. Yeah. Well, hey, we can get rope here. We needed rope as oh, an option. Yes. And then, is there anything else here that's? I guess everything else is us taking a shot in the dark. Here's mm -hmm. here's a a bonkers little call. Could we put a hold? on an item is that so bad i i think that <laughs> given how many of these are likely extremely situational i think that yeah. might be uh a bit too a bit too kind to us how about uh, we just take the false beard and mustache and be done <laughs> all right all right okay the question is no okay all right i won't roll again i rolled a four so i'm just gonna heal <laughs> This, see, this is... Oh, great, great, great. Overflow health. Well done. I got a five. What was a five? This is this is a stupid. Nothing. Five is nothing? Surely we're done now, right? Gambler's fallacy. Yep. If anything, in order to make sure that it isn't laborious, uh, let's progress three dice and then and eventually go back to the, roll... the dice hunt at some point. I rolled three dice at the same time. I got a one, a one, and a three. So I'm not... Like, that was not... Ooh. That's me saying, like, it's probably good we tapped out. Because maybe mm -hmm. we, maybe we would have gotten something. All right. Um, have we where been are we? to seventy three? The northeastern direction from here, page twenty. We have been to seventy three. Yes, probably the cool, edge cool. of the world. So north or west also takes us to uh, thirteen, which I believe lets We've us been? look over the edge of the world as well. There's eighty on the east. We have not been to eighty since I've started marking it down. Hell yeah! Let's see what's there. 
You appear to be approaching a large mound, which, to be perfectly frank, looks suspiciously like a giant anthill. If it really is a giant anthill, the ants themselves would have to be the size of rats, which hardly bears thinking about. Perhaps it isn't a giant anthill. If you want to explore the mound, go to 74. Otherwise, go to 48, 17, 13, which we've been, 53, we have not. Southeast, we have not. So a lot of options we haven't been to. Do we look at the mound of, I can't believe it's definitely going to be ant? We look at the mound of experience, absolutely. All right, 74. We had the anteater the last time, though. Anyways. Cautiously, you approach the mound. As you get closer, the impression of gigantic ant hill grows stronger. Closer still, you can see an opening in the side, no more than six inches in diameter. Movement catches your eye, and you see within the opening two slightly or slowly waving antennas. Almost instantly, an ant as big as a rat scuttles out, waving its antenna in your direction, then scuttles back in. It may, of course, be the only ant home, or you may manage a friendly reaction 148,000 times if all the ants are at home. Or may you come up with some sort of arrangement with Queen Ant. It's all up to you if you still want to ex explore this stupid anthill on page 49. I think we should. Okay. You I mean, it, it keeps telling us to just press our, uh, it's true. Press our exploration. It, it didn't <clears throat> say that right away. It just said keep going, exhaust everything. And boy, I am exhausted. You move closer. <laughs> At once a stream of soldier ants. Each as big as a rat emerges from the hole and forms ranks in front of you. Swiftly, you draw EJ, but before you can make any further move, in a, a high-pitched female voice sounds in your mind. Who are you? You glance around, searching for the source of the voice, then decide you were, you were not mistaken. Whatever's talking to you is inside your head. Could these be telepathic ants? Not telepathic ants, a telepathic colony. The voice says, adding... I am the group mind of the colony, and you are... Uh, Pip. You reply a little sheepishly. Ah, of course, Pip. We should have known. Merlin has mentioned you quite often. You know Merlin? Quite intimately. We've engaged in long-distance telepathic communications with him frequently. He is currently trying to reach us, teach us rather, astrology, as a matter of fact. What an interesting development. This colony is friendly with Merlin. They might be quite useful to you. They might even have some clue about the whereabouts of Excalibur. We're afraid not, remarks the colony. The only person we communicate much with apart from Merlin is the sage on top of the stone pillar. And while he may be of use to you, we fear he is half mad, as sages frequently are, and does not know where the sword is either. However, it is obviously our duty to extend hospitality to a friend of Merlin's. Would you care for a little honey? Honey? I thought it was bees that made honey, not ants. We blush to admit we stole it. Would you like it? It has remarkable healing properties. The soldier ants scuttle back inside and reemerge, carrying six neat little cubes of honeycomb. Looks as if you've lucked out once again, Pip. Each cube not only tastes delicious, but contains the exact equivalent of six doses of healing potion. That's 36 doses in all, and everyone restores a double dose of life points what the heck resist the a temptation double dice roll oh sorry, rolling two dice that's yeah. normal resist the temptation to scoff all the honey now and stash away the cubes thank the colony politely and pick your next destination 
36 healing doses is pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. It's kind of good and also a little stupid. How dare they? How dare they equip us so much? Now we're going to be even dumber. And it's their fault. We're going to jump off the edges of stuff and be like, ah, I'll just heal it all up again. Yeah, exactly. This won't take me directly to 14, will it? All right, so then from here we can go north to 48. We have not been. East to 17, we've not been. West to 13, we have been. South to 53, we have not been. And southeast to 38, we have not been. Boy. Mm. I mean, east? East sounds good. 17. 17. Oh. You die. Yep. The wilderness stretches around you, the silence broken only by the sound of your own footsteps. Or are they your own footsteps? You stop. The footsteps stop. You check the silver sphere, and it's glowing blood red. You move on again, the footsteps move on again. You stop, the footsteps continue. You spin around frantically, you grab your sword, and not before time, rushing towards you, is a sand dragon. No chance to surrender here, Pip. The creature would tear you limb from limb. It's fight or run, too. If you decide to run, turn to the section titled Running on page 191 to find out what to do. If you decide to fight, turn to the section headed Enemy Statistics on 192. Should you kill the dragon? Page 34. We are in a really like good well, situation where we kind of just like have a pretty safe bet to get out of anything. Exactly. We have the ability to kind of like body check all of these fights and see what's yeah. up before uh, worrying about them. And also this would be our third of the encounters where we miss every second blow. Oh, yeah, that seems optimal to me then. Sounds good to me too. Let's meet him on 34 for the fight. All right. Wait, is it 34 wait, 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 for the fight? Wait, wait, no, 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 not on 34 for the fight. Sorry. Yeah, you, we need yeah, to get you stats Yeah, you stay there. Stay there. I'll go down and I'll get the stats. Hell yeah. 192. So what page was it? Uh, that was from 17. It has 55 life points, strikes on a 7 or better, does plus 5 damage, and it subtracts 4 from all damage taken. Friendly reaction Ooh, not possible. Okay. Friendly reaction is possible, and bribery is not. So let's try the friendly reaction, I guess. No reason not to. I'll roll for us. <laughs> Two. Nope. Three. Two. Five. We still have a chance. <gasps> Five. <laughs> Thirteen. Is 13 lower than three? Mmm. <laughs> Let me think about it for ages and put the uh, Egyptian death mask on my own face here. As we lose one HP, taking us down to 44, but consequently defeating the sand dragon and taking ourselves to 34 as our page. Right. With the sand dragon safely out of the way, you begin to plan your next move. When a vague memory of the creature's habits abruptly surfaces in your mind, something about the dragon's lair... Carefully, you begin to follow its tracks, which eventually leads you to a gloomy cavern in a massive rock. Cautiously, you enter Sword of the Ready, but a quick glance convinces you of no danger around here. The cave is smelly, full of junk and debris, the sight of which clears your mind at once. The sand dragon is notorious for collecting all sorts of rubbish. Quickly, you begin to search. The dragon must have killed a good few travelers in its time, for there are many old rusting weapons here and a bit of useless armor. You... Persevere, and finally your patience is rewarded. A sack in one corner contains no less than six bottles of healing potions and an unused sleep globe. Stash away the goodies, leave the cavern, and decide where to go next. North to 58, south to 38, 80, 67. We have not done any of these. 
Excellent. Then let's keep on our bore and head to 58 in the north. 58. We should also go and look at what the sleep globe does. So I'm going to do that. <gasps> oh, uh, we have been to 58. 58 will take us exactly oh. to uh, the first teleportation here. Sleep globe. Is but that was, of course, before we started marking these off. So this is not... Uh, this is not a, a, a mistake as much as additional information. 58 is a page we've been. Uh, so the sleep globe, by the way. This item shatters mm -hmm. when thrown, releases a cloud of gas, which will put one enemy to sleep for 12 rounds of combat. 12 enemies to sleep for one round of combat, six enemies to sleep for two rounds of combat, etc., etc. You get the idea, it says. They make you do math. Obviously, the item may be used only one time. All right. Cool. So, what page are we going to then? Uh, east takes us to 87 after sure. taking out the Sand Dragon. We've already been, actually. Sorry, 87? 67. I said the wrong one. Okay, 67. We've been here as well. <sighs> We've been. Mm -hmm. Well, well, well. I guess we're going to have to exhaust non-north and uh, west directions. You, you, shut your dirty trap. Alas, unfortunately, I mustn't. We should proceed somewhere like, um, what about, uh, what about west to 80? Straight up 80, round right. over. That's one of the directions you can go from, uh, the, the initial page, so. It's perfect. Well, it's also a page we've been to. <laughs> we've been there, yep. Uh, we have indeed. All right, what's the final location from uh, the Sand Dragon? This will be exhaustive now. 38. If 38 is not unique, then uh, we did it. We've completed it. You approach the broad expanse of salt flats, as if some vast brackish lake has been here once, but dried out completely underneath the violet sun. Nothing grows, and the flats glisten whitely. To approach the remnant of the lake, go to 82. Alternatively, you may go... North to 17, already been. South 153, have not been. East to 47, west to 13. Um, I mean, I feel like we should go check it out, right? Absolutely, 82. Let's check out the remnants of this lake. Close up, the glistening white crystals look more like salt than ever. Kneeling down, you take some on your finger and touch it with your tongue. Hey, steady on, remarks EJ. That could be poison for all you know. At once you clutch your throat, utter a strangled gasp, spin around twice, and fall down <laughs> flat on your back, grimacing horribly. Legs and arms twitching uncontrollably. And then you get up again, grinning. That'll teach EJ to be such a fussbot. It's not poison, you tell them. In fact, it actually tastes rather nice. The crystals have left a pleasant tingling sensation on your tongue. Oh yeah? Then why has your head disappeared? EJ asks. Oh, come on, EJ. You can do better than that. Just because I caught you with my poison act. No, 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 no. EJ insists. I'm serious. Have a look in your reflection on your blade. You peer at the reflection, and he's right. Feet, arms, body, legs are all there, slightly distorted by the polished metal, but no head. Quickly, you feel to make sure and poke yourself in the eye. Your head is still there, <laughs> all right, but totally invisible. This is incredible, you murmur. These must be some sort of invisibility crystals. Eh, not very good ones, says EJ. I can already see your head just starting to come back. I only took the smallest taste. You tell him, beginning to fill your pockets with the crystal powder. Maybe if I take a larger dose, I can become invisible. Maybe you can. 
But since you've been paying so much attention to that silly powder, you failed to notice that the silver sphere is glowing bright red. And you failed to hear the stealthy footsteps creeping up behind you. In fact, you failed to realize the danger when two powerful arms embrace you with a terrifying force. You twist your head, but there's nothing there. Whatever attacked you is invisible. You, since you have no chance to run, surrender, or get the first strike, you might as well know that your attacker has 45 life points. Strike sound of five or better does plus six. More to the point, you need to roll a seven or better to get free of the creature's grasp before you can even take a single swipe. Every time you fail to roll a seven, you take six damage. That's the bad news out of the way, Pip. Even if you succeed... This is bad news all the way, Pip. Never mind. Uh, even if you succeed in breaking free, you'll find it difficult to hit the assailant. You miss every second strike, no matter what the dice says. Wow. This sucks. Well, for what it's worth, uh, we're probably going to get quite well rewarded for what we're about to do. And so we have a million potions. Exactly. For initiative. Uh, he strikes first. Oh. We have no chance to get in the first strike. Well, he gets a four initiative for what it's worth. <laughs> okay. That is a nine. Not great. Uh, so that, that, yep, that's a, that's a 10 minus two. That's an eight. That's eight damage. That's eight damage right away. Uh, 36 HP remains for us. Oh, in response, <laughs> we're going to try and break free. <laughs> Roll a six, losing six more HP. Enemy's turn. <gasps> That's a five, which is a, which is, which is a hit of four damage. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. We're dead. Entirely possible. Yeah, almost certainly. Uh, that's, that's also struggle to break free. And that is going to be, um, another six damage directly to us. Should Enemy we... has already dealt 16 damage and we haven't played yet. Should we throw our sleepy potion at him? The sleep orb? Uh, if we can, absolutely. Yeah, it's twelve turns of getting to attack him for free, or getting to attempt to do stuff for free. Bingo! We drop the sleep globe on the ground. It explodes in a fury. We see the the, the glass shards are thrown into the far horizon as the effort of the gas contained within explodes, filling the entire area with a pale pinkish gas. Uh, the enemy will now be asleep for the next 12 rounds. However, we still lose Basically. six life points every time we try yeah. and get out of his arms. Yeah. So try and get out. Six. Cool. 14. Are we going to crush ourselves against his arms? Uh, that's one round of his sleep as well now. Six. Cool. I... <sighs> uh, if I fail one more time, we just become unconscious in his arms. Cool. We die. This is fine. <laughs> I mean, realistically, I should have rolled something that wasn't a six. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't do that. I forgot to do that instead. Mm. Which means death counter increment. And uh, I have to use the restroom. So can we pause? Sure, sure. All right. Uh, we're back. We are dead, but... We're going to go for it so that this does not take a million years. We're going to start back. Same spot. We mark a tally. We died. That's another death. Boo-hoo. We are bad little losers. And we also don't get to keep, obviously, any of the stuff we have utilized. For example, the sleep globe is gone. We used it. It's gone. Mm -hmm. Healing potions, if we use them, they're gone. But that's what we're going to have to do. 
uh, for the books, it looks like, right here. And I'm fine with that. I think that that's an okay thing. It's still, we're losing resources. It's still, you know, we're marking the losses. But you can just imagine we redid every single thing that we just did. We read through all the pages. We did all the fights again. Pretend that happened. Because that sounds mm -hmm. boring to me. Fundamentally, for the podcast experience, this is required. Therefore, it is time to fight the invisible thing that has grabbed us. And no initiative? Right? Just does it, right? Uh, yeah. No initiative, it's first strike still. Alright, it gets a 5, which is annoyingly damage, so that's 4 damage. They're hitting us uh, with a lot cool. of strikes uh, on 5 things. Uh... They are indeed. Uh, 53 was our HP this time. So we lose, what was it, 4 or 5? Uh, 4. 49. Excellent. Struggle to escape free. Come on, come on, come on. Of course not. He gets a 5, which is, again, annoyingly a hit for 6 damage mm. minus 2. So 4 damage. Oh, we broke free! Oh what? I didn't even know it was possible. That can happen. <clears throat> and now we are sitting in a situation where you can only successfully kill or attack every other turn. Mm-hmm. All right. What a choice, what a choice, what a choice. All right. So wait, that was your turn? Your turn was breaking free? Yes, I believe so. Uh, how about a crit? Uh, no, I'd prefer not, actually. You got anything uh... else? I could pretend it was a snake eyes, but it was a crit. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's a seven. It's That's 13 damage to the dome. We're down to 28 as it's uh, reduced by two by the breastplate. But now we finally get to strike. <laughs> that is 45 EJ, health. Get him. EJ, I, that's snake eyes. We don't strike. <laughs> could I interest you in a 10? Uh, you could certainly try. That is a nine damage. Oh wait, the other thing—I didn't. Do, the other one should have been eleven, I guess. Yes, yeah, I, I reduced that as well. Um, we are down now on nineteen. Uh, and this one, no matter what the strike says, uh, which it, well, this would have hit for very little damage. It says every second strike, isn't it? Like on success. Mm, you miss every second strike no matter what the dice uh, say. Yeah. So I believe that this gotcha. is a fail regardless. Gotcha. His turn. <laughs> can he roll anything less than a five? I can that's roll an, less than five. That's an eight. <laughs> so that's three, <laughs> nine, seven damage. Mm. Interesting. I feel we may be fighting this again. I think that's... Cool. So your success, your only chance for success, this one is a failure. Hmm. We've done the seven damage to him though, so. <laughs> well, he rolls a five, so that's still four damage. Don't don't worry, that's still four damage. Hmm. Hmm. Well, with forty-eight HP on them and eight HP on us, uh, we gotta get extraordinarily lucky here. Yeah, seven's not gonna do it. Thanks, EJ. Oh, never mind. That wouldn't be even managed to hit anyway. Wait, wait, what? What do you mean? As in, that's a, that's the second strike after our previously successful oh. one, so it misses. Uh, that is an eight. I think. Are we dead? We uh, are dead. All right. 
okay. Rewind. Hip, hip, hooray. Maybe it'll go better this time. Smile. Mm-hmm. That's yet another Smile. murder. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna add a, a, a rule wrinkle that they didn't uh, straighten out that I am going to change the ruling of. If we break out, we get to attack on that same turn. I guess I thought that maybe you could. I thought that that was like a different. Uh, you will have to before you. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't think it sounds. I think you could fudge that. He rolls a five, which you know, if you're keeping track at home, is still four damage, which is cool. <laughs> Cool. Same opener. We had 53 to start with, and now we're down to 49. And now it's time for our first attempt to escape. <gasps> they said it couldn't happen. It happened. We escaped. The fact that we now actually get to start fighting without doing a bunch of damage to ourselves first, I think is fundamental, key, important, impactful. Uh, other synonyms. Um <laughs> Oh my god, we even get to strike for damage points. What? I didn't think we could. That's nine damage to this wee beastie. You can reduce an enemy health point? <laughs> I didn't think I could. And yet we can. Uh, and the enemy is down to 36. Things are turning up for old Pip. That's a four right there. Ooh. That's a miss. It can happen. Believe Wildly swinging EJ around in the air, trying to slice at the throat of this thing, we managed to parry away the sword that he was about to strike us with, and instead riposte for a uh, absolutely perfect eight points of damage. Wait, we get ahead of him this time? <gasps> no, no, we don't. Never mind. We uh, parry. We, we would have loved to riposte. Alas. Uh, that is a six. So that is... <laughs> uh, oh boy. We got five Seven damage. Minus two, five. Yep. We're down to 44. All right. Time to strike him. Come on. Yeah, that's eight. That's eight. That'll that's damage. Uh, that's nine damage done to him. Takes the enemy down to 27. So if you could roll two attacks in a row so I don't accidentally uh, ruin the this. Okay. It's an eight and a six. That is... Uh, why did I do it that way? What is it? It's a seven. It's a 12, 12 damage. Mm-hmm. <sighs> We're down to 32. They're on 27. It's not impossible. The good news is if we this is... kill, then we heal up potion style a million. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, we hit again. It's still not an impressive hit, but it does make connect. Uh, that's 8 HP off the enemy, taking him down to a total of 19 remaining. That is a three on the first hit and a snake <gasps> eyes on the second oh yes! my god god is come real on, come on come on connect make this worth a round that's an eight that connects that's Wait. four above the base value plus five that is a total of nine damage the enemy is now on 10 hp if we manage to survive the next two strikes and then hit them this enemy has been dispatched this is uh, quite the strange one here that is a 10 and then a 3. So it, it averages out to being not a big deal, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. So that's 11. That's 9 damage. 9 total damage, yes. And EJ, please. You never trusted me before, and you never will. Why would anyway, I? Anyway, please hit this enemy. <laughs> Thank you, EJ. You're welcome, punk. That's exactly what he would say. Yeah, welcome, punk. How'd you get out of here? Uh, that's it. 
Uh, it took us three deaths, but we got there. Let's drink a lot of health potions and that are going to be permanently removed. Mm -hmm. So we're now down on 23. Uh, so we could probably easily use like four charges of health potions. I got an eight and then a six. Eight and six, 14 up. Takes us to 37. Uh, we are still missing 16. Try roll. Yep. Okay. Please do. <laughs> that's a three and then a 10. <laughs> that feels familiar. It was a Perfect. 10 and then a three, I guess, the last time, but oh well. It averages out. We're up on 50 HP. All right. And 96. We, we only. We only have 47 charges of health potions left. So <laughs> we've got to be sparing with these. That's crazy. Uh, 96. And also, we only mark one experience for that. <laughs> on to 96 we go. What? 96? Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. By George, it's a bear. A great hulking brown bear. Now becoming perfectly visible when it's too late for you to do any good. This place could be infested with them for all you know, and heaven alone knows what else in the way of baddies. All totally invisible. Scoop up a pocket full of crystals. You'll have time to gather enough for six separate doses. Every time you take a dose, score six, and you become invisible, gaining automatic surprise on an opponent and ensuring that he will miss you every second strike during combat. Five, and your head will only disappear, which will be useful since any... What? What? Any opponent failing to throw a six or better on a double dice roll runs away in terror anything else and you will just mildly amuse your opponent huh weird on a six we get surprise and they can only hit every other turn mm -hmm. on a five we auto win combat so five is better we auto win the combat if they fail to roll yes, above a true. six on a double dice, which... Yeah. yeah, I've been rolling lots of fives, so... Mm -hmm. Alright, now we go on to 17, which we've been. 53, we have not been. Uh, 47, we have not been. And west, we have, have been. Should we go east? Is that uh, 47? Yep. Okay, scrolled away from the page. North cool. and Still east are our... Astrological signs. Mm -hmm. I'm a rising north, waning east. Yep. Something is moving on the horizon, something sleek and brown. There's more than one. A quick glance at, at your silver sphere confirms what you have suspect. Glows blood red, indicating you're in big trouble. So quickly you turn, intending to go back the way you came, but behind you dis distantly comes a coughing howl. You're being hunted. Turn to 192 to find out what and how many. If you survive the encounter, you may proceed in one of the other. Oh, we don't have a choice. Not at all. 47 is the page we will have come from on our enemy statistics. 192. Sorry, which one? 57? 47? 47, yes. What is after you is a pack of hunting vron. Brown, sleek, hungry, and intensely dangerous. Each in the pack has 20 life points, strikes successfully on a 5, does plus 3 damage. The absolute minimum size of the Vron pack is three, but you should roll one more die to determine how many more. That's a one. We take them. Ooh. But also, I think... Okay. First of all, I dropped my die again. This is actually getting unreal. I, I can't be trusted. 
Rito has iron dice and a oh, neodymium floor. I found the other die down there that I was looking for. Uh, I rolled a one, but also like it might not matter because I know we have that one item. Yep. Uh, the okay. So if you happen to be carrying a brawn tooth, the creatures will approach quite close, but will not attack you. So why did you make me roll the other thing then? Leaving you free to take any of the directions shown in the section. If you don't have a brawn tooth, you're gonna have to fight. Um, in the event that you win, it's a good idea to whatever. Okay, so we just don't have to do it. Is mm -hmm. we just don't have to fight because we have the tooth. Okay, exactly true. It's time to go the, in the any of the available directions. <laughs> um, seventy. Let's see, seventy-six. We have eastern direction is seventy-six. There's north in 24, west is 38, and south is 53. Importantly, a similar link from a previous page. That's south there. It's true. Uh, we have not been to literally any of these except for 38. Where are we going then? North or east? Probably north, I guess. North and Do it. Then 24. North and then east is our, our vibe. Something strange here, a little way ahead, rising out of the wilderness, is a curious metal cube, the artifact standing ten foot high, and seems at a distance, quite quite featureless. To investigate the cube, 94, otherwise, bloop, blop, bloop, blop, bloop. Go back a bunch of other different directions that we, uh, some of which we've been. Most of which we've been. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I think we take a look, right? Absolutely. We'll exhaust it. 94... The metal surfaces of the cube glow slightly as you approach, radiating different colors of the four sides you can see. One glows faintly orange, one indigo, one violet, and one yellow. On each of the four sides is a warning notice stating simply, Do not touch. If you're the sort of adventurer who meekly obeys every silly little notice you come across, you can leave the cube to its own devices by going in any of these directions. Of course, if you deliberately want to touch the cube, you're quite at the liberty to do so. Select the color of the side you want to touch, keep it firmly in mind, or write it down and turn to 89. Huh. Wait, what? Mm -hmm. I'm worried that it's a, like, well, said don't touch, you ignored it, die now, kind of situation. I mean, it. that's a very goosebumps. I, I'm down to touch it and just like, because I'm down to touch it and find out. At Let's this point, it. I'm willing to risk my life. <laughs> it's, it's just, what is it? Another drop in the bucket. End me. Look out, Pip. It's a transportation device. In space and possibly even time as well. Oh, too late. You've noticed the silly thing. This silly thing. Despite all warning notices, the world whirls around you dizzily. You're engulfed by a fog which slowly clears. If you touch orange, go to 50. Indigo, 13. Yellow, 29. Violet, 87. I'll tell you, we didn't touch Indigo because that's a page we've been to. That is true. Let's see. Have we... We've been to 29 as well. 50 is like... 50 is like the beginning of the book. Uh, 87 is the edge of the world. We've been to all these. <laughs> we've literally we've literally been to every page. Um, <laughs> should we go to the edge of the world and jump off again? Or what? <laughs> Out of these? Yeah. Out of these, I guess, right? Might as well. All right, let's jump off. So go to 147 to jump off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. All righty. Roll well. I mean, I rolled a two. I don't know if that's well or not. That's... Is that what we got last time? I am not certain, but I don't we think are so. landing I think we on like 76. 
76. Oh, uh, I think we navigated here manually at one point because this is the outside of the walled city. Ah, yeah, and then we went north to 87 and chopped off mm -hmm. the cliff. Do you want to... <laughs> We could do that again, but are there any uh, unique directions let's here? Of 81 in the south, 29 in the east, or 47 in the west? Um, let's see. We've done 29, done 47, we've done 87. So 81, 81 is the only one we haven't done. 81 is the only one we haven't done. Let's do it then. We drive south from south. the walled city. Traveling south, you find yourself on page 99. Okay. <laughs> Strange. This is really weird, Pip. Before you is a flat, featureless plain covered in short growth of violet grass. Beyond looms a towering wall constructed of cut stones of any one of which might must weigh at least 50 tons. The wall stretches east and west as far as the eye can see, with no indication of a gate or door. You cross the plain to examine the wall more closely. It towers above you like a cliff face, far too high to contemplate climbing so massive that it would stand the onslaught of an army. No chance of going further south now. That great wall is impassable. North will take you to 40. West is 64. East is 54. Uh, mm. Let's see. Mm. 40? You know what? While you figure that out and give us a direction afterwards, I'm going to go to Merlin's house. Oh, my God. That's a one. Uh-oh. I... No, don't. <laughs> I... <laughs> Do you want to... I mean, I'm not I'm not even going to bother turning. You, you go read what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> not the best of all possible results since the one spot represents the underside of Merlin's house you're now trapped in the solid basalts of the Welsh mountains if you hold your breath you may actually survive for anything up to four minutes after that you can go quietly to page 14 chalk up one more death you murdered us you little murderer the fact that one of these is just murder you and the other is like get items yeah I, I very much see your point I don't like it cool we die again yeah, I, the reason I, when I said that, when I said that, it's because I saw the number 14 when I was down there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, great news. We only had to die two times before I got a magical item. Do we want to get the portable decoder? That, you know what? That sounds like a great call. I don't want, yeah. And we'll not, we're not going to keep going back, back, back. Um, mm -hmm. I'll say we do have a rope and on page 35, there's a potential way to use, like, use the rope to get somewhere as well. Uh, I like that see. too. I wrote down 72. Why did I do that? Nope, that's not anything. Where was the... It was after killing the wolf. It was on page 32. Let me go back to page 32. Oh, buddy. Which is on page 20. Okay, page 20 is the code. What's up? It's an inverse cipher with an offset. It was both of the things we were trying to use to solve it. The portable decoder is a slide rule that bears the following inscription uh, that effectively just demonstrates uh, the cipher that we are going to have to use here. So it's it's reverse reverse the... Wait, like flip the words so backwards and then do a cipher? A slide cipher? Uh, yes. Effectively. Okay. Uh, not, not, uh, sorry, uh, do the reverse cipher, but then also bump across. Yeah. So uh, instead of Z being A, Z is uh, 2 and X is A. Yes. Okay. Well, come to page 20 and decode this for me then. Will do. Which, uh, it also concerns me that the code on page 20 says code 5. 
on page 20? Yeah. Okay, so a C would be V, an O would be J, huh? <laughs> oh, code set at five. Oh, okay, so we would have to slide it all the way across to five, which means that C would be a T. Oh, this is going to take me a little while to actually translate manually. The. One can only assume it is the. Uh, and it is indeed the. C-O-R translates to the. Mm-hmm. Uh, G-R. Great. I'm sorry, G-P. Wait, it shouldn't be G-P. E? No, it is G-R. Great. And then, uh, yeah, it's probably great. Yep. Uh, D becomes S. Z. The Great Stone. I'm going to take your word for it. Well, I don't know. S. Uh, Z would be E. So... No, how is Z-E? This is annoyingly confusing, unfortunately. R would be E. What? Yeah, we, we should probably pause for a moment. All right. And we're back. And we have solved the cipher. Using the portable decoder and the offset uh, reverse cipher, we have found the text, The Great Sword Excalibur. And then the wolf has munched up a bunch of the paper, unfortunately, uh, taking away from us the uh, the middle text here. But the end is Scrog Hollow City. Yeehaw! To be fair, it also translates to Arcs, Arcscalibur. Because mm -hmm. I'm a, probably a scan issue, is the, uh, the educated guess. Yes, exactly. An R can look like an E. So... With a capitalized, that is. So, we could go, I don't know where we are on this page, you know? I think it's in the wilderness, maybe? Which page are we on? 20. 20. I think that's in the wilderness somewhere. We could go to page 35, because I know that's kind of near the Witchwood, and that's where we would need the rope. We could go there and then go south. Let's do 35 and head to the uh, rope test. For what it's oh, worth, sure. we still have to succeed. Also, the rope test doesn't... Hold on. The rope test doesn't even take you anywhere that cool, does it? 29 Well, I mean, nothing. it gives us the ability to go to any of those. West is... I guess west is... We could have gone to from any other 17. We could go from somewhere else. Yep, nope. None of those options are unique. So, this is nothing. The rope test is nothing. Uh, so, let's just go... South to 67, which we've never done. Sounds good to me. Which we have we have been. Is that on my... We have, yes. My list this, has just gotten is, uh, so ben. big. So I guess we go south to 50... We go south to 53? More than happy to. You're approaching a broad, swift river with some peculiar-looking trees growing along the edge of a bank. The air feels fresh here, and the trees are full of birdsong. All together a very pleasant place, which makes you instantly suspicious. A closer inspection convinces you that the river is too deep and fast to risk swimming, so you park yourself on a nearby rock and consider your alternatives. The most obvious of these is to make yourself a raft, launch on the river, and see where the river takes you. But to do this, you'll need an axe, a saw, a hammer, and nails. What? The hell. Which would take two entire trips. Mm-hmm. Two Merlins. Um, I'm just in the background here resolving extra trips to Merlin. 
uh, because I, I noted the possibility ahead of us. So, uh, what I will say is uh, we healed four times in a row over our max HP and then got a magic item. Huh. What do we think about this boots of speed? Oh, what? Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. You're back. Tele you've teleported home, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, we get him. I Get him. I wanted to see if I just happened to quickly roll two well, twos and well, be like, Arito, as it turns is there out. Is there any of them that sound vague, <clears throat> vaguely like um, something to do with water or swimming or something? Any of them sound. Not especially. The closest I can see would maybe be the levitation tablet. Huh. My guess is that's something to get you out of, like, like a, a pit. Mm. I don't know. I'm down with whatever. I don't want to lose the page. <clears throat> I am going to take the boots of speed, which uh, say, wearing this item dulls your speed factor during combat, with the result that you will get automatically two blows in for every one from the opponent. Furthermore, you can't be surprised no matter what the dice say. The bad news is it wears out after three combats. Fair enough. All right. No problem. Do you want to go to 76, which is going to the east, which is a thing we had not done? Sure, sure. So we will not be building this raft and proceed gaily to 39. Oh, wait. Oh, that's what we're not doing. Yes, okay. 76. Yes. Now there's something different. You're approaching a walled city and you realize quite how peculiar when you take a little time to examine the place more carefully. There's no entrances anywhere. So we have been here, haven't we? We have indeed. 76 is the walled city in the, wild, uh, the midst of the wilderness in the Witchwood Forest. South to 81 we've done, 29 we've done, west to 47, we have done, north to 87, we have done. Mm -hmm. And we know that we need to get into Scrog Hollow, so you're telling me the mechanic to win this, potentially, is to keep on rolling until you get a two twice. Oh, I great news what I just rolled. Okay, we get just, half of these things. <laughs> we, what we have to do is just, right now, is just literally just roll a whole bunch and tell me how many times we freaking die. Is kind of like, unfortunately, what we have to do, it seems like, which is... Almost lack. exactly. We've died zero times so far. We got the axe and saw. And just rolled another four so we can heal again. Two! Oh my god, no deaths. Uh, and that's the uh, entire everything we need. So hammer well, that or works too. Nails or spikes. Should probably go spikes. And I'm going to say a mallet. We have all the tools to build a raft. All right. All right. Page 39 it is. This might not even be right, but... Mm-hmm. The strong flow of the Great River carries you swiftly eastward for several hours before the waterway abruptly narrows and unaccountably slows. As an intelligent and opportunist young adventurer, it occurs to you that this must be your chance to reach the southern side of the river. A lightning-fast mental calculation convinces you that your chances of doing so safely are quite high. But is this, in fact, the best way to go? Make up your mind now. If you decide to follow the southern bank... Okay. So, 81 we've been to. Alternatively, you may cons you may just continue eastward to 91. Which we haven't done. Sounds good so to me. Let's go to 91. That's the non-RNG <clears throat> answer, and it's the one we want, so. By George, there's a city up ahead. The river you're on flows right through it. And what a curious city. All some spires and turrets look like illustrations from books of fairy tales. A high wall surrounds sectors both north and south of the river. 
but as the flow sweeps your frail craft eastwards, you can see a huge bridge linking the two. Trailing from bridge are heavy fishing nets. Those nets are intriguing, Pip. With a bit of luck, you could just about reach them as your raft swings past and, uh, and climbs up the bridge. If you want to try this roll two dice, score above a four and you make it safely at 85, score four or less, and you have a choice falling into the river and drowning or getting caught up in the nets and strangled. Either way, die. Or stick on your raft and it'll carry you onwards to 101. Another place we have not been. So 85, these are mm. both uncharted territory. Yes, however, here the uncharted territory is, do you want to go into the city you've been trying to get into constantly or go past it? It might, I guess I thought it was like, you'll continue further into the city. So like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, two dice and score above a four. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just go to 85. Five. You fit very good. Hell yeah. You made it, Pip. Congratulations. You're standing on the bridge. A little breathless, to be sure, but safe enough for the moment. Glancing about you, you can see the largest part of the city lies north, while fewer buildings stand in the southern sector. Before you can make up your mind about where to go, you notice two heavily bearded dwarves approaching, one male, one female. Yes, the female dwarf is just as heavily bearded as the male. You, they stop abruptly as they catch sight of you. That person that has... That person oh, has... Yep, yep, that's, that's, that's a hidden quote. That person has a nude face, Henry! exclaims the female dwarf to her companion in some alarm and not a little outrage. What? Nobody dare come to Scrog Hollow City with a new face, Minnie. <gasps> we have a fake beard. Mm -hmm. And, okay, no, indeed. Henry says, Not with the police and guards and everybody else ready to kill him and beat him and throw him in jail. New faces who gets the law in Scrog Hollow. He takes her by the arm, and despite the fact that she begins to belabor him strongly with a leather handbag, leads her past you over the bridge, nodding civilly and short-sightedly in your direction. Oh my. No harm done there, as it happens, but the incident would certainly suggest you don't get very far in this place. Let's have a decently hairy face. If you happen to be carrying a false beard and mustache, whip it out and put it on instantly. We do. Yes. Equipped. Before entering a new section within the city... Oh, okay, That that's all irrelevant. Yes, There's if a bunch we of... did have a nude face, we would have to worry about running into the police patrol. So since we have the the fake beard and mustache, we can look at the city plan on page 219. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Okay, so oh, 85 is the bridge that we enter on. There is a north side and there is a south side uh, of this uh, Scrog Hollow city. Uh, the northern side is more populous, the southern side less. And where would there be a sword? Hmm. I fear we probably have no relevant information with respect to that. We've only got Scrog Hollow City as our news. So why don't we go to one of the nearest places, 93 or 145, each of which appear to be guard towers on either side of the bridge. Okay. Wait, sorry. Uh, which one? I was well, my... one of them's northern, so let's go to the 93. Sorry, I was getting my MS Paint. Thing set up so good while we're moving my bloom 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 the sound effect that windows makes when you you know <laughs> perhaps not the best building to explore pip this is a guard tower roll two dice to determine how uh, many guards there are five. Oh boy uh is this in quotes half of it is kind of uh each of them uh, there's five of them each of them has 15 life points strikes successfully on a five or better and does plus three damage with a sword is it a black war or a blog war 
challenges the nearest guard formally the moment you make your entrance. Answer at once! A lunatic question, but you think you better give it some sort of answer. If you want to say Blagwart, go to 107. If you prefer Blogwart, go to 119. I mean, I have no information Blog, one way or the other. Blog is closer to Scrog. Sure, 119. That's all I've got. Wrong! Cool. <laughs> Exclaims the guard furiously. There's a traitor in our midst! At him, lads! With which you find yourself under such violent attack, you do not even have the time to roll for first strike, but must submit to one blow before you can even get EJ out of his scabbard. What'd you say about our boots? Or whatever item you got? Uh, for the next three combats, we get to act twice speed, and also, they cannot get the drop on us. That's not allowed. Yeah. We'll attack first. Thank you, Muchly. Uh, charge one of the boots of speed is utilized. Ooh, that's a seven. Four, three, plus five is eight damage. First one goes down to seven HP remaining, and then we take a second strike, and that absolutely eviscerates this dwarf. All right. Oops. Okay, wait. Now we go. And now they go. That is a five. So that they is do a, hit for that, but they only do one damage. Yeah, it's fine. We respond with fierceness. Uh, taking another of them down to 7 HP remaining and striking a second time <laughs> for Snake Eyes, which won't finish the job. They return with a 6, which is a whopping 2 damage. How dare they? We dispatch of another one, leaving only 3 remaining. Uh, we uh, pull the blade out of the corpse of the second dwarf and accidentally strike behind us the third dwarf for a minimal five points of damage. All right. That is an eight, which is... Oh, God. <laughs> My brain is getting... Three like... damage total. Yeah. Perfect. Second dwarf goes... D Sorry, third dwarf goes down. The second dwarf went down a while ago and the third dwarf's like... Mm -hmm looks good and instantly dies and we throw a seven good lord ej the fourth is getting similar treatment to the first and second down on seven hp right uh that's a crit that's a little crit seven total damage we're down to 39 hey watch it that hurt my friend i mean uh, and EJ responds by eviscerating the evil ghoul that dealt this damage to us. And uh, starting up on the second as well, taking him down to 6 HP. One more damage and you could have taken him out, buddy. Good work. Well, that's a little something. That's a little three right there. Ooh, we'd love to see it. We'd love to see it. Yep, I didn't roll the world's worst dice of all time, so this fight is over. All right. We are two experience away from our next level. And we also, we don't get anything special. New. Although we did learn that it's, it, it is a, uh, a, 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 blag got. Uh, yeah. What's it called? Blog, blogwort. So it's a blagwort. Blagwort? Perfect. Okay. Just in case anyone else tries to test us in the future. Okay. 
So our nearest location from here would actually be taking an immediate left, walking along uh, towards what looks like an open air bazaar that is labeled either two or 12, depending. Oh no, that's 127. <laughs> it's none of the things I said, but it is 127. 127, okay. The building has open sides, and beneath the high roof supported by colonnades is a bustling hive of dwarven activity. A single glance tells you what is going on, a boat building. On a nearby pillar, someone has stuck a notice stating, All dwarf in dwarvish. All job applications to the foreman. Directly underneath it is a second notice stating, Join the revolution! See Comrade Nagaya for details! And directly underneath is a third notice stating, Inquiries. You glance across in the direction of the arrow to discover a small elevated platform with a desk on top. Sitting behind the desk is a dwarf. If you want to make inquiries about a job or joining the revolution, you can reach out on the elevated platform by turning to 162. Otherwise, we just go back to the city plan, so I should imagine it is time to proceed to 162. Okay. 162. The dwarf looks up at your approach. Is it a job you're after, or do you want to join in the revolution? A fair question. If you'd like a few days honest toil, turn to 131. If the revolution interests you, 146. Is this a trap? <laughs> hmm. I don't think we should work. I don't want to work. I don't want to revolve. Alright. So, page... 146. 146... I'm looking for Comrade Nagayer. You tell the dwarf. That's me, Comrade. He tells you. Come to join the revolution, then, is it? You nod, wondering on earth the revolution's all about. Willing to take the loyalty trial? I suppose so. Good! He says, then calls over his shoulder. Comrade Alf! And out of the crowd of bustling shipbuilders lumbers the broadest, boldest dwarf you've ever seen. He stops in front of you, frowning slightly, and flexes his muscles. Comrade Alfs, our Revolutionary Council Loyalty Investigation Committee Trial by Combat Subcommittee Chairman. <laughs> Comrade Nagayer explains. You fight barehanded. No scratching, no gouging, no hitting below the belt. If you're still standing after four rounds, you're in. The fight won't kill you, or Comrade Alf either come to that. Roll for first strike as usual. Since it's a friendly punch-up, you won't be using EJ, so you'll need to hit with a six or better. You score only dice damage with no weapon additions. One strike by you, one strike by Alf counts around. Alf hits at a plus ten. Okay, because of his enormous strength, and your damage score against him should be deducted from the damage he scores against you in that particular round. If you have mm. ten or more life points after four rounds, you can join the revolution. Okay. Perfect. This will be our second charge of our boots, so we will not roll for initiative. We will take the initiative, Great. and we get to strike twice per round. Great. I mean, we're not going to be killing him anyways. Mm, we're not, but we do five damage with the first hit, so he's doing five less damage on his next strike. And we do uh, two damage with the next hit, so that is a total of seven reduced from his upcoming damage. Oh, I read it backwards, so that's helpful. All right. He gets a six... So that's a cool. 10 minus three. Yeah. Yes. That's 10 minus. One. So three total. Round one complete. 
Uh, it's uh, six or better to hit and only dice damage with no weapon additions. So that's no damage. It was a six. We connected. Just no damage. And that does no damage as well. <laughs> Please roll bad. I have news. <laughs> I didn't say a, good news. I, it, well, because it's about as neutral as it gets. It's a six. So he hits for ten. <laughs> it's a six, so we hit them for nothing. And then another six. Good lord. Well, that's a three. So that's at least a nothing. Incredible. So I, I think by default we have to succeed then, right? All right. Yeah. We will be succeeding. Now it's just how many potions we need to use to recover. We don't even manage to strike with the next blow. The blow after it does but glances off his rippling muscles. Uh, that is an eight, which is... To 12 damage. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are down on 14 HP, but that is the end of the round. All right. We joined the revolution on page 175, but should we maybe drink some potions before we join the revolution? Ooh, absolutely. I think it's a great idea. All right. I got a six and a seven to help with the speeding and speeding up. Perfect. Up to 34. That's another five, 39, another eight, 47, and I think we should probably use one more. Another five takes us to 52, which is one below our maximum. Beaut. Let's go to 175 and join the revolution. 175. Well done, comrade. Exclaims comrade Nagayer. Never saw anyone stand up to Comrade Al for so long, which is probably why there's so few of us in the revolution. Uh, how few are we? You ask curiously. Well, after me and Alf, you're, uh, third. We're not going to get a lot of revolting done in that case, you remark. True, agrees the comrade. But we can hold ourselves ready. Take this token as our bond. And he hands you an octagonal pewter token inscribed with the words in Dwarvish. Palace property. Long live King Blogwart. Some revolution. You can get back to the real world via your city plan where you can pick another destination. Okay. Huh. Hmm. I mean, nearest to here would be directly across the street, 130. Works for me. If you've been feeling thirsty, you've certainly stumbled to the right place. It's a tavern, and not too busy either, by the looks of it. Is it an A or is it an O? The barman calls cheerfully as you approach. Is it blog or is it blag? Is it green or is it red? Is it sour or is it sweet? Is it even worth all the bother? And he giggles and sways alarmingly. Never mind about all that. You tell him severely. I am searching for the great sword of King Arthur, and I am so far and getting nowhere. Have you any information? I will handsomely pay you if you're prepared to accept an IOU. The barman sobers instantly. They say the blogs have it. Is it. But he mutters in a low, fearful voice. But whether you can believe what they say is a different matter. What will you do now if you find the sword, noble adventurer? I shall wrest it from the villain who purloined it and return it to its rightful owner, my liege lord, King Arthur of Avalon. You proclaim. Blow me down! Exclaims the barman in admiration. I'll toss you for a token. 
He produces an octagonal pewter token from beneath the bar, along with the brace of dice. Highest roll wins. As you take the to dice to to what to roll them, you notice the engraved on pewter token the words Palace property. Long live King Blogwar. Roll once for the barman and once for your okay. <laughs> once for yourself. If your roll is higher than his, you may have the token. Otherwise, buy him a drink and find another destination. Uh, I would like I you to roll, roll for his. us. I have rolled for him. Five. Two. <laughs> oh, we, we get, get the, the token. token. Wait, so is the other one the Blagwart token? No, the other was also Blogwart. Oh. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, where... So we've got two tokens for Blogwart. Okay. If I had to guess from the structure of what's happening here, because we went to the northern side and there was a guard tower there and on the southern side there was also a guard tower and when we got to the north we were instantly queried as to whether or not we thought it was Blagwart or Blogwart, I think on this side they believe in Blogwart. Uh, and we will need to collect a certain amount of Blogwart tokens in order to try and do something with them. Uh, however, on the south side, we would probably be collecting Blagwart tokens in order to do something instead. That's my guess, indeed. Um, man, there's just so many, so many left. We got one, two. Let's, I mean, should we just keep collecting the same tokens then? Or, you know, since we've got a collection I, that we're working on, I guess? Yeah, I certainly think so. I think it's much more likely that, that whatever uh, these access would want a large amount of one token rather than multitudes of each. So 115 would be our nearest, which looks like it might even be a church building. All right. The notice says Municipal Museum. What a crashing bore. If you really want to explore it, go to 155. Otherwise, there should be some interesting places left on your city plan. Museums are interesting. I do like them. The museum building is certainly impressive, constructed in the Grand Roman manner with flying buttresses and all sorts of showy trifles. Unlike most museums you've seen, however, it's entirely surrounded by a small army of guards, some sporting brown uniforms, some gray. As you approach the entrance, a guard officer signals you to halt. Your pulse? He asks briefly. If you happen to have a museum pass, you can go quietly to 164. Otherwise, since you can hardly fight an entire army single-handed, you better return to your city plan. Hmm. Well, returning to the city plan then, and marking the possibility of coming back with a museum pass should it be important. Uh, and hey, museums hold artifacts. I wouldn't put it entirely beyond the possibility that there's just that's, Excalibur in I there. guess that's kind of true, yeah. Uh, I think we should head to 104, Let's which is that. directly behind this building. A weird piece of architecture here, Pip. The roof is curved like gently undulating hills, and the supporting pillars lean crazily in every which way. Against all odds, it seems to be secure enough, though, the entrance door. Which has a ticket booth, which is manned by a bearded lady dwarf. Carries a brass plaque stating Municipal Music Hall A Sharp. From inside comes the sound of singing. If you want to enter, 122. If you want to creep a little closer and hear the words of the song, go to 139. Hmm. Let's let's drop an ear in just in case they're yeah, chanting. We'll kill the first person we meet. Yeah, we don't know they're not saying that. The words of the song, which you can now hear quite clearly, having crept closer, are: "The Scrog Hollow race tracks three feet long, Duda, Duda, in the northern half where it belongs, Duda, Duda Day." 
quite edifying, really, but if you're quite finished, you should decide whether you want to do next. You can enter on 122 or creep away quietly by going to the city plan. So in the northern half means it would be in the half that we are currently in. Yeah. Racetrack's three feet long. That seems That seems like it might be important. Like I might go somewhere and they're like, how long's our racetrack? You tell me. Yeah. Should we go inside or just continue to the next? Scrog three feet. I'm I'm writing that down. Uh, I'm I'm fine to continue to the next in a and just like get details. Love it. And so coming one forty two is uh, what looks like a palatial estate has a large amount of uncurated land next to it. Okay. One forty two. I've also marked off that we have something we can do here still. Perfect. It's a castle, and a well-guarded castle at that, with pennant banners on the turrets identifying it as Blagwart's Keep. And the whole place is so securely fortified it'd take a full-scale army to capture it. There is, however, a steady stream of visitors through the main gates, each one stopped briefly by palace guards, and either turned quietly away or permitted to enter. Curiously, you join the queue as you reach the guards. You are asked politely enough, do you have palace tokens? Well, do you? If you have any octagonal tokens, turn to 163. If not, I mean, yeah, we do. We do indeed, 163. All right. It, yes, of course I have. You say confidently. Well, hold up. Are any of them copper? Asks the guard. If you do, in fact, have any copper tokens, go to 166. If you're only carrying pewter, you'll be firmly turned away. In which case, turn we to We are only carrying pewter, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. We've been checked. Mm-hmm. I will write down. Okay. That's on 142. We need copper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Could we assume that that's on the other side? Well, no. I I would probably assume that to be on the other side. But, like, are they at odds? Because then if so, I guess, yeah, all right. Hmm. There is either a uh, a castle, like, or rather a, a spire or a well directly behind this castle at one twenty one. If we should like to proceed, one twenty one. Wait. Oh, the circle. Yeah, I see. Come mm-hmm. down. As you stand staring up at the building, trying to make sense of the sign above the door, a dwarf emerges and strolls slowly in your direction. Excuse me. He says grimly. But do you know you are illegally parked? You back off in sun alarm. A leak? Uh, me? Park? I... No, I didn't. You can see he's wearing a uniform and suddenly the sign above the door. Truncheons rampant on a field to awe with the helmet sinister. Makes sense. This is a police station. Afraid so? He tells you taking out a notebook. Now if you wouldn't mind answering one or two questions... No, not at all. You tell him, grabbing EJ nervously in case this turns into something more serious. Like a desperate attempt to slaughter the entire Scroggolo constabulary. The first question is, says the Dwarven Constable carefully. Are you a black? He pauses significantly. The second question is, are you a blog? Tough questions. If you answer blag, 143. If you feel like more of a blog, go to 154. Mm. So, 
Blag. All of our information joined, yes, it's Blag, right? Because the guards were mad that we didn't say Blag, and the revolution is like, here's a token for Blog. And also the castle here was like, get away with that Blog token. Yeah. The Dwarven Dwarven Constable looks mollified. So far, so good, he remarks. But where were you on the night of the 25th? I don't know, you cry desperately. I can't remember. Nor can I, says the constable, putting away his notebook and fishing a small octagonal copper token from his pocket. Here you are then, he says, handing it across. Now, be off with you and you stay out of trouble. All right. You glance at the copper token, engraved on the surface are the words... Same thing. Palace property, long live King Blagwort. So let's go to 142, how about then? Let's see what check let's we're going to be slapped with after that. Do you have any golden comments? Gold. So 163. If you have any copper tokens, 166. Yes. You say confidently. I'll need four of them to let you pass, says the guard casually. <laughs> but of course. Crunch well, time, Pip. 102 is across the road. Sorry. Crunch time, Pip. If you collect fewer than four tokens, you better go back to your city plan, find some more. If you have more, you can go through with confidence on 179. So yeah, 102. Mm-hmm. We only have three more locations here on the north side, uh, although two of them remain unexhausted, the museum and music hall. This is a church building of some sort, a temple perhaps, and quite unlike anything you'd find in Avalon, the inscription above the pillars says... Bewilderingly. The number is zero! Hail to Duckworth, god of dwarves! From the partly open door, you can smell the scent of incense and hear the sound of chanting. But do you enter? The decision is yes, go to 133. Yes, we're looking for tokens. Mm-hmm. You move towards Me the tokens in here. door, only to have your way blocked by two broad-shouldered dwarves in priestly robes carrying wicked-looking maces. Peace. Intones one waving his mace. Hail who? Asks the other threateningly. Uh, Dakworth, uh, god of the dwarves! You reply promptly, remembering the inscription. What is the number? Inquires the first priest, still waving that menacing mace. Zero! You reply triumphantly, again remembering the inscription. Is it sweet or sour? Asks the second, scowling. You stare at him dumbly. That certainly wasn't on the inscription. But on it or not, you're looking for an answer. They're looking for an answer. If you think it might be sweet, go to 110. Sour try 158. Uh... I... Do we have a reason to know? No, not really, unfortunately. Do you have a preference? I have a preference. Uh, At least I have something that sounds good right now. All right, why don't you give it to us? I really could go for some sour candy right now. That sounds like a great time. Let's head to sour on 158. There's a momentary silence as the two dwarves look at you. Then one smiles broadly. A saint. He tells the other. Definitely. The other concurs, with which they step aside and bowing gesture you to enter which you may do on 141. Okay, so we have to keep that in mind because it might be relevant that sweet is bad. Yep. So uh, I've been keeping track because there was the the uh, debate internal that the bartender was having with himself of is it blag or blog? Is it zero or one? Is it sweet or sour? Uh, I believe he may have even said Dakworth. 
so I'm I'm keeping a list of blags like Zero, Sour, and Dakworth. Yes. The interior of the temple is a huge circular chamber ringed by colonnades. That the exact center stands an organ, which a long-haired dwarf is pounding out a frenzied rendition of Roll Out the Barrel. Around him stands groups of dwarves in silent meditation. Dotted around the place are statues of a giant dwarf, which you take to be representations of the god Dakworth. In front of the one nearest you is an offering plate in which lies an octagonal copper token. If you feel like robbing a church, make a grab for the token on 161. I mean, let's give it a shot. I don't believe in their god. <laughs> I don't believe in your god. <laughs> 161, roll two dice, score six and above, you're free and clear. Take your copper token. Shall I? Go ahead. And if you fail... <laughs> uh, we rolled exactly six. Okay, I was going to say, if you failed, I rolled a seven, so we're good anyways. Go to 170. Wait, no. Take your copper... Oh, just take your copper token and go failed. back. All right. Mm-hmm. So we got our two copper tokens, and then I think one twenty-four and ninety-eight are the remaining areas. One twenty-four is the largest hall here. Uh, all right. I think that we are gonna have to retire and do that tomorrow, our time. Absolutely. All right. One day later, it's another one of those. It's another multi-day book. Here we are, back in Scrog Hollow City. Mm-hmm. We got a couple pewter, what do we call them? Tokens? Uh, octagonal tokens. The uh, pewter ones have written on them, Long Live King Blogwit. And the two copper octagonal tokens we have have Long Live King Blagwort on. All right. So we have a couple more. We have three more places that we have not even touched in the northern part of Scrog Hollow. Mm-hmm. Uh and then there's even there's two places that have unresolved elements as well. 104 and 115. We have unresolved elements there. Uh, yes, we would need a music hall pass or the museum pass to get into each. All right. Let's go to 124, this big old building in the north. The big Let's old building of the north. This is one monumentally large building, Pip. Unguarded, but locked up tight. Unnoticed by the main door states closed until 10.30 p.m. Oh, man, we should have done it last night. It was past 10.30 p.m. for me almost. Oh, the book would have read differently uh, then. This is still a good few hours away, despite all the time you've wasted messing around in this city. Nevertheless, not being one to miss an opportunity, you have a little pier in one of the windows. And inside, you can see rows upon rows of identical bunk beds with a wooden locker beside each. A notice on the far wall states, Long live King Blagwort. Nothing else to see here. Better pick another destination. Okay, great. So that's clearly a barracks of some kind with foot lockers next to the bunk beds. Yeah. Uh, 98. Hopping out the front door, walking down the street to the left a little bit. Mm -hmm. Looks like it might even be a sports yard of some kind. A sports yard? There's quite a racket. There's quite a racket because it's a tennis court, right? (laughs) Emerging from this building, banging, hammering. Okay. Not legal in tennis. And worst of all, the most tuneless singing you've ever heard in your entire life. I would be more interested in tennis. Cautiously, you, s- yeah. you stick your head around the door inside at rows of rows of wooden benches, close on 300 dwarves or making shoes. And singing the while. The smell of leather, the tap of hammers, the beat of lapstones, and the strangled gulps of swallow tacks are everywhere. They're making cleats f- for the sports field. 
You're about to withdraw your head and creep quietly away when a voice from somewhere on a level with your navel asks, Come for a job, have you? You glance down to find yourself looking at a dwarf dressed in a leather apron on which the single word foreman has been stenciled. A job? You echo foolishly. Pays 100 gold a week, says the foreman dwarf. Union rates plus overtime. Are you interested or not? Well, are you? The gold could come in handy and the work doesn't look all that difficult and can survive the singing. If you want to apply, go to 109. If not, refuse politely and pick a different plan destination. I think we should exhaust the path. Yeah, especially because uh, we're still looking for more of the tokens that we know to be on this side of the map. Yeah. Or assume, rather. 109. Uh, thank you, sir. You tell this mini dwarf foreman politely. I should indeed like to take a job in your factory. Workshop, says the foreman. It's called a workshop. Only blogs call a place like this a factory. You're not a blog, are you? I don't think so. You reply, wondering what on earth he's talking about. We know by now. Soon we'll find out. Remarks the foreman. Winning. There's e always the test. Evilly. Sorry. Winning evilly. Mm. Grinning? How could that have been? He wins at you evilly. Maybe it was wincing? I'm trying to figure out how this could have been uh, scanned to get the word winning. Mm. Wincing? I think it's possible wincing is it. I think it's it's closer than grinning would have been. Yeah, G yeah. to a W. <laughs> yeah, I think it's wincing. Evilly. The test? You echo in some trepidation. Uh, simple enough. Sniffs the foreman. But it certainly sorts some of the blogs from the blags. You just tell me which color you prefer. Forest green or russet red. Sneakily, you glance at the shoes being made, but they're all brown, so that doesn't help. Come on, says the foreman. I can't wait all day. You're going to have to answer. If you tell him green, go to 117. If you think it should be red, go to 123. Oh, boy. Do we know the answer? We don't know the answer to this one. Uh, it's possible we might have had some clues somewhere, but uh, no, not really. Uh, um, green. <laughs> okay, my only possible uh, push would be that I know copper tokens like weather green and pewter looks more auburn than that. I I don't know if that's going to be related at that all, is a... but that would tend to associate green with black. That is a stretch, but I think I, I said green anyway, so let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. By the holy zero, you're definitely a blag, exclaims the foreman dwarf in a sudden burst of total unintelligibility. You can start right away. So now you've got yourself an honest job, at least for a while. You throw two dice and multiply the answer by a hundred, and that's how much gold you'll earn before you return to the city plan and pick another destination. Oh, hell yeah. Would you like to throw one of these and I'll throw the other? Yeah. Four. I mean... Not bad, but... Six. Oh! We have a thousand gold? A thousand gold? Thank you we'll very kindly. a thousand gold, yeah. Uh, okay, so we now know for certain as well that uh, blags love green. Mm-hmm. And blogs love red, presumably. Because it's been very mm -hmm. opposite. Uh, should we go to yeah, one... I've, I've only been writing down what blags like, just with the assumption that the opposite is preferred yeah. by blogs. Yeah. Welcome to 2023. You want to go to 127? Let's do it. 
127. The building has open sides beneath the high roof, supported by colonnades. It's a bustling hive of door and activity. A single glance tells you, this have appears, we been here? Yeah, this appears to be the, uh, yeah, join the revolution. This is where we met uh, Comrade Nagea. Yeah, okay. All right, so we have exhausted this side until we get a pass, which I can only imagine we get on the other side. So let's, wait, 85, the bridge. 85 was Is where we initially we landed to get here. Gotcha. All right. So one, we're going to go to 145, the next kind of like, basically the first thing on the other side of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Into the southern element. Ooh. Sounds good to me. Best not be, best, wait, perhaps not the best building to explore, Pip. This is a guard tower. Roll two dice to determine how many guards are in residence at the moment. Five. Uh, d -d 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 Excellent. What'd you say? What'd you get? Uh, different number. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for what it's worth, it's not going to make too much difference as uh, one of them challenges. Hey, is it Blackwater or Blackwater? Challenges the nearest guard the moment you make your entrance, and... Oh. Oh! Answer at once! A lunatic question, you better... Well, I mean, can't we... So... Oh, shoot. Blagwort was the north, so this is Blagwort. I believe so, yes. One would imagine. 134. 134. Well said! Exclaims the guard in admiration. He draws a sheet of parchment from his jacket and hands it over to you. You've earned this! You glance at the writing on the parchment. It reads, in Dwarvish, Free pass to municipal museum, neutral territory, and diplomatic immunity, etc. A puzzling document, is it? <laughs> but it may come in useful. Stashed away and look for a different place. Uh, okay, so what which... could this possibly be? What? If only it told me it's a free pass to a municipal museum or something, and then specifically what that qualifies as. Alas. Uh, 115 is the museum which then takes us to 155, which then lets us go to 164 if we have the pass. I like the idea of going back to the north and resolving that before continuing. Yep, I'm on 164. I figured as, as much, so it's like, that's the... We, we need to know... This had a key for this lock. It's got to have something useful. Yep. Right. Not even just that as well. We we agreed in the last session that uh, as a uh, museum, it yeah. may possibly be a slightly better uh, location for artifact searching, such as Excalibur. One would imagine. You wander through the inner balls of the museum. Wait. <laughs> At holes. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> It says balls, reps. <laughs> I'm going to dedicate a new ball of the museum in the name of the John D. Rockefeller. In the, in the balls of the Mountain King. Uh, <laughs> if the museum impressed despite yourself some... Wait. Uh, sorry. Let's, let me read that again. You wander through the inner balls of the museum impressed despite yourself at some of the exhibits. Here, for example, is a vivid tableau of a dwarven hunter in the wilderness at bay on a rock totally surrounded by a huge pack of savage brawn. Next in a gallery of paintings are two striking family portraits side by side of a glowering male dwarf, dwarves in noble regalia. So similar in appearance, they might even be twins. The plaque beneath one identifies him as King Blagwort, while the other is shown to be King Blogwort. Then hanging on the wall is a tapestry de depicting Borfax races, the huge beasts straining against the efforts of their dwarven jockeys. 
And here, now, this is an interesting find. It's a glass case with a plaque identifying the exhibit as the Great Book of Dwarven Histories. Inside, there is indeed a great book, a heavy tome, leather-bound and open so that two of its pages are exposed to view. You begin to read and discover with mounting excitement that the history begins to make some kind of sense of the situation you've experienced in Scrog Hollow City. It appears that Blagwart and Blogwart are twins, born of the Scrog ha Hollow royal line, and so similar in appearance that not even their mother, the late Queen Grizzleguts, could decide which had actually been born first. As a result of this quirk of fate, no one could decide which was the rightful heir to the throne, so then... When time came for one of them to become king, nobody could decide which it should be. This dilemma teetering the country on the brink of civil war until the sage on the granite pillar decreed that the kingdom should be divided between them both by the casting of lots. This was duly done so that certain areas fell to Blogwort and others to Blagwort. Both were granted the title of king. A problem arose in Scrog Hollow City, however, where the casting of lots left King Blagward in control of the larger, richer sector of the city north of the Undyne Flow. Well, Blagward had to be content with the smaller, poorer southern sector. As a result, citizens of both sectors became very partisan to their particular leader, and commerce between the two sectors was limited and restricted by frequent questions designed to test the loyalty of the traveler. <laughs> okay. But interesting though it is, all this pales by comparison with the final paragraph of the second page, which has, tells how King Blogworth decided the only way he could obtain what he saw as his rightful inheritance, a larger slice of the northern Scrog Hollow, was to equip himself with a mighty weapon of war so powerful that his brother would be unable to stand up against it. But there the paragraph ends, leaving you to wonder whether the weapon Blogworth wanted was Excalibur and whether he actually went ahead and stole it from King Arthur. Sneakily, you try breaking into the glass case to read more of the book, but it resists your best efforts. While you're trying, however, you notice an, octag okay, an octagonal copper token lying on the ground inscribed on it are the words that we have read before. Mm-hmm. We now have three of the uh, Long Live King Blagwort tokens. Also, funny enough, we didn't get number checked on the pewter. We only got number checked on the copper. Um, I, Have we been number checked on the pewter at all? Let me, let me let me go check 142 do you have palace tokens if you have any octagonal tokens go to 163 any of them copper if you have any copper tokens if you have any copper tokens go to 166 right right i uh i only mentioned as uh 164 is the entry we just read for the museum and uh 165 and 166 are exactly the same except they refer to four copper tokens or four pewter tokens Gotcha. So I think we well, just haven't encountered the four check. Or it was here's my one. guess. My guess is that there is another. There's a castle on both sides. One needs four mm -hmm. pewter. One needs four copper. Yep. The question exactly. is, which one stole the sword? I think that what we'll do is, we'll check after we get. Hopefully, we get another copper token, and it just is that straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's possible, or uh, at least hinted by the text here, that Blogwort would be the person to want Excalibur for uh, both the weapon and the rightful rule as king. So I would tend to think it might be the southern one. Regardless, we do just need to continue exploring the area. Uh, if we get the music hall pass, though, going back to 104 would be great. That is true. Um... What do you think about 112? 
just a, across from the guard tower that we've just rumbled. One, sorry, which one? One. One twelve. Yeah, let's do it. So we didn't, we didn't get the music hall pass. Uh, no, not yet. Okay. What a merry place, dwarves of all descriptions, dressed in the gaudiest of colors, with sailing and carousing, singing and dancing on the tables, fighting an honest tavern by all appearances, and quite like Avalon on a Saturday night. You shoulder your way to the bar, eyes narrowed as you keep a sharp lookout for the great sword Excalibur. This being just the sort of place you'd expect to find rogues and thieves displaying their ill-gotten booty. You lean against the counter, half-smile playing grimly across your lips as you survey the merry throng. Three fingers of rye, a tuna spittoon. You draw across your shoulder to the barman. What? He asks the barman. You pull yourself together. My pardon? You say politely. What I meant to say was a tankard of mead, by your leave, and a little information. Mead it is. Says the barman. He leans forward confidently and adds, Is it an A or an O? I is it what? You ask, taken aback. Suddenly where the whole tavern has gone quiet. I said, repeats the barman. Is it an A or is it an O? Everybody's looking at you, Pip. There's quite a few unsavory characters in here. Better give them some sort of answer. If you think it's an A, 149. If you think it's an O, 137. One would imagine it's, it's... O for blog. Exactly. So that is 137. 137. Right! He exclaims. Chorus is the motley crew, returning to their former occupations. The maid's on me, growls a sinister-looking dwarf a little way down the bar. He's natally dressed in black with silver edging. He sidles up to you. I couldn't help it over here, you asking for information, stranger. I can be misunderstood in these parts. Some might even take you for a blag. But not me. If you need information, just ask. The name is Honest Harry. Are you going to risk asking this sinister? If honest. Personage for information on Excalibur. If so, 153, 152. If not, buy him a drink and get out of here as fast. And go somewhere, anywhere. I'd say we go for 152, right? Absolutely, it's time to persist. The place has gone quiet again. Even Honest Harry has seems subdued. He glances around and lowers his voice. We don't talk much about matters of that sort here, stranger. But, since you're very obviously a blog at heart, I'd suggest you try a very similar establishment to this one at 1.30. With which he drains his glass and sidles off. We've been to 1.30. Exactly, that's the bar on the northern side. Gotcha. So it seems like we effectively just asked for more information, and then Harry was just like, go to the person who seems to be least partisan, and ask him. Yeah. Okay. Did we... We went to... We have... Hmm. What's up? Nothing. Okay, so we went to... I'm trying to figure out... I, I think there's one that we went to that I didn't cross off, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. What do you have not crossed off? Uh, on the south side, 136, 157, 153, and 118. Uh, also, it looks like there might be another entrance right down in the corner called 138. Oh, yes, that's it. Okay. All right. Um... However, uh, 
first, we should probably go uh, across the street from the bar over to uh, the work yard at 136. All right. This huge building is locked, bolted, and deserted. A notice nailed to the main doors states in Dwarfish. Boatyard, close duty strike. Underneath it, someone has scrawled in code, code four. Blah, 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 blah. Which I will be able to translate easily. All I have to do is hit this button, and then it says, ah, okay, so the answer is VDQD NMKX. No, that's not it. That don't seem right. Uh, the code for <laughs> what? Uh, the secret message that we needed uh-huh. to decode was uh-huh. we're only here for the beer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is it just trying to get us to go to the tavern? Like it really wants us to go to the tavern first? Is that? I I think it's entirely possible, but I guess we really should have gone to the southern side first. It seems like they thought we would have done that. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah, theoretically. All right. Well, uh, we've got more places to go. 157 is the next closest thing, the big building there. Maybe the castle. Let's do it. A quick glance through the windows of this massive building quickly convinces you that it's a canteen. No one's inside that you can see, and the door is locked. There is, however, a notice stating with code 2. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, closed for lunch. Wow, <laughs> these are great... <laughs> I mean, not all of the things that the decoder yeah. gives you can be useful. And I, 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 uh, alas, right. it, it it does feel like uh, there was a, a game I played uh, a while ago. I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it. It's not necessarily going to be relevant, but it was uh, uh, like Halo? A, a psychological horror game. It was Halo! That's wild! <laughs> psychological horror game Halo. Uh, Gotti 2004. Uh, it, but it, it was a game that had this, uh, you know, room with a bunch of environmental design that clearly was a puzzle. And I got to the very end of it. It was very long and involved. It was like a two and a half hour solving process. And it was be sure to drink your Oval Tea. And I was like, what? You did this for an old meme? The oldest meme? Yeah. yeah. I'm so mad. Yeah. They gotcha. I, I like it. More power to them. Because, hey, here's the thing. You do remember that moment. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) There's a lot of moments in games that I just do not remember anymore. Uh, On to 153 per chaps? Absolutely. Which I would imagine is the castle. Yeah, now to be the castle given its large yards. Large yards. It's a castle. (laughs) And a very well-guarded castle at that. (laughs) Pennant banners on the turrets identify it as Blogwort Keep. The whole place is so securely fortified it would take a full-scale army to capture it. There is, however, a steady stream of visitors through the main gates, each one stopped briefly by the palace guards and either turned quietly away or permitted to enter. Curiously, you join the queue. As you reach the guards, you are asked politely enough... I mean, okay, we we do know what where this is going. Mm-hmm. We're going to be asked if we have the correct octagonal tokens on 173, and then he's going to ask if they're pewter, taking us to 165, at which point he will check if we have four pewter. We only have two. Ha- huh. Okay. All right. So let's just, yeah, I'm going to write... Which leaves... Pew. Sorry? Which leaves uh-huh. 118 and 138. So let's go to 118 since it's closer. 118. Let's do it. It's quite a racket emerging from this building, banging, hammering, and worst of all, here's okay. Here's where I'm now confused about. We're gonna need to get two rewards from one locale. If we need two pewter tokens and a and a musical pass, we miss something. 
That is my guess. That's what I've been feeling is strange. Mm. 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 Anyways, we'll, fi- we'll, fi- we'll, we'll do these and then we'll figure it out from there. Let's do it. There's quite a racket emerging from this building, banging, hammering, and worst of all, the most tuneless singing you've ever heard in your entire life. Cautiously, you stick your head around the open door, and inside, at rows and rows of wooden benches, close on 300 dwarves making shoes. And singing the while. The smell of leather, the tap of hammers, the beat of lapstones, and the strangled gulps of swallowed tacks are everywhere. You're about to withdraw your, your head when you, quietly... Wait, didn't we? We did, we did. Uh, I think we did exactly the same page on the other side. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're about to withdraw your head. It's Somebody's talking to us at our navel uh, and asks... Uh, sorry, I, I, I rolled away from the page as I was looking for the information. Uh, come for a job, have you? You glance down to find yourself looking at a dwarf dressed in leather apron, which the single word foreman is Ben Stenciled. A, a job? You echo foolishly. Pays 100 gold a week. Says the foreman dwarf. Uh, union race plus overtime. Are you interested or not? Well, are we? I mean, I guess, should we get another job on 148 is that just that easy well so this is uh as far as i'm aware uh if we persist with this and go through the test we not only get more money but we also get a token yeah okay all right 148 unless thank you sir okay never mind you tell this foreman politely i should indeed like to take a job in this factory factory says the foreman. It's called a factory. Only blags would call this place a workshop, which you just did, despite the fact you said factory. <laughs> you know a blag, are you? I don't think so. You reply, wondering what on earth he's talking about after paying to the museum that informed you. Soon find out, won't we? Remarks the foreman, grinning. Grinning evilly. Wait a minute. Yeah. What? There's a confirmation. It was, it was grinning. It was a miscant yep. G? <laughs> okay. Oh, there's the test. The test? You echo in some trepidation. Simple enough. <laughs> Sniffs the foreman. But it certainly sorts the blogs from the blags. Now you just tell me what color you prefer. Forest green or russet red? Sneakily, you glance at the shoes being made, but they're all light yellow, so that doesn't help. Come on. Says the foreman. I can't wait all day. Okay, so they're red. 125. Yep. By the holy one, you're definitely a blog! Exclaims the foreman dwarf in a sudden burst of total unintelligibility. Igazar on the way. Roll two dice. I rolled a four again. A two. This one's slightly a slacker. Yo, slacker! (laughs) So we only have 1,600 gold. Extremely notably... No token here, or pass. Word. We're gonna have to do Which like a just over on some mm-hmm. of these other ones. We we missed something on one of the ones we've already been. You've landed into action it's... here, and mm-hmm. no mistake. Pip, what's up? Nope. No, I I, I I was going to conclude similarly. Yeah. As you approach this building, you can see a masked dwarf carrying a large sack, prominently marked swag racing like the clappers in your direction. Behind him in hot pursuit are three uniformed dwarves with dwarven truncheons. Oi, oi, oi! Stop that dwarf! 
calls one of the truncheon bearers, catching sight of you. Stopping the runaway dwarf could be dangerous, but if you want to try, turn to 129. If you prefer not to get involved, turn your back and walk, walk briskly to 180. Where did we get the other pass? It was from the guards, right? It was from the guards. That's my only lead. Which means... Is, yeah, is it possible to go back to 93 and then tell the guards the right thing and then they give us another pass? Oh, is that what it was? Oh, did well, we I mean, get did we the answer guard tower one the, the first time? Is that what it yeah, was? Yeah, we did, and then we had to fight them. Oh, that's what it is then. That's where we get the other pass. But let's... Oh. Okay. Well, do you want to go to 129 and stop this dangerous dwarf? Potentially dangerous dwarf? Or uh, turn away? Well, but... Yeah, exactly. Turn away is also an option that's unique. I don't believe we've been to 180, so this is specifically choosing rather than choosing to engage or not. Yeah. I just... I, as much as I don't like it, I feel like the guards have given us more t more uh, tokens. Alright. Let's head to 129. Well... Hold hard! You cry and launch yourself upon the runaway, who has 25 life points, will fight furiously for his freedom... Using a plus two dagger, which will hit you on a five or better. If it kills you 14, otherwise 160. Okay. I've rolled a three for initiative. I believe Wait, this oh. uh, initiative is, yes, exactly. No, uh, no use in this fight, as we have our final charge of Boots of Speed. So I'm going to be attacking twice. Ooh, that's a seven, which is three above value, plus five, eight damage. Oh my. And a seven for another eight damage. 16 life points off of the enemy, leaving them on nine. Ah, I'm just a guy. And he gets a seven, which is two damage. Mm-hmm. Four reduced by two by our armor, and yeah, we can pretty much sneeze in his direction at this point, and that'll take him down, and uh, in fact, we do. Achoo! And he falls over and turns into dust. And with that murder, we turn to page 160. Oh, whoa, whoa, that was well done! Remarks a uniformed dwarf, panting slightly. <sighs> Slippery Slam was a prime nuisance to the kingdom! He fishes out a small octagonal pewter token, hands it to you. Accept this token of our esteem. Engraved on the pewter token are the same words that have been continually engraved on them. Stash away the reward and go to the city plan. Okay. So we have well, three I and have three. Bad news. Yeah, exactly. It's three and three. <laughs> so here's my thought. Step one, we go back to the guard tower. We tell them the right thing. We mm -hmm. probably get the thing to go to the music hall. We get something. Maybe the final pewter token is in the castle on for some reason. Mm, right. So you have to do both so of them because one of them gives you. Yeah, I like That's it. That's my guess. So let's go to 93 and tell them the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, so it is we are going to go to 93, which is exactly the works. same for the guard tower. It doesn't matter how many uh, dwarves we generate for them, as we just need to tell them correctly that uh, it's Blagwart, actually. Ah, uh, yep, there you are. 107. Correct. Claims the guard. And here is your free pass to the municipal music hall. With which he hands you a card on which some overworked scribe has written in dwarvish. Municipal music hall. Admit one loyal visitor. Uh, free. Pleasant gesture to a tourist. Take your pass and return to your city plan to go up to page 104 instead. That's where the music hall is. 104. Mm -hmm. Which would head across to 122 in order to actually try and enter. 122. 
If you're carrying Got the pass, pass. 150. Oh, ask the lady dwarf as you approach your booth. If you're carrying a free pass to the music hall, go to 159. You enter a very rowdy theater with a chorus line of bearded female dwarves doing knee-ups behind a knockabout comic on stilts apparently doing a takeoff of some king or other to judge from the purple robes and tinsel crown. I say, I say, I say, exclaims the comic. Are we blags or are we blogs? The audience erupts in laughter. This is painful stuff, Pip. Even EJ is cringing in the scabbard. Maybe you should stop wasting your time on frivolity and go back to your city plan to pick a new destination. The only thing uh, is, if you... What? Uh, the only thing is, if you were carrying any pewter tokens, one of them will now be missing, stolen by a pickpocket. Um, <laughs> how do we get enough tokens? <laughs> we never went to 138, did we? Did we? We did. Hmm. We did. What? Curious. Is there a location here that we are not passing correctly, that we have somehow happened to miss? Because I can only assume it's not just we can go back to the same place constantly. I'm, yeah. I'm oh, so you confused. know what? What? So, <laughs> I think it's possible that we're meant to go to similar places consistently, and my only reasoning for that is because uh, the usual downside would be if we did not have the fake dwarven mustache and beard, we would be constantly rolling against the possibility of fighting. Mm-hmm. So that gives some slight justification in that direction, uh, but I would love to see confirmation. I've been yeah. checking a couple of the paths to see if there's anything anything exhaustive upon them that we've missed. Huh. Well, I officially have no uh, possible clue of any way that could form additional supply for us here, except for revisiting spaces that we've already gone to. Yeah, I'm looking at literally everything here, and either we miscounted the amount of tokens we got, or there's... I'm trying to think, is there... Because we... We've exhausted every possible thing in every possible part of the city. So the question would be like, surely they didn't say you have to go. You have to have found one before you got to the city. Because we also we don't even have a way to get out of the city at this point, technically. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, we, yeah, we're actually supposed to be locked here. So we don't have a way out. So there needs to be enough here. And on top of that, a pewter one was just stolen from us. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, one of them uh, we had to roll for, so <laughs> that one wasn't even guaranteed for us. Which has me thinking either, I think we find one on the street. <laughs> I think at this well, point- Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's effectively as legitimate as going back to one of the locations we already know the answer to and saying the answer we know. <laughs> yeah, that's, something's a little bit goofed there. I'm a completely different guy. <laughs> Look at my mustache. Anyway, uh, I'm a black. Got to talking about it. Let's go. Let's go steal the one from the church again. <laughs> let's do it. All right, I'm gonna roll a die. Um, I mean, oh, I for the for the up down roll on that one. Here, I'm gonna roll five dice. Uh, one of them worked. So hey, that's just, that's <laughs> basically what we have to do, since we have pretty the... much. All right, so. So let's say is, we we rumble through churches and bars until we end up with the appropriate amount of each token. Let's start by saying that we mentally 
that we did not go. I guess we were three and three. Let's go to the copper. Let's go mm -hmm. to the uh, one up Do top, and we'll assume we have three pewter right now, just in case to give the book the option. Because if they're willing to steal pewter, the pewter one from you, I feel as though there's a chance it's not even necessary. Well, but it very leads, very fair. It leads you somewhere. I don't know. We'll see. Let's go to one forty-two. It's a castle, very well guarded. Do you have enough palace tokens? If you have any tokens, go to 163. Any copper, if you have any that are copper, 166. And then if you have four, walk... Let's see, yeah. Walk to 179. Strange. Looks like there's a bit of hooli going on here, Pip. You enter great hall filled with revelers and scrub pine tables set out with a hearty feast. No wonder so many dwarves were queuing to get in. This must be what the token system's all about. Collect enough of them and through good behavior or hard work or what have you, and you're entitled to a free nosh-up with His Majesty the King. Is that what it's supposed to be? It's like we... I don't... I don't know. Anyway. You look around you, carefully noting the details and especially searching for any signs of the Great Sword Excalibur, which could just possibly be here, whatever the history book in the museum suggested. There are waiters waiting, harpists harping, jugglers juggling, singers singing, and a whole host of per perfectly plebeian dwarfs stuffing their faces with the finest of fare. Roast pork and chips with ice cream and custard to follow. At the high table, beaming benevolent benevolently over a tankard of foaming brew, sits a tall figure, tall for a dwarf that is. You recognize him instantly from the portrait in the museum, King Blagwort. Or is it Blagwort? No, here it has to be Blagwort. Shouldering your way bravely through the throng you make to approach him, but your way is barred by two dwarven guards. Uh, excuse me? You say politely enough, but dropping your hand quietly to your faithful sword. I wish to see the king. Now what? Asks one guard. Would you be wanting to disturb his majesty the king for? You just find a table and have some custard instead. Stand aside! You say rather more loudly this time. My business is urgent. Come on, says the guard patiently, taking you by the arm. You just come along with me and don't make no more fuss and we'll find you a nice leg. Unhand me, varlet! You roar, half-drawing EJ, who takes the opportunity to add. Yeah, unhand him, varlet! But before the incident can develop into a fight, the commotion attracts the attention of the king. Let the stranger approach, he calls. It's not often we have an opportunity to greet our subjects from out of town. Your Majesty, you say as the guards part to let you through. I am not one of your subjects. I am an envoy from Camelot, the court of King Arthur. The heck you are, remarks the king in a passable imitation of John Wayne. What brings you to Palace Blackwood? I seek the great broadsword Excalibur, which was stolen from my liege long since, and without which Avalon is going to ruin. Ruin, ruin, ruin. Your last words echoed throughout the hall of account of everything going deathly silent at the mention of the word Excalibur. King Blagwort leans forward, no longer smiling. Excalibur, is it? He asks angrily. Then you are in the wrong place altogether, for the great sword is hidden in the keep of my worthless brother, Blogwort, who stole it to rally his useless subjects in an attempt to seize from me that portion of the kingdom which is rightfully mine. A trifle one-sided presentation of the overall picture, no doubt, but interesting and useful information nonetheless. You bow politely. 
In that case, your dwarven majesty, I shall trouble you no further, but hasten to the keep of your worthless brother and there seize the sword to return to Camelot. At which brave words a ragged cheer rises from the fascinated diners, the king cuts short the noise with a gesture. More simply said than done, worthy adventurer. But there is first the matter of entrance to Blogwall's miserable castle. Do you have four pewter tokens? Quickly, you shake your check your inventory and shake your head. Thought yeah. not. Says the mm. king. Fortunately, I can help you there. For there is one such filthy token locked up in my dungeons, which you are welcome to add to your collection. The only problem is, my wizards have placed a magical lock on the room, which isn't all that easy to get through. Come with me and I'll show you. You follow the king out of the dining chamber along a corridor down a steep flight of stone steps, and along another corridor which ends in the most peculiar door. Shaped like a cross, the door you find is unlocked and opens easily, revealing a small chamber beyond. But the peculiar shape... Shaped entrance will simply not permit you to get through. You see, says the king, that's the magic. Fortunately, it's possible to rearrange the whole entrance so that it's shaped like a square and you can go in easily. Possible, but not all that simple. Take a look at the diagram on page 223. Cut it out and cut it along the line so it cuts into four parts and rearrange the parts to form a square and go to the section number shown. Uh, and it's in code. Okay, let me see if I can just shape brain this. I'm going to draw a couple shapes on separately on the paper, and I'll see if I can piece them together, and we don't need to cut things out. Oh boy. Or maybe it's easier to brute force. <laughs> well, the only ones that matter are the top ones. Yeah, it would definitely be easier to just cut this out. Are you just trying to write down the things for Cypher? Um, yeah. Yeah, because it, it's basically, it's a plus shape cut up in weird ways, and if you cut it out and rearrange it into a puzzle of a square, the there's four little cipher things that would obviously like combine into a number. I'll try and uh, readjust it. So I I uh, translated each of the individual words. And uh, I, I did them in basically the order that I imagined they must come with the, the version of this that I have tried to build in my mind yeah. place. Um, and I ended up with 10167, which I'm assuming is 167. I got it wrong. I mean, hey, let's go. We'll go to 167 and we'll find out if it seems wrong then. Okay. As the doorway turns square. Yeah, I think that might be right. I mean, I don't know. I just can't cut out my PDF on my computer. I would just, mm -hmm. scissors would go into the monitor, so. I had to do a whole Sherlock BBC cutscene there just so that I could get this working. Yeah. As the doorway turns square, you enter the chamber. Within on a velvet cushion lies the octagonal pewter token you seek. Take it quickly, say goodbye to the king, and continue to search for Excalibur on the city plan. Well, well said, well said. So that will be our fourth of the octagonal pewter tokens. Yeah. Yeah. It's a castle! A very well-guarded castle at that. Pennant banners on the turrets identify it as Blogwort Keep, and the whole place is so securely fortified it would take a full-scale army to capture it. Uh, same exact things said as before. It's literally the exact same stuff as before. So we'll turn to 173. Are any of them pewter? It's literally going through the exact same pages, but 
Mm-hmm. Blog to 165, of. and then from there, if we have four pewter, we can walk confidently to 169. You pass through the castle doorway and stop, eyes wide with surprise. You've entered directly into the throne room of Blogwart Castle, where the King Blogwart himself, looking amazingly like his brother, Blagwart, is sitting nervously on a raised throne beside which, embedded in a block of stilton, is the great sword Excalibur. And as if that shock wasn't enough, King Blogwart immediately throws both hands in the air, shouting, I surrender. I surrender. You what? I surrender. Repeats the king. I give in, uh, Pax. He lowers his hands cautiously. Uh, you're Pip, aren't you? Yeah. You agree? I am. I knew it. Groans the king. I knew it the minute they talked me into stealing this stupid sword. Mark my words, I told them. King Arthur's gonna be furious. He's gonna send his bravest, most ferocious, most intelligent, and best-looking hero after the sword. He'll send Pip the Wizard Basher, Dragon Slayer, Gate Closer, and Saxon Router. And he has, and you're here, and we're all doomed. It seems your reputation has preceded you, Pip. You take a step forward, and the king cringes in a most satisfying manner. Well, perhaps not exactly doomed. You tell him reassuringly. Certainly not if you just let me have the sword back without any trouble. Oh, that's just it, wails the king. I can't. He's stuck in this block of stilton and nobody can get it out unless they solve the riddle of the buck and kill the giant perkwaddle. The riddle of it, the giant, there had to be catch. Then my, oh. The my chief wizard has set us up as protection, groans the king. Then he accidentally fell into a portable hole he was creating to store the spells in. Nobody's seen him since, and nobody knows around to get round his protections. Judging by your experience of Merlin, it's exactly the sort of thing a wizard would do. All the same, you stride forward to the sword and give it a sharp tug to make sure, but as the king said, it's stuck fast in a block of stilton. You turn away. I suppose I'll sh- just have a go at solving the riddle and killing the waddling whatnot? You sigh. Yeah, says the king enthusiastically. Yeah, you do write that. Uh, Come with me, we'll start right away. You follow the king from the throne room along a corridor down a narrow flight of steep stone steps. At the bottom of is a dungeon door on which is placed an ornate notice stating the buck stops here, somewhere. The king opens the dungeon door and politely steps aside to allow you to enter. Equally politely, you suggest he enters first. He demurs and assists as you precede him. You refuse and he insists and takes the lead. Wait, you refuse and insist he takes the lead. After five minutes of this paranoid nonsense, his nerve finally breaks, possibly because you have placed the tip of EJ's blade gently on his throat, and he walks through the door. You follow to find that you have entered a smallish, gloomy cell on the far wall of which four venerable white-bearded dwarves are hanging in chains. These are my former advisors, explains the king. Troublemakers, every one. It was one of them that talked me to stealing Excalibur. The problem is to find out just which one. But surely you know! You protest. I did, admits the king. But I don't now. My chief wizard placed an amnesia spell on me as part of the riddle. I can't remember which it was. But how am I supposed to solve the riddle? The king sighs. He probably won't. Their names are Tom, Dick, Harry, and the Reverend Plantagenet O'Rourke. <laughs> Under the terms of the riddle, they will all make only one statement. 
We know that three of the four statements will be lies and one will be true. The problem is we don't know which one's which, but perhaps you can work it through logically. He hesitates, then gives you a sickly smile. There's another problem, he adds. If you get the answer wrong, you'll have to fight the Burkwater with one hand tied behind your back. This sounds like a fate worse than death, but you can worry about it if that happens. You draw yourself up to your full height. Let them make their statements, you say boldly. Alright, you! Who of you advise me to steal Excalibur? Asks the king. Dick dead, replies Tom. I'm pretty sure it was a reverend Plantagenet O'Rourke, exclaims Dick. I definitely didn't, wails Harry. You know, Dick is lying when he says I did that, mutters the Re reverend Plantagenet O'Rourke. Remember, says the king. Only one statement is true. So who did it? And then there's four options. So I was writing down so I could keep it straight. Mm -hmm. I think we can work through this sequentially of uh, is, is there a logical consistency if Tom is telling the truth? So if Tom's telling the truth, then Dick did it, uh, which means that Dick is lying, which means that Harry is also telling the truth. So it can't be Tom. If Dick is telling the truth, uh, he's saying that Reverend uh, Plantagenet O'Rourke did it, uh, which means that Tom is lying and Harry is still telling the truth. So can't be uh, that Dick's telling the truth about Reverend Plantagenet O'Rourke. Uh, if Harry is telling the truth that he didn't do it, then Tom can't be telling the truth about Dick, which means that either Tom or O'Rourke did it. Dick can't be telling the truth about O'Rourke doing it. And O'Rourke can't be telling the truth about... Oh, no, O'Rourke would be telling the truth because he's saying that Dick is lying when he says that I did it. Hmm. So final, was it Plantagenet O'Rourke, the reverend? Uh, if he's telling the truth, he says Dick is lying when he says I did it. So assuming that to be the truth, then Tom lying means it's either... Harry or Dick, Dick lying is a given in this instance, and Harry lying would mean Harry did it. So if Plantagenet O'Rourke is telling the truth, I think it's consistent, and I think it means that Harry did it. Let me see. Okay, hold on. Draw yourself... Okay, so three are lies. One is true. So if the reverence is the only true one... He'll be quietly, actually. Yeah, I can see if... If the reverence is the only true one, that one does cleanly wrap it up that it would be Harry, if that's the true one. Mm -hmm. I don't believe any of the other ones can be true without making something else also true, especially because Harry is claiming that he himself didn't do it. Yeah. And everyone else is uh, claiming something d d different instead. Well, it, in fact, two of them are making accusations. One of them saying not me and one of them saying another person's lying. Yeah, well, basically it comes down to unless Harry's is the one that's true, then Harry's lie just mean, means that he did it. So Yep, and so Harry's can't be true because if he says, I definitely didn't do it, then both Dick and Plantagenet O'Rourke cannot be lying. 
one of them accuses the other and the other says the person accusing me is lying yeah i mean i get yeah the reason i keep checking is because it seems I'm, too obvious yeah but i'll take it 178 harry 178 no sooner have you made your choice than a soundless explosion occurs in the gloomy cell, producing a thick cloud of purple smoke, which clears slowly to reveal the most hideous creature you've ever seen. It stands nearly eight feet tall on a muscular hind legs, and is totally covered in scales. The long head is very well, very well equipped with fangs, and the four feet end in viscous talons. The overall effect is that of a toad crossed with a crocodile, and a barbed tail lashes back and forth hypnotically. Looks as though you've just met the giant Burkwaddle Pip. The creature has 100 life points, strikes on a 4 or better, does plus 5 damage with the fangs and talons. Scales act as armor, deducting minus 4. Worse still, it has natural immunity to magic of all sorts. Except one, which will come in... You, sorry, which we'll come to, rather, in a minute. Oh my god. So that you have to throw a 7 or better to use any magic artifact or spell successfully. The exception is the Ebony Rod of Kral, small rod believed to be hidden somewhere in the wilderness. Has the indentation in the end, you can fit a special ruby. If you happen to have found both the rod and the ruby, you can immediately remove 50 life points from the Burke Waddle. Oh my god. And talking of hard way, you better turn to 174 to see if you're fighting this thing with one hand behind your back. Well... Could have been a lot worse, Pip. Seems you got the riddle right, and you don't have to fight this with a handicap. Okay. Hey. A hundred life points, four or better, plus five damage, and it blocks four damage a hit? Mm, 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 mm. Rito. Yeah. I believe that the uh the the reference to uh use any magical artifact or spell successfully yes it has high natural immunity to magic of all sorts i'm assuming this means things that we would cast on it which is to say if we use a slightly magical artifact on ourselves I such imagine as? we don't have to roll against its magic immunity, such as something like a crystal that might turn us invisible and uh, gives. Oh my a, god! I forgot we just had just above fifty percent. Exactly, just above a fifty percent chance if it happens to roll the right number to uh, make the Burkwaddle run away. I think that's right because yeah, we're not casting anything on it. So what do you need to roll mm -hmm. to see if it's successful? Is it just one d six? So. Then if that we utilize a a crystal exactly uh if it does a result one to four it does nothing if it's a result of five then it is on a six plus it scares away uh, any of the creatures we're interacting with we'd roll individually for each of them uh however if we get a six then half of the turns we actually take damage i will say half good news because i think five would have been better but i did roll a six incredible First crystal has given us half hit turns. Could we try and use an... Should we just use all the crystals to see if we get a five? Are we capable of popping all of the crystals before the fight? Mm. Does seem illegal. How many do we have? Perhaps a little. We have uh, six total. We've expended one. Is it worth rolling them on our turn? Oh, probably. It's still like... A hundred life points strikes on a four or better doing plus five deducting four is frankly babonkers even if we removed yeah, 50 life right. points um okay so what do i do roll initiative then is there any alternative not that i can think of but i also if i recall correctly i think the crystals affect initiative slightly i believe they mean we take initiative 
That I don't remember. I forgot we had the crystals entirely. Been, um, o- been over. A that's day. okay. That's 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 the old power of the written down yep. inventory system. Um, where are we? Where are we? We dispatched the invisible opponent, which means we went to ninety six. Uh, scoop up a handful of crystals. Each time you take a dose, you throw a die, uh, a six, gaining automatic surprise on an opponent and oh. ensuring that he will miss you every second strike during combat. Well, there we go. So no initiative needed. And on a five, the enemy will be uh, rolling a double dice in case they immediately run away in terror as we become the headless. Well, perfect. So, do we just want to take turns expending these crystals and see if we can get this guy to run away from us? I guess. Have you any other suggestion? Not really. It's more just this sucks. (laughs) It's It's the best option because just... Even doing the math on on this one hundred, how many like how many life points do we have? Because we can't use uh, potions in combat. We have fifty total. If we could use potions in combat, this would be a joke. Mm-hmm. But since we can't, this mathematically does not go in our favor. Even like going every other turn. Yeah, exactly. Minus it's, four. It's pretty harsh. It's we if, have to cheese it. If we had the boots of speed and the enemy was attacking at half speed, which is to say we attack four times for every enemy attack, maybe. <laughs> but yeah. still then, I'm not and confident about it. They have four damage reduction off the top. And we reduce their life points by 50? That would certainly possibly get be, Then we'd be in the realm of, of a, a fair fight. <laughs> All right. Uh, I will roll for our second crystal expenditure. Cool. Uh, we throw one of these crystals on the ground and crush it with our foot and uh, surprised when it doesn't work. Aw, oh, beans. Okay, so the first attack it does get to do. Yes, it's on a four or better. That is a five, which is unfortunately <laughs> still so much damage. I mean, be prepared. There's very few options on these two dice that are going to be misses, <laughs> just so you know. Um, so a five is still a oh boy it's a one plus six it's, it's four damage still mm-hmm. that's nuts down to 46 remaining okay and then why don't you just roll two since it doesn't get to strike us next turn anyways or maybe you roll sure, one and sure. i roll one actually don't yeah. even roll yours i got a five <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh i will then roll in response for the creature a double dice roll on a six or plus they are terrified of us and end battle. All right, one of these reads three. Read or the other one reads five. This thing is absolutely terrified of the headless visage directly ahead of them, turns back into dust and seeps into the stones. And just to just in case there's any um actuallys out there saying, you know what, maybe it is actually uh, a magical artifact you should roll to see if they pass it i just rolled two dice and i crit on that roll for science so there's no 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 maybes we we passed the the check for that even if it was relevant which i don't know if it is or not using it on with hands, science maybe uh and uh, yep i guess it runs away <laughs> you know what's funny is we also could have won this fight if you just roll the three on the mask check. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but 
It's like, oh man, you win this after all that. You win through cheese. It's like, yeah, this book's it's kind of about just setting up cheese. It's a mm-hmm. it's setting up the answer to a puzzle, and it gives you lots of different potential cheesy keys to do so. All right. Uh, so yeah, we turn back to one seventy four. If you survive, and go then... to one seventy one. Exactly. You did it. Also, the if we were striking with our one hand behind the back, you miss every third strike automatically. So if you had an effect that made you miss every second strike and every third strike, uh, LOL, that sounds fun. You did it, exclaims the king excitedly. Now they'll call you the Burkwaddle Slaughterer. Not if I can help it. You growl sourly, putting away your sword. You turn with the king to the throne room where, to the relief of both of you, Excalibur slips from the Stilton as smoothly as if it were a block of butter. Please convey my apologies to the good King Arthur, says King Blogwart contritely. And my assurance is such a thing will never happen again. I've decided to live in peace with my brother. Except the occasional bit of sabotage, of course, so things should be all better around. Yeah, you agree. Oh, one more thing, says the king. I have a little gift to show my appreciation for the fact that you did not do me in as easily as you dealt with the Burkwaddle. (laughs) <laughs> One of my prize stallions to carry you safely back to your own land. He claps his hands and through a side door crashes the terrifying shape of a riding borefax, an ornate leather saddle already strapped to its back. Don't worry, remarks the king. You'll soon get the hang of riding him and he has a very pleasant nature. Gingerly you approach the borefax, wondering ruefully if you'll ever manage Camelot in one piece. Who knows, although you might like to turn to the section headed Pip Triumphant to find out. <gasps> That's the good page! All was not well at Camelot. Ah, oh, the great castle on the hillside overlooking Lassenberry, once noted for the festive penance of that flew like captive pigeons from its towers. Stood gloomily and somber drawbridges raised, portcullis lowered, windows shuttered, and brooding silhouettes against the dark night sky. And around it stretched the encampment of a siege army close to 7,000 strong. Inside the castle in the upper chamber, which housed the table round, King Arthur sat, head bowed in silent thought, while a depleted complement of knights watched him in expectant silence. At last, the king looked up. The problem, he said slowly, is beyond solution. The army within our gates is no invading foreign power but our own stalwart countrymen. Misguided, perhaps, but stout and English, every one. We cannot, in conscience, attack our own subjects. And yet, put in Sir Galahad, they lay our siege. That they do, Sir Percival agreed. And our storerooms are almost empty, our supplies almost exhausted, if we do not fight Camelot itself would fall. It is, murmured the king again, beyond solution, unless, said Sir Galahad quietly, Excalibur is found. The knights to a man turned to look pointedly at the silent white-robed figure, seated in a corner in disgrace. Merlin, for it was he, fidgeted uneasily. Hmm. Interesting, Merlin. He hates fidgeting, and yet. It always seemed to end up this way, he thought. Wherever anything went wrong, he finished up carrying the can. 
Outside in the encampment, men were stirring. Although untrained to war, these worthies had a natural peasant cunning, and since time for mass attack had come. And for that attack, they prepared with rude discipline. Shouting orders, sharpening weapons, polishing boots, a whispered word went round, attack at dawn. They waited, tense with expectation, the sky lightened in the false dawn. On the outskirts of the encampment, a sentry yawned, expecting no disturbance. Were not King Arthur and his knights safely cooped up in the castle? A sound the sentry startled, strained his eyes to the limits of the campfire glow. The sound was, was louder and moving closer now, a raking, thumping noise, interspersed with a snorting breath. Nervously, the sentry called. Uh, who's there? And into the firelight bounded a creature from his darkest nightmares. A monster! A demon! A dragon! A creature from hell! But it was none of these things. As dawn broke, the light fell on something never before seen throughout the length and breadth of Avalon. A horrifying mount which trotted on two splayed hind legs, its taloned forelegs, at the ready to attack. A mount with three yellow eyes and a whiplash tongue, and seated on the Borfax, a slim, grim, silent figure. The siege army fell back in panic, splitting in two, allowing the rider and the nightmarish mount free passage through. On they traveled, looking neither right nor left, until reaching the moat, beyond which lays the great gate of Camelot itself. On the battlements above, an archer raised his bow, then hesitated. There's something maddeningly familiar about the figure on the monster's back. Pip? whispered the archer, then with mounting excitement turned to his companions. Pip! he shouted. Pip has returned! Below him, Pip's right arm slowly rose, holding aloft a great sword which flamed and sparkled in the blood-red morning sun. Excalibur! The sound was like a thunderclap rolling across the distant hills. Excalibur! And the sound reached the upper chamber of the table round, where the knights had fallen silent in their discussion. The wizard Merlin suddenly began to smile. Uh, your Majesty, he said, it would seem the realm is saved. Ba-ba-ba-da, wee! Yeehaw, that is one kingdom of horror conquered. Holy moly. We got him. We got him. That was a wild one. A couple of, I mean, flavor-wise, I really like Scrog Hollow City, especially. I like the idea mm -hmm. of the uh, the open world and the mapping element. I think that, that all that's interesting. I think there's just a couple interspersed things that were just like, See, wasn't the fun part the fact that you had to roll the die and whether or not you got this, something successful or die instantly? Wasn't wasn't that the fun part? When it's like, no, that wasn't the fun part. The fun part was the, you know, everything else. <laughs> everything else. Yeah. It, it feels like the warning at the very front was was uh, definitely uh, what's... It, more of a like protective preventative disclaimer of like uh there's a lot of hard kills that we wrote in here and also one of the core mechanics is going back to merlin's hut one roll of the die can literally just instantly kill you uh also you'll lose your inventory and then you won't be able to claim it again uh it, it seemed like more than any other that we played so far this had the ability to lock the player out of the game so much with the and with the intent being that you start again from the beginning each time, that mm -hmm. just doesn't make any sense. With with it like to get the amount of equipment that you'd normally get in the other books for you know for free or for a cost that you which I thought was a very interesting thing, being like, 
okay, here's the list of equipment. Let us figure out what we think might be useful. And then later down the line, we get screwed over or not based off of our choices that we made. Uh, mm -hmm. I found that part compelling and interesting. And this it's like to get the same amount of stuff. I need to roll a die like and get five twos before ever yep. rolling a one. And yeah. if you roll any and if you roll any sixes, you also lose half of your health. That's just like that's not you have to fudge that rule because it's just not good. <laughs> Like yeah, if if there were like your death pass tokens or something, like your yeah. some ability to roll a one, but that also not be awful for you. Like I don't know, pass through stone or something like that, because the one mechanically would put you in the basalt mountain under Merlin's hut. So if you had something that was like, oh, I can move through stone, then I can see a world in which it becomes more tolerable. But then the problem is, as soon as it becomes tolerable, the player should just sit there and yeah. continue rolling until they have every item. Yeah. So it's just like, it's a, it's an unfortunate mechanic inclusion that puts, puts randomness in a place that it didn't need to be, is, mm. which, you know. And then, like, it's, and you can tell, it, I, I don't know if they're going to lighten up on it, seeing the fact that, like, hey, your house, Pip, I don't know if you know, Pip, Pip, like a die, get it? And also now here is a die house. I don't think it's going to lighten up on mm -hmm. that style thing. So we'll see what happens moving forward here. But uh, I still love the story. I love I love the Scrog Hollow City especially. I really like it. I think I'll remember it as a big part. Yep. When I think back to Grail Quest in the future when we're done, I think Scrog Hollow City is going to be one of those things I remember as a very memorable chunk. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's very flavorful, funny, very Grail Quest. It just fe it felt like it encapsulated the good things about the book very well in terms of writing in mm -hmm. this kind of silly, irreverent way. Exactly. It has one of my favorite kind of like silly tropes that that is not extremely popular, which is the two people who are in endless war, but are exactly the same otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yes, literally down to one letter. Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, either way, any other thoughts you have on uh, this book here? Uh, none in a special, however. Hmm? We do have a uh, executive producer for this episode, should you like to hear their name? I should like to hear it. Well, excellent. Even if you didn't, I would have told you it's Alex K, our Whoa. executive producer for this episode. Much appreciated for supporting over on Patreon.com slash turn to pagecast that are above the hardcover tier. Much appreciated to both you, Alex K, and all of the rest of the people over there on Patreon. Yeehaw! Patreon.com slash turn to page cast if you want to help support this show. Help us justify the silly, silly amount of hours spanning multiple days on silly old choose your own adventure books. Uh, if you want to help out over there, that'd be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, but if you want to help for free, youtube.com slash turn to page cast. If you want to go over there, do a subscribe, do any comments if you have anything you wanted to say about the episode. Maybe chat up with a couple other people who left comments on the episode. That all helps the the podcast as well as leaving any reviews, thumbs ups, like five stars, all that kind of stuff. That's a nice free way. If you're like, yeah, I love the podcast. I just can't afford to do it. No problem. One of those free ways is also a wonderful thing that you can do to help out. Uh, but yeah, that's that. It's going to do it here for today for uh, Turn the Page. We'll be back at it again 
with uh, book number six. We're in the uh, the end game now, so to speak. See you next time. Bye. Adios.